1: Welcome to Brother Date Star Tracks Edition, I'm Matthew. I'm Judah. Dude, I am sitting here at my console, but um, I got like body armor on and I'm wearing some sweet gloves <laughs> because I know sparks are going to fucking fly in this
0: episode. So you are...
1: <laughs> it was either stand next to the console so I can do the pod or run to the <laughs> middle of the room and shout at the microphone or something. <laughs> Because there's going to be shit popping off all. I time. mean,
0: in a lot of ways, this is the week we've been waiting for.
1: I've been waiting for it for sure. <laughs> Look, anything that has the Icarus factor in it, I know that's a week that I'm waiting for.
0: The only thing that would make this episode better is if the cold open was the O eggs. I mean,
1: I know it should. It belongs been. It in this episode
0: been. so bad. It's not what we're starting with, by the way.
1: No, no, no. I know. I. You I, said this
0: I, episode. You mean this week. This week is fuck yes. wild.
1: This week is gonna be wild, and any week that has the Icarus Factor is one that I have been waiting for. Was my point. Um.
0: <clears throat> yeah, it's week thirty nine of our uh, ill-advised Star Trek project that we just keep doing.
1: Yeah, I don't know why we haven't stopped. It's kind of messed up, actually.
0: It's if, extremely we still have messed up.
1: Way more ahead of us than we have behind us. Like, really, again, it wouldn't be that crazy
0: to stop. Again, it's we're we're not talking about one hundred and ninety nine television hours. No. Invested in this project it's... And twice this week I had to sleep on the premise <laughs> You're like
1: well I still got nothing
0: Yep um, all right, Let's just jump in yeah, As usual uh, we go from uh, Last week's fifth to last week's first uh, So that means This week we're starting with Voyager We watched Tuvix yeah. Tuvok and Neelix are down collecting flowers on some world because they may prove edible. Hmm. And they're just a real old, odd couple.
1: Why'd Tuvok have to go?
0: Yeah. Okay. (laughs) I guess he's security for Neelix. Yeah,
1: but like, for what, the flowers?
0: I, I mean, can't you see Worf having beamed down on this thing and being pretty bored? Well,
1: uh... Yeah, I guess.
0: I guess Keiko. I guess Keiko would be the equivalent. He'd have time to... ...is fucking picking flowers.
1: Tell everyone about some Klingon legend. Space yeah. legend.
0: Um, anyway, they're a real odd couple, these two these two old boys. It's a mm. good thing they're not roommates or whatever. Uh, there's some trouble with the transporter, but don't worry, Harry Kim's on it. And uh, then they'll be able to come, come right on back up to the ship. But something goes wrong. And up beams to Vix. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: yes. Our favorite.
0: This is a round-faced half Vulcan, half Talaxian with uh, that hair that Lister got when his head swole up, <laughs> when he got the mumps, the right. space mumps, yep. and he's wearing neelix's jacket but it's got starfleet uniform colors but it's kind of kind of a swirly pattern it's yeah. actually kind of a good jacket it's, honestly
1: it's an amazing jacket that just, just accidentally came out of this transporter pad it's
0: kind of a good jacket it's a mix of both of their jackets
1: mm-hmm. uh, the dna of the jackets you see Where
0: this this that's right the dna of the jackets also merged yeah um anyway it's two vix he uh he goes to sickbay and uh, gives Kes a creepy little smile while Schmullis explains that he has literally a merging of the two men. Mm. Plus also the dumb orchids that they were beaming up, which were uh, symbio They reproduced by symbiogenesis. So they literally combined these orchids combined two other shits. That's their deal. That's the deal with these dumb orchids. And when they beamed them up, these Great. two guys merged and it actually had nothing to do with the transporter malfunction. That's a weird point in the yeah. story. Not a transporter problem. Just don't beam these orchids up. Yeah. It's, these it's, are some dangerous orchids. It's
1: only a transporter problem and that you shouldn't use the transporter on these orchids.
0: So here's Tuvix's deal. He has the memories of both men. Yep. But he appears to be a single individual. These mm-hmm. not like. They're not both in there. It's just one new person. Yeah, it's not like in one memories. scene,
1: he's, like, he's talking all logical, like, Tuvok, and then something comes over him.
0: Yeah, he's s- not doing a Smeagol slash Gollum here. Right. He's just pure Tuvix. Pure uncut Tuvix.
1: <laughs> which is which is what we're looking for, I think.
0: Oh, also, he is uncut. I don't know why <laughs> they made a point of mentioning... <laughs> no.
1: No, you, say, uh, you see it on a diagram in the back on one of the Doctor's panels.
0: So, um... It's like this. Initially, nobody nobody can be cool about this. Nobody's cool about this at all. Yeah. Everyone is super suspicious of this dude. Like, there is any way this could be anything other than what it appears to be?
1: Yeah, like maybe he's uh, maybe he's a Kazon trap.
0: Make makes no sense. Makes yeah. no sense that anything. But anyway, they're not cool about it. He wants to take his tactical post, and Janeway's like, mm, I don't think that's a good idea. But you could come to the briefing. Anyway, that's where Harry Kim uh, proposes his big theory that this is nobody's fault.
1: Yeah, it's good. Well, it's good he gets himself off the hook.
0: I was mad at him in that first scene in sick Bay when they're all trying to figure out what's wrong because he did not look ashamed of himself at all. And at that point, you have to figure he's prime suspect. Oh yeah. There was a transporter problem that he just fixed, and now two, tu- two, tu- two—I tu- tu- can't even say their real names. Two fucking Nelix One person. Yeah. yeah. He did it the worst you could do it.
1: He didn't do a very good job. He beamed down two and brought up one. That's, yeah, not that's good. Yeah,
0: that's wrong. He did wrong math.
1: That's a bad ratio.
0: Anyway, it uh, doesn't matter. Nobody's fault this is. Yeah. <sighs> Tuvix uh, wants to have a little dinner date with Cass. And she's... um.
1: I don't know if you've heard... I don't know if they told you on the show before. She is very desirable.
0: That's right. She's, she's justice. Well, look. Okay. All right, sure, that's dumb, but he does he does have all of Neelix's memories.
1: Yeah, I'm just saying, you know, he uh, Neelix likes her, and the Doctor likes her, and Tom Paris likes her, and probably Tuvok likes her, too. Why not?
0: Yeah, it's wild that everybody on the ship is super into her. Yeah. Because she is, like, a two-year-old, and she's only going to live seven more years, and it seems like that it probably, probably make you think twice.
1: A two-year-old, and they talk about it all the time. They yeah. constantly bring up that she's only two.
0: Uh, I actually found her to be a pretty good sport about this whole thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they uh, and then they get to the mess hall, and this is where Tuvix really starts to shine. Because he takes over cooking. Oh, and he's a better cook than Neelix was. They, they oh, and a he's point. a better tactical officer than Tuvok was. They
1: make a point of, of, of saying these things to us.
0: And he's just like, he's cool in a way that Tuvok wasn't, and...
1: Like, you just want to be his friend, you know? Also you cool
0: just, in a way that Neelix wasn't. He's, like, a good dude, and everyone's into it.
1: You just kind of want... You just want to, like, play cards with him, but then, like, also you want to ask him about your relationship problems, you know?
0: Uh, meanwhile, they're uh, they're beaming flowers up to try and figure out how to undo it. Yeah. But uh, it doesn't look good, and it seems like maybe tu- Tuvix is just going to be it. Like, just going to be the thing now. Right. So... Uh, we do, like, a two-week smash cut or something. Where everyone... Well, I guess before that, uh Tuvix, um, goes goes to Kes and professes his love.
1: Sure, he has to... He feels like he has to do it again. Because he did it as Neelix. But now yeah. that he's Tuvix, he feels like he has to reset the dial. And be like, hey, just so you know, Tuvix, me, Tuvix, still in love with you.
0: Yeah. And also, he, um... He negs her a little bit, like he does say, you don't have that long left to live, so like... You may as well. Come on with this. <laughs> yeah. Like, I feel like the implication in that scene is, yeah, 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 by the time we get back to Tuvok's wife, you'll be gone, so none of that matters. Like, long. long, long, long I mean, don't worry long. about any of that, that's nothing.
1: Yeah, it's gonna take us like 70 years to get back, so... not a problem.
0: Uh, So Kes goes to the person that all throughout this series we've seen be her companion and sounding board when she's got something on her mind obviously uh janeway yeah. you did you think i was gonna say Schmullis? No, no 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 should, we, should we. it maybe have been schmollis <laughs> anyway it's janeway
1: it's janeway in her pajamas
0: and um janeway does this she is in her pajamas i have some notes on okay. that idea um janeway does this move that is irritating when, like, someone is talking about their how, how they're so tired because of their new baby, and someone else is like, well, I've got cats, so I know how that is. Because her immediate response is, I know, I miss Tuvok. And it's like, what?
2: Yeah, like, um, I was reading his
0: old letters to me. Fucking
2: why?
1: Yeah, Tuvok why? the traitor? <laughs> That's right. Tuvok the traitor. Tuvok the part-time serial killer. Yeah. That's, that's the Tuvok we're talking about.
0: Tuvok who went batshit crazy in sickbay?
1: Yeah. Um,
0: who are you going to have run cadets around the ship now? Although, Janeway?
1: to be fair, I'm not sure anyone, I'm not sure even as the viewers, we believe that Kess reciprocates Neelix's feelings.
0: This is a good point. You're saying that this actually might be a closer analogy Th- it than it I'm giving you credit for? It might work because I think
1: she <laughs> has been trying to keep Neelix solidly in the friend zone.
0: Because Kes just uh, hitched a ride with Neelix to get the fuck out of... uh, The
1: terrible um, desert world where she had been kidnapped to?
0: Right, yeah. She's just like, alright, I'll stick this out with Neelix, whatever.
1: Yeah, um, uh, because... I always get the feeling he's like, I love you, Kes. And she's like, oh, Neelix, that's funny. And then she just goes on with her shit. So yeah, she may not, it may be fine that Janeway thinks that uh, uh, her Tuvok is kisses Neelix.
0: At this point, Janeway uh, sort of points out a parallel here by saying that the whole crew has been going through kind of a version of this, Yeah, where they're hoping to be reunited with their loved ones, but also they're just kind of trying to figure out how to live in the here and now. Like, she doesn't say specifically, like, people are starting relationships here. Yeah. But it's got to be happening.
1: Including she's had to deal with losing the world's most perfect live in boyfriend, Mark.
0: Mark. Well, we know he likes dogs. Well, and I, I um, wonder if he
1: still has those dogs or if he. Oh, the, yeah, he got rid of those dogs. Those dogs, those dogs are, are gone, God, right?
0: right? He, put, he put them shits back in the replicator they came from. <laughs>
1: First, I of those dogs deuced to where it wasn't supposed to. <laughs> yeah,
0: well, you're, you're gone.
1: You're right. He put it right back into the replicator's slot and said, Get rid of Dog! That's not the command. What get rid of.
0: Computer, Erase dog. Minus one dog. <laughs> uh-huh. Um. All right, so this is where we do the two week jump cut. Okay. Yeah. Uh, it turns out that Schmollis has been working all this time, and he has a theory about how to get. Uh, get these uh, original boys back. Yes. Uh. And Kim goes to uh, sickbay to help him work it out. But it's, like, kind of not good timing because this is the point where Kess goes to talk to Tuvix at Sandrine's. Right. And tell him that, you know, she wants to be friends now, but maybe there's a future for them. She's so, not totally opposed to figuring out what his weird merged dick looks like.
1: So finally, after this episode, you'll understand what I mean when I say Kess and Tuvix at Sandrine's?
0: Yes.
2: Okay.
0: <laughs> I guess so. Uh, in the middle of that conversation, though, Tuvus gets called down to sickbay to hear the good news that uh, they've figured out how to split him in half again, and it's going to work, and don't worry about it. It's just going to work. No, that's that's almost exactly what they say. The problem here is not that this is going to be dangerous in any way. We promise this is going to work. We and this is have where...
1: covered every possible variable.
0: I promise you the rest of the episode is not about whether this procedure will work or is risky. This it's will allow you to says.
1: focus on your emotional questions.
0: Yeah. And here it is. Tuvix doesn't want to die.
1: Yeah. Well look, everyone so, keeps complimenting him on how much better he is than the odd couple. So right. yeah.
0: So, uh Janeway has a quick chat with Chicote about it, and then uh Tuvix comes right in and he thinks it ought to be his choice to make. Yeah. And uh she figures that as the ship's captain, she A, she's just the fucking boss around here. And B, she's sort of speaking on behalf of Tuvok and Neelix. Seems okay. And what they would want.
2: Yep. She does say that.
0: So they talk about executions and also self-sacrifice. And Tuvix again asserts that he has a right to live. He goes to Kess and asks her to intercede on his behalf. And uh, Kes doesn't handle that real well.
1: No, she kind of sells him out. Throws him under the bus. Goes-
0: Goes running right to Janeway and says, uh nah nah, nah I want Neelix back.
1: Tufox Tuvix to Tuvix, Tuvix, Tuvix told me to come and like save his life, but I don't wanna so Yeah,
0: here's the thing, I thought about it and
1: I don't want to. So can you just go and go kill Tuvix for me? I mean I can do it for you if you want.
0: And also we see on the bridge that the crew's attitude towards Tuvix has um soured somewhat.
1: He was he just too perfect?
0: They're kind of. I think at this point they're like, they know that either he's going to be executed or he's going to be the guy who, uh, like didn't do a noble self sacrifice oh, to bring back saying. the their two other crewmen.
1: I hate when people put me in that position where they're like, I, either I'm going to have to die or be the guy who didn't do a self sacrifice. Yeah, so my fi- f- at that point,
0: my feeling is, uh, these guys are just like listen, let's just distance ourselves a little bit from this guy, because whatever happens next, it's going to be weird for a while.
2: Yeah. Maybe
0: that's um, and this is when Janeway arrives, uh, announces that she's reached her decision. Tu- Tuvix wants her to announce it out loud so everyone can hear her condemn him to death. Uh, she summons security to the bridge when he tries to run away. And then Tuvix tells him they're all going to have to live with what they're doing, but that he forgives them. That doesn't feel sincere, but that's fine. He said it. Yeah. And uh, then they go down to sickbay where Shmolus refuses to perform the procedure because he's a fucking doctor. So, and, uh,
1: but what do you think Phlox would have
0: done? Oh, Phlox would have done
1: it for sure. Fox would have killed him good.
0: Fox wouldn't have waited to tell him about it.
1: <laughs> no, I should have killed him gone. I felt it was my ethical imperative to kill him.
0: Yeah. So uh, Janeway carries out this execution herself. And uh, Tuvok and Neelix reappear. And Janeway leaves. Yeah. yeah.
2: What's
0: this wild-ass episode about, Matthew? Uh,
1: uh, good question. Um, I guess... I guess it's about how a leader must decide what's best for the mission, even at the expense of the individual. It kind of makes it so that it's a Janeway take, even though she's really only involved in the back half of this thing. Yeah, But I couldn't figure out what weird Tuvix take was hanging out out there. Uh, it's a very anti-Trek stance. It's like the dark version of the good of the one and the good of the many from the Star Trek yeah. movies.
0: Yeah, it really is.
1: Um, I think it's even fine if you want to make this argument, but it feels like a mixed message coming from the Roddenberry universe. And um,
0: coming from I'm going to blow this ship up on principle, Janeway.
1: Yeah. She, and she was very... This is apart from the take, but just her in this episode. She was, she really wanted to kill this dude. <laughs> she was, she was pretty intent on it.
0: She made her mind up, and she was just gonna be, uh, just cold as ice about it.
1: Yep. Um. Anyway, I give it a four. Okay. On take.
0: All right. So. I thought that, the, that at the end of the day, the takeaway from this episode is, sometimes you shouldn't let go of the past.
1: Because uh, the way I they mean, they talk a lot about how it might be time to let go, and then they turn around and go, nah, you know
3: what?
0: Yeah, this is <laughs> like, Janeway raises the idea that Tuvix is a manifestation of what the whole crew is going through. Like, this idea of... We hope to see our loved ones again, but maybe we're not gonna. And we have to keep going, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, oh, what? There's an opportunity to bring those two people back, but we have to kill this one dude. Let's, well, let's bring them back. Do it. Yeah, let's yeah. That's definitely. that's definitely we're gonna do that, though. Yeah. Yes. So uh, I agree. This is wildly anti-Star Trek. My take also, and uh, I don't like it. I only give it two points.
1: Okay. That seems that seems fair.
0: Ben is a six on this one, by the way.
1: But he's a weird, rambly six.
0: He is. He says that he was so disconcerted by Tuvix's creepy, smiling face that he can't think analytically about this one. He, says something, he thinks it might be an abortion parallel.
1: Yeah, he's like, something about the inherent right to live, uh, abortion episode. And then he says he didn't know, but he'll give it points because they're doing something that's new. And that he hated watching it. Um... So he gave it six, uh, which seems like a lot when he can't identify w- what they were doing.
0: Um, it does, but, um, but it's you know he choice. does that sometimes. That's his choice.
1: Uh, what about executions? execution
0: Execution. Uh, this episode did a couple of good things here. Okay. It never resorted to silliness. Yeah. And it didn't back away from what it was doing at the end by making it so that like, uh Tuvix was inherently unstable. Yes, so we only doomed. have an hour before he dies. Their DNA was incompatible and he only had weeks to live, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera.
1: Made it a mercy killing or whatever.
0: Um, my gut feeling on this episode, and, like, I haven't turned this one over enough to have it be more than just a a gut feeling, but, um... Is that Janeway made the wrong choice, and yes. I also don't expect that it will come back to haunt her in any way on Voyager.
1: Yeah, I think you got that. So it's
0: hard for me to qual- call this one an unqualified uh, well,
1: success. Who's going to complain? Chakotay because he considered him a friend? Like, right, I, don't, exactly. I don't think anyone cares.
0: Um, but actually, I mostly think this one was pretty well done. I gave it seven points.
1: Oh, Wow. Yeah. All right, we are way flipsy on this. <laughs> <laughs> this is well, a maybe big you'll talk me down. It's hard for us to have this big a difference in one category. Uh, I gave it a two. Okay. Um, And I think you touched on it. I, I'm not actually sure why she feels it's important to have Tuvok and Neelix back as opposed to Tuvix. Other than that, they were there and now they
0: aren't. This is kind of, by the way, this is kind of consistent with the Janeway four weeks ago, who sent Harry Kim and a baby back through this fucking mm-hmm. portal to, to set make it things right. the way they once were.
1: And it's also like the time Harry Kim was married to Libby, but then decided to basically commit suicide just to set things right.
0: Right. Like there's C-couldn't some inherent out why
1: rightness. It. Yeah. Yeah.
0: To the original timeline and that setting things back the way they were is good in and of itself. It's
1: that's the moral choice for some reason. Right. Um, Yeah. They go out of the way to show that his existence hasn't hurt the operation of the ship one bit, that everyone likes him. They've learned to accept and appreciate him. So what's the argument here? Some, some vague feeling that things aren't right and need to be made. So again, it's like a Guinan feeling.
0: By the way, this is why it's a little bit frustrating that the actual stance of the episode is not particularly clear because yeah. they do so much clarifying work. Yes. They like, they have, someone has thought of every hack thing that you would do in this episode Yeah, and put a line in that says, it's not that. Yeah,
1: exactly right. Yes. So they clarify all this shit up front, but then they don't give us any real insight into why the, why there's a question about what to do moving forward. Yeah. So I don't think there's a moral imperative, because there's a sentient being in front of you begging to be left alive. She claims she speaks for Tuvok and Neelix. Tuvok and Neelix are dead. That guy literally is Tuvok and Neelix. That's a good point. And he's telling you what he wants.
0: Also, when she she makes some weird argument where she's like, I know that both uh, Tuvok and Neelix would have given their lives for somebody, and since they're both in you, clearly, but wait a minute.
1: They gave their lives for this guy
0: this This is their opportunity to <laughs> yeah, do that
1: exactly right. They could just go away, and this great guy would exist, who everyone considers a friend. um so anyway, none of this seems morally quite correct.
0: no, it's pretty wild stuff, frankly.
1: Then you get into just I mean just the basic premise of this episode, yes, this is a space fantasy, so you're always sort of you have to suspend your disbelief or whatever, but that Tuvix wasn't just a bunch of nasty guts when he beamed up. Like, just oh, yeah. a bunch of weird matter all stuck together. It's kind of crazy.
0: Oh, it, yeah, it's... there's uh, Scientifically, this is straight nonsense.
1: This is some... Yeah, this is 1960s sci-fi, where they're like, two people combined! And they're just like a really cool Dude! At the end of the day, uh, yeah, he came back half Tuvok, half Neelix, like they had a dang kid, but also he's got all the memories and emotions, and the uniform mixed together, too. Yeah. And again, just in a really cool way, where it's like, ah, it's got both patterns
0: on it. By the way, makes more sense if this was a transporter accident, and they're like, I don't know, the transporter had to figure out what... Like, the computer had yeah. to figure out what to do with these weird patterns. That Same
1: version going. of the program that, again, can parse more As sultry. As opposed to
0: making it, like, a weird proper, property of these orchids.
1: I'm kind of... I wonder what would happen if you entered a voice command to the computer during a transport more sultry. Oh, yeah. Would it just... Oh, would God, would that work? Would it turn you into a sexy brunette? Like, I don't understand. <laughs> And then the very band aid tech solution that the doctor claims accounts for every variable. Yeah, so it's the-
0: like giving you a fucking barium enema, <laughs> but somehow it isolates yeah. your DNA. <laughs> and here is the thing, by the way, he kept saying it'll isolate one strand of DNA cetera, and pull it out. Does that mean that like Tuvok is Tuvok, but Neelix is Neelix plus Orchid? Because there was Orchid DNA in there, too.
1: Yeah, I hope they do this a couple of times.
0: Did they, do a, did they do round two, and we just didn't see it?
1: <laughs> maybe, maybe those orchids beamed right, right behind them or something. No, that's, the that's,
0: they were behind They were behind Neelix. We couldn't see them. Yeah. Got it.
1: Uh, so again, the question has to then be about Tuvix's desire to stick around uh, versus the captain's duty to old Tuvok and Neelix. From a narrative standpoint, that allows them to focus on the real conflict, which is good, but from an internal logic perspective, they suck at predicting what the transporter will do. So to say we've accounted for every variable means nothing because uh, they a, don't know how the transporter does
2: anything. That's a
0: fair. It's a very fair point. It's just like uh it's just like when Picard trusts data to give him the. uh, The correct code in yeah. the fucking Iconian launch bay. Amber, amber blue has, or whatever. He done shocked himself a couple of times He can't even trying stand Trying to do up. this shit. <laughs> yeah.
1: Oh, yeah. And he, every command he's entered to this point is. Yeah, his wrong.
0: track record is not good so far. <laughs> it's
1: not manual override.
0: But this time it's going to work.
1: Yeah. So I, I thought the whole episode from...
0: So that plot hole was so bad and wrong for you.
1: From a moral perspective, from a plot perspective, from a perspective of internal logic of, of everything we've learned, I thought this show was buck wild in a bad way. I see. Uh, so i give yeah i give it a two in execution
0: uh i feel like you have to let it go when they say something about the transporter like you just have to accept that what they say about it is true because otherwise star trek is no there's no star trek anymore. Oh, all you definitely... can talk about is the galileo seven and fucking uh episodes of Enterprise where they don't use the transporter.
1: I don't feel like the transporter is a third rail, though I feel like it is treated so inconsistently that it might as well be. It's like
0: so this is like if they if they did some wild shit with the universal translator you'd be like i don't want to talk i don't even want to get into
1: it yes that
0: universal translator (laughs) so later on when quark is in some general's office banging (laughs) his ear you're gonna be like i don't care whatever i don't care what that is i can't get into that
1: because there isn't there isn't a way to explain it that makes any sense I'm not even going to worry about it. I'm just going to... I'll sit there. Whatever they want to do. But I feel like you could come up with consistent logic for the transporter. It wouldn't be that hard. They just don't do it. They just treat it so inconsistently. I just think the part where they say we've accounted for every variable is not going to make me feel any better if I'm fix Because they fuck uh, up so much shit.
0: It's clear, right? But it's absolutely clear that all of that stuff is just to make Janeway's decision... Yes. Just to crystallize it.
1: That's what I mean. And from a narrative standpoint, I think that is the right thing to do. It's just from an internal logic standpoint, you just go, hmm, okay. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I guess we're just taking the doctor's word for it.
0: Okay, well, I'm not going to fight you on this. Uh, Ben gave it a five for execution. Uh, He wants to know how it's possible that they could fuse. Oh, I get it. It's just like when Voyager got twisted.
1: (laughs) That's that's right. It is a lot like that. Which is still... uh either the all-time low score or close to it.
0: He I said was there wasn't... He said there's not much tension. Let's just split his weird-looking ass and keep voyaging already. But, like...
1: <sighs> I think it was pretty overwrought in terms of the... I I thought there was some tension. I thought there was a lot of um, Tuvix hand-wringing.
0: Anyway, it's... Uh, Ben's top half is a 6 and a 5 and if you Damn. read his description but didn't see the scores, you'd guess he gave it a 2 and a 1.
1: Well, the show chased itself around in logical errors. Oh, definitely so. B+. <laughs> this
0: is definitely a B-plus episode for sure. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's let's get into world building. Where are you on world building? Uh,
1: this week in Sensors. They can detect individual species of flower and in enough detail to tell you uh, how nutritious they will be.
0: Yep. Um, <laughs> that is true
1: again I, I know voyager, it is true
0: this week and only this week
1: voyager is an advanced science vessel it came a little while after tng and all that but uh I, I expect next week they'll be able to tell us there's a life sign but i can't tell what kind and you'll just go okay all right fair enough uh we finally find out what happens when neelix leaves the kitchen yeah uh, there's a god dang riot out there people burning themselves and shit
0: yeah, it's um. This show has a problem in that they didn't want to hire too many extras. I think. Yeah.
1: So they couldn't have had like an O'Brien now, type who shows up every once in a while to like help well, in the kitchen. No, I
0: think we do. It's um, weird-looking kids in the hall guy. <laughs> yeah, Scott it's, Thompson. It's Bo- Bobo Scott Thompson <laughs> yeah. is is now because of, well, that guy's an engineer. Why is he the cook? It makes no sense. <laughs>
1: uh, I don't. Yeah.
0: Where's Naomi Wildman? She apparently knows how to fix all of New, uh, Neelix's equipment. I called him almost called him Nuvok that time.
1: <laughs> how come no one suggested it? Oh, we'll get into it. Oh, they said um, Nuvok,
0: but don't worry about it.
1: Uh, let's see. Uh, also, a two situation is possible, so I guess that's world building. <laughs> um,
0: <laughs> I don't expect that to ever come up again.
1: I don't either. I gave it a one.
0: Um, well, Matt. Our disagreement ends here. I also gave it a one. There's <laughs> not a lot here. Symbiogenesis. I mean, that's it. They're, they go out of their way to not do world building here. Yeah. We don't learn about any law or policy that might be guiding Janeway's actions here. We don't no. learn about Vulcan or Talaxian ethics. Like. No. We Because we know nothing about her decision, except that she has a two minute chat with Chakotay and then makes a decision on her own. There's no world-building. Like, there's opportunity to world-build even without...
1: Yeah. Well, I think you're right. Even just by going over the cultural aspects, if you'd had um, Nivok, um in the fucking, uh, in his quarters, meditating, talking about uh, some Vulcan death ritual or something. or
0: Right.
3: It,
1: it just something. You could have had something there, but he just kind of shows up um, in rooms full the people in glad hands and shit, so...
0: He's kind
1: of yeah, like exactly. A, he's
0: kind of a Kyle Riker in that way. I mean it's true. He's it's, kind of a Kyle Riker. He's no, he's less shitty than Kyle Riker. He's,
1: he's less, he seems like a genuinely good guy. Well, he's dead now.
0: Yeah, he well, he's scared <laughs> for his life at the end, for sure, but mm. like uh he's, so he's not stoic. He didn't get that from Tuvok. But maybe Tuvok isn't. We don't really know. No. He might just be repressing it.
1: I feel like Tuvok trying to give away that technology in season one was kind of the coward's way out, right? Yeah, for sure. So there you go. I think we do know about Tuvok. He probably would beg for his life.
0: T- Tuvok was answering the question that you raised in Phage. What would you do to get home?
1: And he's like, I don't care. Anything? Almost anything.
0: None damn near anything. <laughs>
1: yeah. Uh, yes, in this case, uh, we know that Tuvok is definitely a Lubu and not a Jong-Liao. Yeah. For
0: sure. Uh, characterization, I gave three points. So, it's not inconceivable to me that a Starfleet captain could reach Janeway's decision here. I just don't understand how Janeway could. Yeah. Because I mean, I meant it when I said she'll blow the ship up for a principle. Like when that fucking Cardassian d- juggernaut—what mm-hmm. was it called? Dreadnought, Dreadnought. Juggernaut.
1: Dreadnought. I think
0: was bearing down on that planet. She was like, "Well, this is our problem somehow." Yeah. It's from it's from the Alpha Quadrant, so it's our issue. Yeah. I'll put my ship right into that fucking thing. The only other uh, crew crew member in this show really is Kess. Yeah, and I actually thought Kess did a pretty good job in this one. In terms of performance, or the yeah, I thought K- Kess's performance was okay, and it made her actions made sense to me. Yeah, the only thing I didn't really understand is why she considered Tuvok her spiritual leader. But that's like one line, so
1: they had didn't they have like one episode reach? He-
0: I mean, he teaches her some telepathy, but is that? Does that make him her pastor?
1: Oh, she's only two.
0: Pastor Tuvok. <laughs> what would he, <laughs> what would so, Jesus do, Pastor Tuvok?
1: So you gave it a three, then.
0: I gave it three points. Kess so did good. Janeway, I don't understand at all.
1: Um, I gave it a five. Okay. <laughs> so, we're not super we're far off. We're fucking
0: all over the map on this. <laughs> we're not
1: too far off, but we haven't really agreed so far. Um... <laughs> Neelix is always working Tuvok over. I think in the 90s they wanted us to think Tuvok was a stick in the mud and Neelix was all about fun. But, like, this is straight bullying, right? Oh, yeah. Like, he's always in his face trying to get a fucking rise out of him. Put this in theory corner. Neelix is a fucking alpha bully. He wears a dumb suit, and he smiles a lot, so people may may not realize it. But he's just out there to fucking mess people's minds up. I mean, think about it. Tuvok even goes to the holodeck to kill this guy sometimes.
0: Oh, God, that's
3: right.
1: Like, I'm just saying. (laughs) He's trying to work out his bully stress, and it's coming out in some weird way.
0: By the way, we already expressed the theory, right, that Tuvok didn't write that program. That he just <laughs> called, called up Tom Paris' <laughs> "Let's Murder Neelix" program. One
1: hundred percent. So I assume Neelix has been bullying people all over this goddamn ship. And yeah, the, having fucking Tuvix around was a good way to get rid of that bully. But I guess he's back. Um, Kess, when she's being hit on by Tuvix in that first scene together, she made the face that I made when the old Mexican ladies at Subway were being very forward with me. <laughs> And forced me to change the subway that I frequent.
0: <laughs> and
1: then he, he fucking puts his hands on her in the staff briefing.
0: Yeah, he does. Like a fucking flock's wife or something in there.
1: I think Tuvix is handsier than Neelix, so I guess Tuvok is the groby one?
0: Uh, this is the thing. So, again... Vulcans are portrayed so badly in every single series of Star Trek. I know I gave Enterprise a hard time about Vulcans a lot in the beginning, but it's just all over the map everywhere, it turns out.
1: Yeah, that we saw this week's TOS, and we went, God, Vulcans are kind of shitty.
0: Yeah, that they pretend they don't have emotions. They are lying.
1: Yeah, yeah like, like Data.
0: They like are doing the their best to, to suppress their emotions, and they don't always do a good job. But no. sometimes they think they're doing a good job. But I guess Tuvok does a better job than most because it turns out that inside he is murdery and he is gropey.
1: That's right. Exactly. He's doing a good job of keeping a lid on things. Uh Cass's favorite breakfast is tr- trillian crepes.
0: Yeah. Which, I guess. Yeah, um, cuz they got them. They got them mushrooms.
1: In in this one scene, Schmollis was acting as the viewer avatar because he says with his mouth, apparently that's what he likes to be called. <laughs> yep. Like
0: <laughs> That was very good.
1: Like I mean Obviously, Tuvix is a terrible name, and how did we decide on it? Like, this is clearly, like, a real fucking bottom-of-the-trash-heap premise, and even the doctor knows it.
0: <laughs> I guess he should have said, well, I guess I'm doing this this week.
1: <laughs> yeah, this is what we're up to. Huh. Um, also, Shmolus has uh, an ego programmed into him, as we talked about before. Just Last straight... week
0: I was battling wits with a clown, and now... <laughs> now it's now uh, Tuvix. Now He's Tuvix. Half,
1: half Tuvok, and half Neelix. Uh he just dude is just straight starting sentences with I'm an incredibly skilled doctor. That's true. I mean, I guess I'd like to become incredibly skilled at something just to see if I'd walk around telling everybody about it. Um Andy takes a moral stand against separating two So as we mentioned that puts against his ahead. will.
0: he. I think he yes. wouldn't have, he that was the problem.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that I think that puts him ahead of flocks again in my book. Oh yeah.
0: Uh, Phlox would have definitely done a me squared where he would uh, have wiped Tuvix oh, yeah. while he was unaware
1: <laughs> yeah for sure
0: sorry I know I keep mentioning Red Dwarf, Red Dwarf it turns out that lot. Red Dwarf really did cover a lot of ground Yeah, in terms of science fiction and because they were just being funny about it I'm mostly happier with the jobs they did
1: Yeah, we, yeah you don't get the feeling that they were trying to write a really good idea Right. And didn't do it right like all the I Star feel like tracks. they probably
0: weren't proud of themselves no. when they came up with these ideas. I'm like, no, I just just say Brandon Braga. I don't know. Just pick a God, name out of a hat.
1: I really hope he wasn't proud of himself.
0: I don't think he was involved in Voyager, was he?
1: Why wasn't he the guy who I thought he was he was the Voyager. He wasn't of Voyager... sure running
0: DS nine at this point or something? I don't
1: know. No. I thought he had Voyager responsibilities, but I don't Maybe. know if it was this early. Um Here's what I have. Okay, Paul Wilson must be mad that Tom Paris's Rebel Arc is through. He's got nothing to do anymore. Now I realize the actor who plays Tom Paris is not named Paul Wilson, but I couldn't <laughs> no. bo- I couldn't bother to look up his name, so I just picked something <laughs> that sounded white. Um, couldn't they have just had him do something like I don't know, swoop in on Cass? now that he's Felix one of the five gone, or...
0: Roberts on the show, right? Robert Duncan Robert? McNeil.
1: Oh, okay, all right. I couldn't think of anything that might be his name. Um,
0: <laughs> yeah, no, he's got nothing to do in this whole show. The only thing he does is ask Chakotay whether he's taking orders from this idiot. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um. He, so then I like,
0: the cast doesn't turn to him. No, he played, I, He shoots pool with Tuvix for one minute, and then later on the bridge, he's like, "I don't know, Chakotay. What do you think?"
1: I was, I was like, "Well, couldn't they have had him like swoop in on cast now that Neelix is gone?" And then I just said, "You know what? Never mind. I don't wish for that."
0: So, <laughs> yeah, that's <nah>. fine. <laughs> He's going bald. No one cares anymore. <laughs> right.
1: Uh, B'Elanna took botanical science classes somewhere along the line. Janeway uh, being vulnerable about perfect living boyfriend Mark. Uh, but now she just she just turns on Tuvix and interrogates him like a criminal who like merged those two dudes on purpose. In that in that the scene in her uh, ready room or whatever. It's kind of wild. She's like questioning him like he's a perp. But like he just stood on the transporter pad or whatever.
0: Yeah, I mean, really?
1: He didn't do anything. Uh, I mean, it's understandable the being in front of her wouldn't want to stop existing. Um, But she she gets on this guy in kind of a cold way. We are led to believe she feels bad in the end, because they concentrate on her sad face when she walks out of the sick sickbay. Uh, she walks
0: out of there and one Deep Space Nine-style brass note plays or whatever. <laughs> exactly right, yep. Uh
1: But man, that's a tough way to do your boy, too, Vix. Um, uh, Kim's new nickname?
0: Oh, the... she did a Picard-style murder on this guy. I want to be clear about this. She, she murdered killed him.
1: him. Yeah, she, she killed the boy. Kim's new nickname is The Net, because he plays the clarinet.
0: <laughs> so I like it him from I won't on. remember next week but I like it
1: uh, I think I give it points for breadth of the character work it was kind of like one of those Little League episodes but they gave them they gave them more than one line each uh, except for maybe Chakotay
0: um, <laughs> they fucking they figured out that he's checked out and they're like fine with us
1: yeah we don't want you either minus points for Janeway not doing a good job of explaining any motivations on her decisions but uh, they, they were trying to do work so
0: That is wild. I don't usually do this, but uh, as far apart as we were and have been in this episode, I gave it 13 points and you gave it 12. So in the end, we kind of came together on this one. We just allotted them differently.
1: Yeah, we disagreed on the individual aspects of the episode.
0: You got, uh, let's see if Ben had, Ben was a two on world building. Okay. Same shit. And uh, five on characterization like you. Okay. Uh, he thinks that Tuvix is a character study of uh, the two most annoying characters on the show.
1: Well, I wasn't happy when, uh, even though I know it would not happen, when briefly I had hoped that they would just get Tuvix the rest of the time.
0: I would have taken Tuvix for sure. Yeah. Like, um, he's, first of all, I know Ben says he's creepy. He's no worse to look at than regular Neelix.
1: No, Neelix is a monster.
0: He's terrible. Yeah. Neelix is a straight up monster. And by the way, I did not like seeing him in a Starfleet uniform at the end of this episode.
1: It felt off.
0: For that one minute, I was like, oh, no, that's wrong. They
1: can't let him in. Don't where's let him Where's his in. carpet suit? That's right. Yeah, where's the suit that looks like the carpet in any, uh like, early 2000s office building?
0: Yeah, or like just in a Denny's. He kind of has a <laughs> Denny's carpet.
1: It's got like it's got some old Grand Slam just in it.
0: Yeah, a little bit. It's got a little bit of Grand Slam stuck in there.
1: It did. A, it it's it got the a,
0: Hobbit menu. He's got some of the Hobbit menu <laughs> hush puppies mashed into it, and you're like, "Hey, that was a long time ago."
1: It, it, it transporter hybridized with some fucking uh, with some fucking taters or something. Exactly.
0: <laughs> um. He says that the doctor's the only one who has the balls to take a stand, and uh, that Janeway is cold blooded. But yeah, I guess he I likes think, that about her.
1: I, uh, you, well, the episode, as we know, from, it chased itself
0: around in logical errors. So yeah, for sure. Time, uh, right. Give me them quick hitters. I know you got them.
1: Uh, everything that is spoken when this comes back from the credits sounds like parody. Oh, yeah. I am Lieutenant Tuvok, and I'm Neelix. My God, Captain, according to my readings, he's right. <laughs> it's just like, they're just saying what would be in like an old Twilight Zone or something.
0: Uh, except they're not 10,000 miles into outer space we've traveled 900 miles
1: Uh, Tuvix pulls the old sex now that I have your attention
0: he does do a sex now that I have your attention
1: (laughs) I'm not sure how many times that had been used to that point in the 90s but surely by the 2370s that was an old trick yeah for sure Uh, we saw a version of this in The Host when Crusher has to confront Riker Odin yeah. That gave us a very incestuous moment. Luckily, if Kes wants to get raw with this old weirdo, it won't be as bad because this is a new actor.
0: Yeah, that is true. We don't have to see. A it's re- not suddenly like, oh, he, somehow Neelix's consciousness got put into Harry, Kim. Yeah, and then she's making out with Harry. fucking like, oh! putting the moves on Kes. And you're like, oh, Jesus That'd Christ. It'd be very bad. Now literally every man has had his hands on Kes. Yeah, that's right. Uh, Plus, there was that weird scene last week where just in the corner, it looked like Scott Thompson was making out with her. It didn't make any sense, <laughs> but it was just in the background.
1: Uh, when they did this two-week jump or whatever, that always makes me wonder how much time passes inside of these episodes and between episodes. And We know each season's roughly a year, but like...
0: Uh, but isn't there a Voyager episode that is a year?
1: Yeah, one, we'll get to it. Okay. Don't worry about I haven't, that not I yet.
0: haven't seen it. I just know about it.
1: Don't worry about it yet. That's all I can say. Yeah. <laughs> just, just don't worry about it. Um, but yeah, so I'm always just like, well, okay, so they're doing some montages and time is passing. So like, how the fuck long was this little arc that we had with Tuvix? Um, well, let's just get into it then. We sort of brought it up. Would the show have been better off phasing out Tuvok and Neelix and exploring Tuvix for a few years?
0: Oh, yeah, definitely.
1: 100%. And it's because the actor's better,
2: right?
0: Yeah, he did a better job. Like uh, this guy was a real actor.
2: Yeah, he
0: was like a you know a stage actor. Yeah, I feel and bad for And he came the guy. in and he tried to do it like a like he was doing a serious acting.
1: I feel bad for the and... guy because he had to play had to play Tuvix. Yeah, <laughs> that's hard. <laughs> I and mean, you got we got some skills.
0: And but... they could have like in today's era, this is a no brainer that he yeah. stays Tuvix, and they keep working in details of his past, both of his pasts.
3: Yeah,
1: like it just
0: keeps coming. Like it gives this character infinite shit to do. Uh, Some new shit could pop up every week that reminds him of something from one of his two past lives, and he has to deal with it.
1: Would you even keep the actors around on Retainer to play flashbacks?
0: Oh yeah, for strange. sure I would.
1: But Janeway is a bitch and didn't want us to get that good good television. I guess. Um. Uh, everyone on the bridge turns towards Tuvix, when he says they should all hear what the captain has to say, I would be the one guy putting my head down and wishing the drama away.
0: Oh yeah, for sure. Can we stop
1: now? Can we have one normal work day? Why are we still in Kazon space? There's a Kazon ship out there! At least Neelix's morning show isn't on the air anymore, so let's just take our W and go home. But everyone is very attentive, just turning toward the drama. Uh Janeway's probable plan for me after this episode is over is beaming down Paris and Chicote to that planet and beaming them up with some flowers.
0: She, <laughs> she just wants one that does better better than both of them with well, their jobs. She,
1: fig- she figured out Neelix and Tuvok were better as, as Tuvix. Get rid of Paris and Chicote, turn them into uh Pakote or something. Uh anyway, that's
0: it. Okay, so I have some quick hitters. But first, there is a subreddit Oh. called Daystrom Institute. Okay. Where people theorize about Star Trek.
2: Why,
1: though? I feel bad after we do it.
0: Can I say this about it? It is super active.
1: Well, and, they keep making Star Treks, and they keep making them make less sense.
0: And, like, people nominate good posts... And people get, like, fake promotions and shit. It's too much even for me. However, I was reading it this week um, when my internet had briefly gone out, but I still had Wi-Fi. Right. Which is a good time to visit a text-only subreddit. Okay. And I did read a theory that has become very popular, which is that for the first two years, Voyager is flying in circles, gathering supplies for the Sprint home.
1: Why wouldn't they just say that?
0: That's the big problem with it.
1: Yeah, that's kind of a problem with it. It's kind of a problem
0: that they never say that's what they're doing.
1: They all just say they're going home. But
0: But it explains everything that doesn't make sense.
1: It's, uh, it is hard to believe we're getting on towards the end of year two. Now, I know year one was half year. It was abbreviated, yeah. Yeah. But um, can we just leave this part of space? Can we just get out? I mean, yes, that would make sense. I just uh
0: they're like they're getting supplies from everywhere that Neelix knows about while they're and then when they're ready to go they're gonna fucking make a run for the border.
1: Well, I just uh, so
0: I just wanted to bring that up
1: uh, that would that would make some sense. I find it hard to believe they could gather seventy years worth of supplies, but if they're just if their intent is to gather supplies and then sprint, they'd probably have to stop again and and collect.
0: But. Yeah, I don't think you can gather seventy years, but you can gather as many supplies as Voyager can carry.
1: Yeah, yeah. Maybe we should see one of those hydroponics bays or cargo bays and see how well, how well they're doing. <laughs> see if they're filling up.
0: It explains why they keep running into the Kazon and the Vidians, et cetera, et cetera. Anyway, how great would it have been if Janeway answered the door in Picard's sleep outfit? <laughs> I mean I don't, I'm not saying I want to see that, but wouldn't yeah. that have been a fucking mind blowing thing <laughs> if Starfleet she was just issue. in his tiny satin shorts and open robe? It's
1: Captain's Starfleet issue.
0: That's a captain's sleep set.
1: That's right. That'd be pretty good. I'm the, a Starfleet every first captain officer,
0: and I wear what captains wear. What's Chakot- your problem?
1: Chakotay's wearing uh, the blue satin ones that Riker wears. Uh-huh. Oh, uh-huh, be yeah. Good. That would be good.
0: Somebody else, Tuvok maybe, has got one of Troy's diaphanous nightgowns on.
1: Does Belana have to wear one of Geordi's dumb date sweaters when she goes on uh-huh, holiday? Yeah,
0: exactly. Their <laughs> casual clothes are are just TNG casual clothes.
1: Because they're Starfleet issue? Yeah, that'd be pretty good.
0: I also kind of wanted, at the end, when Cass was like, well, thanks for the chat, if uh, Janeway, for Janeway to go. You don't have to go. Ooh. <laughs> Why not, Doug? She's two. She's well, down she, a clown.
1: She's two and very desirable, so I guess I can not yeah. blame for, uh, Janeway.
0: Um, so, the outcome of this episode, they don't never address it, but this is totally inconsistent with Starfleet values. When you consider that they have access to time travel, yeah, they could always go back in time and undo any accidental death well that seems like a third rail too i mean couldn't they <laughs> yes of course when fucking what's-her-name steps on that mine and uh an alien starts making that boy think his mom's alive you know what i'm talking about yes, what's so, the name of that episode
1: um i almost said hero worship that's the wrong one um it's the other one with it it's
0: traumatic. one of the many family themed episodes of TNG. traumatic
1: uh it's marla astor is the yes is the woman um <clears throat> From the episode, her son's name is, what, Jeremy? Yes. How come I still can't find the name of this episode? So a
0: real good point. <laughs> you should just be able to Google Jeremy Astor.
1: I'm on Marla Astor's fucking memory <laughs> alpha page. I can't find it. Oh, the bonding.
0: The, the bonding. bonding, okay.
1: <sighs> By the like, way, that's going to have some wild shit in it, too, but...
0: The whole point of that episode is they have to convince that alien and also sort of the kid that death is a natural part of life and they have to move on. Yeah. Uh, But like, they could have gone back in time. They could have said, well, we lost Marla Astor. Let's do a quick slingshot around the sun and get her fucking back. Just tell her, hey, there's a mine in there. Don't step on that mine.
1: Yeah. Except that's another one of those things that the writers even treat as a third rail and they it will randomly be brought out there like oh look we can do time travel but then no one will ever talk about but it
0: this again. is the point right like it must be a starfleet policy that we don't we don't do that people die uh, yeah. we don't go back in time
1: well they'll but get apparently, into it in ds9 for sure
0: apparently janeway can't i don't want to talk about ds9 right now <laughs> apparently janeway can't extrapolate from that policy which again must be explicit yeah to this right she's just going to end this boy's life to get Tuvok and Neelix back that's all I don't I gave best actor to Tuvix and worst actor to regular Neelix
1: oh uh, he was barely in it and that was the best part <laughs> yeah
0: I didn't like him at the beginning that's right I was I don't like how he treats Tuvok either
1: it's mean he's a mean guy
0: he's a mean he's not nice not a nice man yeah. uh, Ben didn't have any significant quick hitters he said he hated it already it's just a transporter malfunction again this was done to death even just in uh, TOS right <clears throat> Uh, We did talk about that episode for 50 minutes, though, Uh, so this week is going to be insane.
1: (laughs) Than ever before on this Everyone
0: fucking buckle in. Don't try to listen to this in one sitting. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, We're doing a hardcore history this week. Um,
1: It's not a Blitz edition, either. This is an ongoing project.
0: Next in the order is Deep Space Nine. We watched The Maquis Part 1. You just watched Part 1, right?
1: Yeah, just
2: Part 1.
0: Part 1.
1: We didn't talk about it, but it made sense to do the pilots if they were two-parters or whatever in one go. But I don't think it makes sense to do the others in one go.
0: Maybe uh, the Season finales. finales, too. I think yeah. there might even be one or two more. I have them laid out the way they aired. So if they aired as one episode, oh. we'll watch them as one episode. All right. But, then let's uh, make sure we're clear it, on it comes up very infrequently. Mostly they milked these shits. Um, so this is a rare in-season two-parter. Yeah, because this is not the season two finale,
1: but they got into some shit. So as a Cardassian transport, the Bach prepares for departure from Deep Space Nine. Uh, some weird old dude is uh, fiddling around with one of the panels and uh, he looks like a human. And shortly after departing, the vessel explodes, killing everyone on board. The crew begins an investigation. Starfleet sends uh, an old buddy of Cisco, Calvin Hudson. Uh, he's a Federation attaché to the demilitarized zone along the Cardassian border to advise and assist. Hudson's an old friend of Cisco and Dax, and they do some cool catching up on in ops, and then some really cool locker room talk in Cisco's ready room. You caught the locker room talk, right?
0: Yeah, for sure. It's he mainly really wants crazy. to know if Cisco's banging Dax. Yeah, it's really good stuff. Uh, and again, heavy, heavy implication that he would, by the way. It's,
1: well, I don't know why else he would ask, because he knows it's yeah. Curzon. I don't think he wanted to bang Curzon, although everyone is very pro-Curzon in this year. It's not Curzon.
0: clear, but people, people did seem to be into Curzon. Curzon like had it. a lot of friends. All Doesn't of them Klingons, Cisco, this guy I, Calvin Hudson. Aliens, by the way, alien ladies. what is it about that name? Calvin feels, Hudson. It feels fake to me somehow. And by the way, this is an episode that contains Gul I know, and that like I'm cool with that. That's Gul seems
1: totally fine. That's it's on the totally level. Minor. Well, you know, Cardassians, and you know, that's an authentic Cardassian name. But Calvin yeah. Hudson seems too it too seems on the made nose. Made up? Like
0: it seems like oh, Cisco probably has an old friend, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Calvin Hudson. <laughs>
1: yeah. Also, it seems like it's from a bygone era because I don't think people are named Calvin anymore. Not so much. I don't think so.
0: Um, Although it was the name of Dave Chappelle's character who gets a job at Whack Arnold's.
1: Everybody knows I got a job. I'm Calvin.
0: I'm Calvin up in this bitch, yeah.
1: Hey, who are you fucking OJ? <laughs> 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 okay.
0: The show doesn't really stand up, but without it you couldn't have had Key and Peel.
1: Yeah, I agree. The production quality and even just how well it seems like it might have been thought out is yeah. it's lacking. But there are some classic, classic, classic moments.
2: <clears throat> oh man
1: you smell like french fries <laughs> These girls are not into Calvin no. anyway <clears throat> um, anyway so they talk they do the locker room talk and then they they talk about how Starfleet abandoned the colonists in their treaty with the Cardassians
0: which and, is kind of uh, news to Cisco.
1: Cisco, I don't think, has been paying any attention. He got no, this cool... No, he's
0: like, definitely, this is in his bailiwick, for sure. They talk about how they're the two senior officers yeah. in the, along the Cardassian border, to these two commanders.
1: But fitting in with what we know about Cisco through the first couple of seasons, I don't think he has put any effort into figuring that situation out. No, nah, it's so not like his problem. He he's, got trying... enough,
0: he's got to figure out what he's going to do about Quark. Uh, tri- the answer so far, nothing.
1: He's, tried, he's been trying to delegate it. Uh, like everything else, if if he knew his old buddy Calvin Hudson was the guy, he's probably been delegating to him. So, oh, that's true. Uh, when Cisco returns to his quarters, he finds Gul Ducat waiting for him, and I almost jizz my pants. Yeah,
0: um, it was Tom's good team. to see. It was good to see Gul Ducat.
1: In fact, I messaged you right away to let you know that Ducat was in it, in case you didn't
0: know. Yeah, it's just like the week before when, as soon as I saw a fucking O on Egg One, I was like, yeah. "Oh, dog, it's O on Eggs." <laughs>
1: Uh, Dukat explains that he's there unofficially, without the knowledge of the Cardassian Central Command, to help Sisko find the truth about this, uh, Cardassian ship blowing up on um, Dukat's... He, he,
0: for all we know at this point, uh, Gull might just be a courtesy title, and he might not still be even in the fucking military. I, I like, do have... he, this guy has never acted officially on any reason. Like, I have... Any reason. I have
1: a lot of questions in other sections about what Dukat is doing on this mission. Um, on Dukat's request, they take uh, a runabout into the Demilitarized Zone, where they, our guests, are going to go and... I don't know what Dukat really wants them to do, but as soon as they get into the Demilitarized Zone, they detect uh, some Cardassian vessels, civilian vessels, attacking a Federation merchant ship. The attackers ignore Dukat's orders to stand down... Uh, But before the runabout can even intervene, an unidentified Federation vessel appears and destroys the Cardassian vessels. So some shit's popping off in the DMZ.
0: Yeah. It was... I mean, I guess I should say it will be. It was tense to watch the fight between the Phoenix and those Cardassian ships carried out just on that display. I found it a little frustrating that that was all I got with this one. Yeah, Like you show me how these civilian ships are modified. Yeah, exactly. Give, give me a look at what we're talking about, what we're working with here.
1: You're definitely giving us the Don't just show of...
0: me two Cardassian icons and two Federation icons. It's two the... Starfleet icons, by the way, not Federation.
1: Yeah. And you're definitely, all the dialogue makes it seem like this is a very unique situation, that these are these weird civilian ships that have been yeah. modified. Uh, Meanwhile, Back on the station, a Vulcan associate of the saboteur uh, approaches Quark to negotiate a business arrangement, and he thinks he's going to get his umox done, get his yeah. umoks off, going to
0: get his ears wet for sure.
1: Yeah, um, but he so he's surprised to learn in the end is an attempt to acquire a wide array of weapons. I didn't want to get into all the scenes. <laughs> Vulcan, it was just kept going on and on. It's bad.
0: He's just trying to get sex. He's yeah. trying to do a sex.
1: He just wants sex. I've heard this about uh, about someone else. Who have I heard this about. He's, he's trying to rob
0: and thicker specifically in that he's <laughs> he's going to show this good girl how good it can be to be bad or whatever. Oh yeah. Do you know? The... What I mean, like he put, he tries that angle on her at one point.
1: Yeah, she's very patient. I guess it's because she's Vulcan. Um.
0: Also, how can, how can you get a permit to do a damn illegal thing? That's McCoy with Spock's Cotra and him in Star Trek Three. <laughs> that's
1: right, yeah. Uh, anyway, so while that's going on with Quark and that lady, uh, elsewhere on the station, the saboteur is abducted by unknown assailants. Yep. Uh, not the ones from uh, Arsenal of Freedom. Different ones.
0: No, they look like the fucking lady from the Barzan wormhole.
1: I was going to say, they look like Caldonians. Are those people cozied up with the Cardassians? I want to know.
0: I mean, doesn't it seem like it? But they I, don't mention it at
1: all. I, they, don't, they certainly don't mention it in the wormhole episode. The nego- are,
0: are they it. just working for Evek? Like, what's the deal? I, uh,
1: I'm hoping in Maki Part 2 we'll find out. Actually, what I'm hoping is the Maki Part 2 will explain all of the questions I've had to DS9 at this point.
0: <laughs> please, please, please help me. I want
1: Maki Part 2 to be a big download <laughs> on all the things that I've been asking.
0: I'd love for it to be like... You start to see a scene at Ops and then it fucking comes to a stop and there's a record scratch. (laughs) Fucking, uh, uh, is there a record scratch when uh, Zach Morris stops time and Saved by the Bell? I kind Mm. of want it to be, but I don't think that's, I don't remember. I don't yet. think that's the metaphor they used. But Marjan then I just want Cisco Marjan, to fucking that jam that show. Just turn a chair backwards and sit down on it and explain everything.
1: Yeah, that would be really good. I mean, Actually, better if
0: it's Quirk that explains it. Frankly,
1: I don't care if we don't get any of the rest of this plot. I just want to, yeah. to get some questions answered.
0: So that's here's a, let's talk about the Cardassian War. <laughs> yeah, with the Federation. That's good what I s- want to talk about today.
1: I need I need a long <laughs> download on that one. Hey, does Sto ever explain any of that? Because I need to know.
0: No, it really um, doesn't. It, um, I would love for that to have been explained.
1: Because I don't understand it.
0: Like and If I, they if they ever turn the Cardassians into a full-fledged faction, maybe we can go back in time and explore the Cardassian Federation War because there's so much I want to know about it.
1: Again, we've only been able to explain it in, in the terms that we've conceptualized, just that it, it was a limited war of some kind on the Federation. That's the only thing have. that
0: makes sense, yeah.
1: But I need to know the details surrounding
0: that. Based on what we see in The Wounded, the only way it makes sense... And frankly, even in this one, right, where yeah. there's this Federation ship that's got a photon tor- a photon torpedo launcher yeah. comes rolling in and wipes out these two Cardassian ships. Yeah. Like, it's nothing.
1: Anyway, Cisco and Ducat arrive at a colony in the DMZ to find Hudson and several colonists in heated debate with our old friend Gullivec. who now counts for characterization on this show. Yeah, he show. does. Uh, Hudson's Cardassian counterpart... Ivec produces a recorded confession from the alleged Bachnor saboteur, identified as William Patrick Samuels, then brings in Samuels' corpse. Because, like, he committed suicide. Mm-hmm. With big, big ol' air quotes. Um, one of the uh, colonists, I guess the leader, straight up attacks Ivec at that point. And what I thought was funny was that the guard who stands next to him just watches. But
0: Yeah, he's not a very good guard.
1: <laughs> I think he's a guard. He's someone in the Cardassian military, but he just watches. Uh, let's see. Hudson later privately concedes that Samuels may have been guilty of sabotage, but claims the colonists have a right to defend themselves, and warns Sisko about the Cardassians again. On the way back to DS9, Ducat vehemently denies Hudson's assertion that the Boknor was transporting weapons. Because <clears throat> I guess that's what he told him. O'Brien, got to be in this episode, finally, confirms that the device uh, that destroyed the Boknor was of Federation origin. Sisko has Dukat's quarters secured as a precaution, but, uh, guess what? He gets
0: kidnapped anyway. Okay, he sure does.
1: He gets up and kidnapped by the Vulcan lady and, uh, I guess some other colonists from the DMZ.
0: Um, yeah, someone dressed as a Starfleet security officer.
1: A group in the DMZ calling itself the Maquis claims responsibility. Cisco, Major Kira, and Doctor Bashir track the kidnappers to a planet in uh, an area known as the Badlands, which we know a little bit, uh, from Voyager, where they're captured by armed Maquis members with uh oh, Calvin Hudson revealing himself as their leader. Dun da, uh next time on.
0: Yeah. They don't do a next time on, do they? No, they don't give they just any do it of to the be spoilers. continued. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Alright, well, what was
1: this part one about?
0: I had to think about this one for a while. Okay. Clearly this is about... Is terrorism ever justified in some way? Blah, 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 right? Yep. Uh, so here it is. When the organs of the state fail the people, violence is inevitable.
1: Well, I think that is at least a truism. Right? I mean, I feel like that's at least... that's a, I mean, how could you argue against that?
0: Well, that's my problem with it. Oh. Is they're not showing us anything surprising here. It's only yeah. a three-point take to me.
2: Right, right, right.
1: Yeah, the um, things that I consider when I get a take, that's just a truism, It usually. That's that's a cold take.
0: Yeah, it's, that's just all it is. It's like, there's nothing really surprising about what happens here. We know from Journey's End that this treaty sucks. Mm-hmm. Um... Which no one expects probably, the Cardassians to be cool about it.
1: Journey's End is probably around the same time, right? Season 2 yeah. DS9, Season 7 TNG? Yeah, yeah. It's this <laughs> season. I don't know
0: how. Where it's one it of the last ones
1: of, of TNG. It's like in the last five or something. Oh, it is.
0: It's late. Yeah. Um, which actually is a little curious that they. That it seems like it should have been worked out earlier. Uh, Which part? Like, that Journey's End stuff seems like it should come before this.
1: Um, because they're still it's... turning
0: over planets in Journey's End, and this feels like it's after that.
1: Maybe it's, like, a super slow turnover process. I mean, it's like fucking Brexit. Like, it'll just go on forever.
0: But you're not wrong. Journey's End is...
1: Again, one of the like, last ones. It's like
0: remember. in the last six or seven.
1: Yeah. Uh,
0: There are only...
1: There is a There's one only after two it, right? Deep
0: Space Nines after that week, so it's almost to the point where the it's almost to the three empty Enterprise ones. So I think it's the sixth from last, if you count all good things as one episode.
1: And one of the Maquis ones is after that, right? The one where Row, yeah, preemptive does strike. her thing. Okay, so they did a, they did some Cardassian work right in the end of season seven there.
0: Yeah, maybe just as a tie-in with the space nine.
1: I think I think that's probably very likely, like yeah.
0: they were like, well, we're done with this, so might as well. Let's see if we, we, can, well. see if we can push Cisco a little. Yeah. Uh, I don't think this was. Um, it feels anti-Star Trek that this could have happened.
1: Well, in Gene Roddenberry's universe, for something to have... Not for the Federation have done the wrong thing, because I feel like Kirk's always doing the wrong thing, but um, for Someone it to not have, have worked right. out. Yes, yeah, exactly. For it to have gone bad it's very un-Roddenberry.
0: Um, what was your take?
1: Uh, just that it can be a thin line between terrorist and freedom fighter, or whatever. You know, Star Trek tackled this kind of a lot in the 90s. Yeah, and I try to definitely. think of why because I what know... was the
0: what was the inciting incident for this?
1: Yeah, was it like the was it the attack some... on the Marine base in in Lebanon? Was that in Lebanon? I
0: don't was know. Was it was it some shit in the Balkans or like in Yugoslavia or
1: it's like it's hard to figure out what they were thinking about because this is all pre nine eleven stuff and I we know the national consciousness was not it was not absorbed in these questions. Um, yeah,
0: they, but you're right though In the 90s, Star Trek was very terrorism focused
1: And, by the way seemed to often come down on the side That these people were just fighting for their freedom I mean, the whole way that all of Star Trek is set up With the Cardassians Is definitely make, to make you think That they are the bad guys And the Bajorans are the good guys And uh, that their actions were justified Even when they were blowing dudes up Though, on a personal level It can sometimes be a bummer for them
0: well, I mean, exactly, Kira exactly. essentially takes this position in this episode, right? Yeah. There's a there's a scene where she comes in and she's like, "So what are you going to do now that it's fucking popping off?" And Cisco's like, "Look, these people chose to stay behind on these planets. Yeah, they they chose Cardassian rule rather than going to I'm going to say Daystrom Two or whatever. Is I don't remember Draylon, what it was called. Two, yeah. Rather than go to Draylon Two or hey, whatever. Hey, let me ask you a question.
1: Why didn't they go to Draylon 2?
0: <laughs> Sorry, what?
1: Do you want to live on Draylon 2? <laughs> and then no. you as Jake say no. no. Like that's a dumb question. And then the kid goes, no, I want I like to look I. at
0: Bajoran women for some reason. <laughs> that's my <laughs> right. deal.
1: Right. Um Well, we can get into all of this in the episode, but anyway, just, she bottom line she
0: she has she has uh, some of her feelings about the Cardassians come out in this one. Yeah, I thought at it was, the end, not all throughout, where I would have liked, but at, at the end,
1: I thought in the '90s this was an interesting question, and Star Trek often comes down on an interesting side of this question, and so I thought it was a solid. I thought it was a solid pre-9/11 take. I gave it a six.
0: Okay, all right. I wanted more, but how did you think it did execution-wise?
1: Well, DS9, you gone and done it again. Ducat and Cisco confronting armed rebellions on both sides of the border. An old buddy of Cisco's in the middle of it, all played by an able actor. He played a guy on Babylon 5. I sure did. And some good touches about what sympathies are stirred by the Maquis, even within DS9's staff. You made an episode I wanted to watch.
0: What was his name in Babylon 5? Mm-hmm.
1: He's, um, he's the guy who comes looking for the old guy. The old doctor who's uh, who Stims' mentor.
0: Yeah. Cal
1: Hudson plays the guy who's hunting him down. It's a... It's a shit.
0: Who plays Ironheart? He reminds me of
1: Ironheart. Oh, yeah. No, that's Moisha's dad. Okay. That's who you're thinking of. Um... I like that Kira shows God, that's up... that's such a
0: better show.
1: I know. It's a better
0: show than Deep Space Nine. Anyway.
1: I like that Kira shows up to argue for the Maquis. I think it's a good writing choice to show that, again, sympathies even within ops are kind of divided. Um... I also think it makes sense that a Starfleet officer would tend to think Cisco's way. That uh, the rule of law is the most important thing and I can't believe that it's this bad in the Federation and kind of not really seeing the whole picture. Mm -hmm. Unless it's O'Brien because he has his set like adventures. That's Um, true.
0: By the way, they don't ask him about it at all. I would have loved to hear what he had to say about the Cardassians.
1: Odo and O'Brien and Kira getting into it in ops. um, That's kind of the same that's that's the kind of stuff that I appreciate. Um, yeah, I mean it's supposed to be a tense marriage from the beginning, right?
0: Yes, that's the, with that's the entire point of this.
1: Bejor coming together with uh, Cisco, who doesn't want to be there. So anyway, I like stuff like that. I gave it an eight.
0: I mean, she she says in this one something that she hasn't said in quite some time. An eight. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good. She says in this one something <laughs> that she hasn't said in quite some time, which is that she Starfleet is naive. <laughs> That she feels like Starfleet is naive in in I mean, that's uh, what Cal is telling him the whole
1: time, too. Cal's like, uh, hey,
0: pay attention. Take Um, a look at what's really happening here.
1: I liked your delayed reaction. (laughs) (laughs) Couldn't believe it.
0: Um, By the way, Ben gave it a six and a seven. Oh, wow. Uh, In execution, he says that it's not really clear what uh, Ms. Vulcan is up to, so he'd like to know what her interest in the matter is, why any of it is logical. Uh, by the way, I, would, I was not prepared throughout the entire episode to believe she was not maybe a Romulan.
1: I was at first it's still thinking difficult. the same thing.
0: I was like, okay, so she's a Romulan.
1: Then I remembered they pulled that trick in Season 7 TNG. Yeah. In the uh, the one where they're all mercenaries or whatever. The one with Baran.
0: Well, I mean, they they pulled that trick in...
1: Oh, and they pulled it in Data's Day. Data's Day. So, yeah. I I mean, I guess that's why I was ready for it. But <laughs> maybe they decided... Twice, at least, was enough.
0: Yeah. Um, Let's see. Uh, They established of the... uh, I'm sorry, I have got into uh, world building there. Okay. Um, He liked the sniping. Like you said, he liked the sniping between Odo, Kira, and O'Brien while Cisco was uh, yelling at an admiral.
1: (laughs) That's right. There's a lot going on at Ops.
0: And he liked that the bad guy ended up being Hudson. Although I was so sure that that was going to happen from the moment I saw him, that I just, uh, I was like, well, yeah.
1: Not enough people come through the station.
0: Well, it's like there's only two things, right? He's either the bad guy or he's going to die. Only (laughs) one of the two can happen. Cisco can't just get a buddy.
1: Yeah, Cisco's buddy could die because that would give him motivation. It can't
0: be a setup where, oh, Cisco's buddy is actually really close by. He's like in a close part of space and they, they actually have some shit in common in their jobs. Yeah. So you're going to keep seeing this guy. Like, we knew that wasn't it.
1: No, they don't introduce enough characters in DS9 for that.
0: Um. So like I said, he's a six and a seven. Okay. Which, by the way...
3: Ben's pick of the
0: week. Hi, this is Ben Town, your remote Star Trek edition correspondent with my pick of the week. Pick of the week. Makes it his pick of the week. Yeah. Uh, I gave it five. So... Okay. Um, we've got Ducat, we've got Evec, we've got the Bum Treaty from Journey's End. There's lots of good stuff to look forward to here. But we've also got this random Vulcan and that whole plot. Yeah. Which doesn't do any work for me.
1: I didn't really understand why she needed to be in so many scenes.
0: There's a, it's a, like she's a 30% of the episode. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Um, yeah there better some be old in of in Exactly. There better be payoff in part two and maybe there will be. Uh, some old buddy of Cisco's they couldn't manage to work in like a little earlier in the season to lay the groundwork. Again, in today's TV landscape, this would have been a no-brainer. We yeah. would have seen this guy four episodes ago. They should have done the Tom Paris slow burn. Exactly.
2: Yeah.
0: But uh, that that's not how it was done in 1994, 96. No,
1: they're, they're spending all their slow burn energy on the Dominion.
0: Yes. Yeah. Um, but at the end of the day, this episode feels meaty. Like all of the Cardassian episodes we've seen so far, it feels like it has history behind it. Like,
1: there's shit going on.
0: We're moving in a universe that exists and has some rules to it. You know, it's not just this week a computer virus takes over DS Nine and everybody reenacts an ancient battle on an ancient civilization and also Rumpelstiltskin.
1: And he made a clock, though.
0: He did make that clock. That did happen. (laughs) That did happen, and it did not happen.
1: Yeah, I got um, the, while I was again, watching the whole time I was thinking this is exactly where the show needs to live. It needs to live exactly in this space and yep. only rarely venture outside of this space. Yeah, and
0: by the way, do you know what we don't need at all for this kind of story? Hmm. The gamma quadrant.
1: Yes, that's exactly right. Yeah.
0: <laughs> in fact, having the wormhole in the gamma quadrant makes it hard for this kind of episode because this is too small and contained and it's completely illogical that Cisco is the ranking authority here now.
2: Yeah,
1: Commander Cisco, the guy who tried to quit Starfleet.
0: At the stable entrance, at the entrance to the only stable wormhole... In existence. In existence, <clears throat> with God knows what on the other side, and we have no way to stop people from coming through.
1: As of right now, that's, yes, that's correct.
0: So... Yeah,
1: yes, you would think there would be a beefy staff there.
2: Yeah. And then Maybe. a
1: separate staff, by the way, a completely separate staff managing the Bajor transition.
0: Yes, and also... Unaffiliated with the main staff. <laughs> would be a fairly sizable starbase in whatever the closest sector that is actually Federation space is. Yeah. And there's, and there's an admiral be anyway, who's overseeing this.
2: This
1: is near the Cardassian border, so there should be a yeah. big Federation presence anyway.
0: Well, and this is the problem with <clears throat> uh, Hudson and Cisco being the two ranking officers on the Cardassian border. Where's Necheyev? It's the only, qu- I had to ask it five yeah. times this week, where's Necheyev? She's she- up to her tits in Cardassian shit Well right
1: Yeah, what adventure is she and Jellicoe on? They should be in here.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: Jellicoe did a very good job where's, in his role. Where,
0: Jellicoe should be rolling in on the fucking crazy horse or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Well, is mean, that his he, ship?
1: Yes, and he dominates in Chains of Command. He gets yeah. everything that he aims for done.
0: He should be running up in here. He should when he beams in to talk to Hudson in the in that in that council room. He should Gullivec should know who he is.
1: He should be like, oh no, this guy's for real though. Watch oh, out, Jesus!
0: Oh, fuck me. Don't it's, trust oh, this. It's guy. fucking Jellico. Yeah, this guy. Fuck.
1: <laughs> you know what? You know what? We're not even going to deal with this now. I'm just going to go back and I'm going to put in a formal protest to Starfleet about this guy again.
0: Uh, but, but again, this is this is fundamental. <laughs> this is why I came out episode one with the controversial opinion. DS-9 goes off the rails 15 minutes in when they discover the wormhole.
1: Yeah, that's all, that's all a very good point.
0: Like um, this show could be so good if it was just about the Cardassians and Bajor and the Federation's weird presence in there.
2: Yeah.
0: Mm. World building. I gave yes. it four. Okay. We have here rescue procedures for an exploded ship.
1: Yes. Right.
0: Cardassians uh, apparently have photographic memories.
1: They are known for that.
0: Galor class phaser banks can be installed on shuttlecraft somehow.
1: And was, How do
0: they get power? What say, sense it, does it make?
1: Somehow they're able to power them up and not just burn out their entire. How ship. is
0: a Galor class phaser bank not the size of a shuttlecraft?
1: This is a good question.
0: Like on the on the on the Enterprise D, that fucking ring that runs around the saucer.
1: That's like a shuttle width, right?
0: It's the width of a shuttle and the length of 50 shuttles.
1: Right, exactly, yeah, well that's what I mean It's, it's shuttle width, so Yeah, yeah you think you'd need some pretty Some space to put that And then in. also the
0: power consumption requirements Like, can the ship do nothing, does it have to charge Those phasers up for a really long time While it does nothing else and then it can fire one shot
1: It doesn't seem like an efficient Weapon.
0: Uh, photon torpedo launchers On support couriers. I don't know what a Support courier is, but that seems Less crazy to me because the photon torpedo, I feel like, does a lot of the work there, but that's fine. Uh, we get the Badlands and the Maquis, although not much about the Maquis at this point, Implosive devices, Vulcan Port, and that bad uh une- uneven federation treaty right so four it's about four um i frankly, I hoped for it to be a little more, yeah, but they they spend a lot of time getting to it.
1: Yeah, and actually, I wish they hadn't named it the Maquis 1 and 2. I wish they'd been two separate episode names. One, yep. because they don't really get to the Maquis, and two, because they give away the game when the title comes up. Yep. When they're trying to figure out who blew up the ship.
0: Oh, I wonder if it was the Maquis. <laughs> it's, it's the
1: guys in the episode title, probably. <laughs> Would be my guess. Um, <sighs> Cardassian freighter Boknor. Gallimites have a transparent skull. Um, oh, yeah.
0: Uh, one more in Dax's series of she likes to date weird dudes if she was yeah. gonna date this Krang uh, basically. Also it
1: gives us another chance to see how in the twenty three seventies everybody is still racist.
0: Yep. <laughs> well curious for sure.
1: <laughs> like it's inside of our own worlds perhaps we've figured everything out, but then we just we just put all that racism on all the other aliens. Yep. Uh S I D in progress. I guess that's ship in distress? I,
0: I thought about I it for one minute and I decided that if they didn't care to explain it, <coughs> I wasn't going to bother.
1: Because I don't think that ship was in distress anymore. I think it was all blown. Oh, up. its
0: distress was over at that point, yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, Mercassium is a Federation shield construction material. I guess I don't understand how shields work, but that's what they said. Um, Proto matter implosion devices, uh, the murkiness of the Federation-Cardassian treaty is, as I said, an interesting quagmire that this show should be living in at all times. Uh, And this guy, Cal, has an interesting perspective on how the Cardassians view the treaty.
0: Yeah, I liked liked hearing him say something about how the Cardassians behave, because I like everything about the Cardassians.
1: Yeah, he's like, "Uh, of course they like the treaty. The treaty worked out exactly in their favor. And then he's like, well, some of their guys are on their side of the border. And he's like, yeah, but they know we're going to take care of them. So they don't worry about us having Cardassians in our territory, because we'll take care of them. Like, he had it all worked out in his head, like, all the arguments of why the Cardassians were were winning this whole game. Um, A Vulcan Maquis. I assume she's with the Maquis.
0: Uh, We haven't seen her yet, but it's the only thing that makes sense.
1: Uh, is that to legitimize the perspective of the Maquis? Like, a logical Vulcan wouldn't be swayed by arguments of emotion, so they must have valid grievances? That kind of thing?
0: I assume so, although again, at as far as we know at this point, that could just be a the Romulan.
1: Yeah, it could just be a that Romulan. Could, this
0: could be some Tal Shiar, I'm gonna destabilize the Federation shit.
1: Or it could be some Vulcan, I have way too many emotions to control shit also. Right,
0: because this is a destabilizing move, if it's instigated by outsiders.
1: Yeah, that's true.
0: Raising the Maquis up to be a terrorist threat by buying weapons?
1: It's just, I think think the best case for her being a Romulan is how unbothered she was by Quark. Yeah. Because a Vulcan, I think a true Vulcan would be like, what is up with this dude? But a Romulan who was playing would be like, yeah, I'll just get through this. I'll get through this dinner or whatever.
0: (laughs) Now, we'll get to her in a minute. I looked her up to see who played her. And so, I know whether or not she's a Romulan, because I had to look her up on Memory Ah, Alpha. okay. Yeah. But, uh, from everything we've seen so far, I I still would think, but is she even really a Vulcan? Yeah. We've seen this plot before.
1: Yep. Uh, Like you pointed out, Vulcan port wine. Again, that is a straight up Caldonian assassin, or whatever.
0: Yeah, I couldn't remember never, the name Caldonian, but for sure I was like, oh, that old dude was at the Barzon wormhole.
1: <laughs> so that makes me come up with some questions about how they are aligned or whether it's just some rogue elements. Cardassians are famous for their photographic memory, and Cisco has heard rumors about Cardassian mind training for four-year-olds or some yeah. shit. Um,
0: I would have loved if, Gal- well, I mean, Galdicott basically did say this, but if he would have just said, we just call it school. I mean,
1: (laughs) yeah, mind training. That's, uh, ooh, scary. Yeah. It's a pretty Uh, loaded kindergarten. It's
0: just school, but that's cool.
1: Yeah, they did some finger painting. Uh, apparently there's a Cardassian version of the Maquis, some armed Cardi separatists, right? Or something. Uh, or I don't know what the hell they are. Upgraded courier ships operating with the Maquis, rule of acquisition 214 about business on empty stomachs. There's apparently a Vulcan Bill of Rights. Um, something called RuPaul City I wanted it so bad to be RuPaul City
0: <laughs> oh I also thought you wanted it to be um... oh no this Uh-oh. is for
1: oh Lacarian City Lacarian no, no, City no that's not on the DMZ they, uh, that's too bad too I still hope there will be a series on Licarian City Street Justice of Licarian City would be a great show uh, Cisco used to serve with Cal at New Berlin. They have sausage and beer and all that German stuff there. But where is that?
0: I hope that the colony administrator is a weird alien who's just into German shit, like in uh, <laughs> Beverly wearing... Crusher's grandma's fuck colony.
1: Yeah, we're in traditional German attire and shit. Where is that, though? Where is New Berlin? They
0: don't say. They do not.
1: Okay. Uh, this is the first Badlands mention on DS9, and they mention ships get lost there. Yes. This is before Voyager's debut, but. Yeah, I Voyager's next season, so. We need to give out continuity points somewhere, but where? Because ships straight uh, get lost there, dude.
0: Yeah, they do, but as far as Janeway knows, no Federation ships have been lost in the Badlands.
1: Oh, uh, okay. Well, some ships do get lost there. Yeah, I guess some. They do. told us that today.
0: Cisco knows about it, but not yeah. Janeway. It's weird because she was being sent there on a mission. She but should have been told. They didn't tell her. They did not tell her. But yes. It is some it is some attempt at continuity. This is fairly late in season two of D S nine. Um it's possible the they were doing setup work is but the I've... last episode, right? Or is the no, the Jem'Hadar is The, ge-
1: the Jem'Hadar is, the, yeah, whatever one they meet the Jem'Hadar Hadar right. the first time is the last That's
0: time. only about uh, 8 or 9 episodes out, so I
1: wonder if this could have been soon enough for them to know what the general to know the, what specifically where the Voyager was going to get sent. To
0: I I want planes. to say it's possible because it takes so long to spin up a series, but it's certainly not 100% clear. They knew at the... Like, is this the first time chronologically we heard the name Maquis? Like, could they have been working... Th- at the time that Journey's End is written and uh, Preemptive Strike... The first Rowlaren... Did the Maquis play a part in Ensign Row? No. No?
1: They are not mentioned. The only, There are some... Just,
0: they're, they're, they're just Bajoran there's There are some Bajoran rebels, camps? but they are purely Bajoran. Okay, okay. <clears throat> like, they in order at the time they're writing voyager they know they want this mixed crew half of whom are something yeah so at, at this point it's all coming together in all three of the series that are the two that are running and the one that's being conceived at the same time
1: that's true you know i was i was giving it continuity points just based on the badlands mentions but even just the entire idea of the Maquis. <laughs> Yeah, does have a lot to do with Voyager. It does. First I mean, episode not as and, much as you would have thought yes. it Yes. <laughs> first episode and only first episode is what I was going
0: to say. Because it turns out Chakotay is kind of a dud. Well, and, uh, like he's
1: a, a major Starfleet supporter in every and way. And they
0: immediately decided that uh, B'Elanna Torres' most interesting trait was that she's half Klingon.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, this was going to be more points. I gave it a five for world okay. building. It was going to be more... Uh, but all of the stuff about them being the ranking officers makes so little sense.
0: It's it's just entirely wrong. Yeah, it's, it is not the fault of this episode particularly, but it's a bad part of this world. By
1: the way, we mentioned Nachev Angelico. Jean Luc Picard spends the back half of season seven in this sector.
0: Yeah, w- yeah. Where has he been?
1: Where's the Enterprise and shit?
0: The fucking flagship could be dealing with some of this shit. They're taking runabouts out to Cardassian space every four weeks to do shit. It's kind of. And Enterprise is around.
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: So it's that's a problem. That is that's a problem. a fast
0: ship. Enterprise could be there quick time if they yeah. needed them.
1: Oh, they would have scattered all those uh, courier couriers for sure. Would yeah. have got out there and been like, "Hey, don't."
0: Hey. <laughs> knock it off. <laughs> the right. support courier is interesting to me because based on what we have seen so far in TNG. When I hear that something is a support courier, my first thought—that's a Miranda class starship. Huh. That's a Type Six cargo ship now, right?
2: Uh, yeah.
1: I forgot what the yes. I forgot the designation that I had not that long ago. But yeah, Type
0: Six doesn't even sound like one of the good cargo ships.
1: No. <laughs> no, they haven't been keeping them up. I think I don't think they're refitted and shit. I think those are like some I think they're probably the Type Miranda's. Six
0: ones are original equipment Mirandas. Yeah.
1: Yeah. The stuff that uh, uh, that people will make fun of, um, and then Scotty will tell them that it's just because it's old doesn't mean it's. it's
0: I mean, we good. know for sure that if they had to show a, if they had decided they had to show a Federation support courier, we're looking at an Oberth or a Miranda at this point.
1: Yeah, and they do like to keep Oberths in the land of science vessels, so I I, I get the feeling it would be a Miranda or something. Maybe yeah. ooh, maybe like a stargazer type. Nah, probably not. Huh?
0: Oh, yeah, I guess it could be, could be a Constellation. Yeah. They, they stopped doing... We're going to see the last appearance of the Constellation real quick here. I wonder why. Unless it shows up... Unless there's one in the Wolf 359 graveyard.
1: I enjoyed it as a nice bridge. Like, hey, here's something we never saw on the old shows, but it apparently took place in the intervening years.
0: Yeah. I mean, it, it looks like the same design lineage as the Miranda, frankly.
1: Mm-hmm. But all different and different. So, you know...
0: 20, 2280s 2290s somewhere in there right it's a 70 year old chip at that point if it's of that same design lineage
1: uh did we talk about ben's world building he had a five as well
0: ben gave it a five yeah, yeah.
1: he's uh, trying to Cork not... has an
0: active warrant that is true
1: <laughs> that's actually good to know he uh, says a lot he's, of stuff about
0: the Cardis, yeah.
1: He's trying not to attach all of the later Maquis development to this initial story, because it's not totally clear this won't just be a two-and-done arc yet. And I guess that's true. When you're watching this, if this is before the the TNG Maquis stuff...
0: It's not clear how big a part of the universe this is going to be. Right. Like, is this... The Circle, right? That's the yes. weird Bajoran guys who yeah. Messed will up this all be resolved next week? Messed up Deep Space Nine for two weeks, uh, twenty episodes ago, and have not been heard from since.
1: That was a weird three-part episode. Yeah, they don't do that a lot in TNG. I mean, in uh, Star Trek. Yeah. Uh, characterization. Uh, Give it to yeah. Me, right? Give it to me. Kira is mad racist. Just thinks Gallimites are
0: true. gross. It's true. She's not into it.
1: And she is on brand when she argues for the Maquis uh, on Ops and at Cisco's office. Dax mischaracterizes Kira as shallow and not bigoted. Does she feel like that's more polite criticism? (laughs) Where she's like, God, she's saying all this shit about Captain whatever, Baudet or whatever his name is. I guess I should probably call her out for being shallow. Because I want to stay friends with her. Yeah. Um, Quark Cruising for some Umox As we already Talked about I was so excited To see Ducat, And he's just Right in the groove With his banter too Mm -hmm. From scene one He's charming And icky And smart And full of hot air And all the good stuff We get from Alemo He's very flattering Of Cisco. I get the feeling They're gonna be Frenemies for a long time To come
0: From this episode They want you to get That impression That these two old boys Are frenemies
1: uh, Ducat says that joy is vulnerability, but he always seems so jolly.
0: He does. He seems very jolly.
1: I can't figure it out. Is he just—is he admitting his vulnerability? Because he always seems so pleased. Uh, Ducat has seven kids.
0: If that's true,
1: that count will go up.
0: Oh, I see. <laughs> Are we going to maybe learn about a secret kid of his it could who's be, maybe could special be, in some way?
1: It could, might, maybe be. Um, Evek. Dude is a perfect blustering diplomat. Oh, Keeps yeah. repeating the term organized terrorist activities until people believe it. Yep. He reminds me of the Klingon ambassador from the Star Trek movies, but a little less fun.
0: God, that guy was good.
1: That Klingon ambassador is kind of off the chain from, like, Star Trek's...
0: We f- demand the extradition of, of Kirk. We demand we justice. We demand
1: justice. <laughs> so good. We deny nothing. Um
0: fuck me man. I, we'll get to, we'll we'll get to it in a minute when we I mean in an a hour and a half when we start talking <laughs> about TNG. We're but not
1: going fast this week.
0: The the this era presentation of the Klingons is so fucking amazing. Yeah. And it starts with the movies. The movie Klingons uh apart from the first guy who gets blown up by the Voyager probe with his gross dog yeah. But the rest of the movie Klingons are so great and then everything in TNG so far has been a fucking slam dunk.
1: <laughs> it's true, yeah.
0: Fucking Conmel and Chorus.
1: They were great.
0: Uh everything that happened on board the Pah
1: It was fantastic. And it's, we know there's so much more to come.
0: Yeah, yeah. There's just uh they just every time I hear anything about the everything that Worf has said the Klingons do. Not just the stuff we've seen. Yeah, but the fucking uh, the, the, the sex yeah. was amazing. The, the idea of Klingon sex was amazing, and then we're gonna hear some stuff this week that's really oh, great. Yeah. And but you're right, you're right. Um, but Ivec is right in that mold. Ivec yeah. does a good job here.
1: Uh, Cisco looks burdened by having to be involved in any of this.
0: <laughs> yep, he's super mad this whole episode. <laughs> I wrote, is he just mad that he has to do his job? I love
1: it. It's, it's at this point, I guess I should say, is this an acting choice from Cisco every single week? To be oh, like. Oh, it's a
0: real good question. For Avery Brooks to be like. Or is Brooke, Avery Brooks just mad that there's a Cisco episode? <laughs>
1: that's right. Or is Avery Brooks mad himself? I don't know what's happening. And he finally lets it all out when Kira comes into the office to argue for the Maquis. He gets real shouty uh, and aggressive. Um, I thought the Cardassians were good, and uh, the other people were sort of unfortunate, and I gave it a four.
0: <laughs> I see. <laughs> um. I'm a little more uh, bullish on this one. I did give it as many as seven. Oh wow! Uh, Kira's in a weird state in this episode. She doesn't want the station to turn into the bad old days under Cardassian rule. Right. Like in, her, in that little sniping match with Odo. Yeah, she where also he says is, where
1: he says a thing that people say we're like, oh, the 1950s was the best era. Yeah. And then it's and like then she, she went, not yeah, killer, unless you're black. You're right. right. Exactly.
0: Yeah, he wants the good old days because he was a weird alien. The Cardassians were fine with that.
1: Yes, they were.
0: They, they loved just him. one of him. They didn't have to think about it at
1: all. I mean, if, when you see the flashbacks and stuff, Dukat. Was oh, Dukat's into fucking
0: him. into it. He's like, yeah. this is a weird agent I can have working this guy for is me. So weird. This guy's weird as shit. I'm into it.
1: Let's have a party with him because he is weird.
0: Um.
1: But yeah, you're right. But Kira. she is also
0: she's very sympathetic to the Maquis. So it's like you really see that the uh, conflict in her about her own past is has not been resolved. Yeah, and it just it comes out somehow in the very little role that she has in this episode.
1: She's not been in it a lot in general. This so
0: season. Um, I, I'm I'm really kind of a Nana visitor booster.
1: At this point, it's hard not to be when you see who else is running around getting all the lines yeah. on this
0: show. Uh, Cisco's mad as hell throughout this one. How much of that, et cetera, et cetera. Dukat uh, is good, of course, but there's... What I really liked about this episode is it's never clear how much he really knows. Yeah. His surprise at events always seems genuine.
1: It's true. It's not... He's not... Uh, he Garrick doesn't play for the Bashir. camera. He's not Garrick leading Bashir right. around. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So he's like... He's just either playing the cards as they come, and he, he's just a real slick operator, or he's manipulating everything the whole time, and we just don't know. But it um it's very it's a very consistent performance. It's very good. Um you don't it's hard to tell from what you've seen of Ducat throughout Deep Space Nine whether he's a good guy or a bad guy or a really bad guy. Yeah, I think we have to think
1: he he was in their run of aren't politicians the worst. Yeah, he's when the he,
0: reasonable Cardassian,
1: right? When he was using the war orphans. To boost his profile at home. Correct. So he was in that run of the episodes where they were like, "uh, politicians. Like, that was the take every week.
0: That was the take for a bunch of weeks in a row.
1: Um. So we know he's at least that. But that doesn't seem to have taken the shine off of Beryl In terms of... I think we're still, no, still supposed to think he's a good
0: guy. The first couple of appearances of Beryl were like, oh, I don't know about this guy. He, this is clearly just political expedience with him. Yeah, He doesn't truly hold these beliefs. Uh, so it's hard to tell at this point what Dukat really is, yeah. you know, like whether he's a good guy or a bad guy or a paw wraith and or whatever. And that will
1: go on until season seven,
0: so <laughs> by the <it's>, way. Um,
1: <laughs> We're going to have this problem with Dukat until season seven when he goes off the rails. For but the first just, six it, seasons, you'll be like, huh, is he good or bad? It just
0: inherently makes him an interesting character because they don't write him so that it's obvious that we know he's a bad guy. Yeah. but but the crew doesn't or so that we know he's a good guy but the crew doesn't trust him yeah. like it's all up in the air we know as much as they know um,
1: probably an accident they probably from, just
0: didn't it's, I'm sure it's an accident <laughs> it has to be an accident but it makes it accidentally a good character anyway I gave yeah. it seven points for characterization okay uh, Ben gave it six uh, Kieran Dax uh, uh, I don't like Kieran Dax's relationship I don't want to read the rest of his thing yeah me neither um, well, he wants to know why Dax isn't in a higher command position. She's got seven lifetimes worth of knowledge and experience. Shouldn't she be commanding circles around everyone? I, well, but it's I guess, just that we've uh, seen her. Starfleet probably doesn't have like uh, good tests you can take for that. Why is Data still a lieutenant commander
1: <laughs> after 15 years or whatever? Yeah. yeah. Uh,
0: and he asks the question. Like Dukat seems like he's playing peacemaker, but is this his whole game?
1: Yeah. Oh, Part 2. I'm telling you, the thing I'm most excited about for Part 2 is just more Ducat. Just give me more Ducot. That's all I want. Yeah. He was kidnapped. We'll have to figure that out.
0: Let's uh, start real quick with Ben's quick hitters. The guest star is wearing the TNG uniform. He wants to know if that's because they don't have DS9 uniforms for, for extras, or no. if uh, fleet officers somehow wear different uniforms no, from the No, we should forces. probably
1: talk about it. I don't know if we talked about it at all throughout all of Deep Space Nine. Right? Have we talked about it one time in this? No, product? I don't it's think we've mentioned it at all. So they, weird.
0: They wear these terrible-looking jumpsuit uniforms in Deep Space Nine that have reversed the color scheme.
1: It is so off-brand for us not to have talked about that.
0: I, it's wild that I didn't talk about it for four hours after we did emissary.
1: We're gonna need to. We're gonna need to clear this up at some point. Because <laughs> right. yes, they wear different uniforms on DS Nine. How did we not mention that?
2: And they and do so, it on Voyager. though. And on
0: Voyager. So, and that's clearly in the fleet. So I don't know. All right, we'll get to it. There's to some do, there's definitely some degree I think of commander's choice. Well, it's are I the... think what it's almost as if so this happens in the real military.
2: Yeah.
0: When they switch uniforms, each command implements it on their own timeline. There's like a deadline when everybody has to be wearing the new uniforms? Right. Um but but it's sort of different commands change it up at, a, at different times.
1: Um, if the stupid Star Trek movies are to be believed, there can even be mixed. Because in Generations, half the characters are wearing the jumpsuit one and half the characters are wearing the real one. In the movie Generations.
0: Yep, that's true. So, And then in First Contact, they introduce a th- yet a third uniform. Mm-hmm. Which is based on the DS9 uniform, but done better.
2: Yes. Uh, quick I have some quick for hitters. you. Yeah, go for it.
0: Why does Cisco's good buddy have to be black, though?
1: You know why?
0: So they can talk a little on. street when they're together in his office.
1: Yeah, that's why. Why did his wife have to be black? Why does why
0: did the Vulcans' wife have two, to be black? Why,
1: why does two Valk's wife have to be black? Well, you know what I mean. Like it's Star Trek. You know why?
0: They're so afraid of the idea that black people and white people can be friends on TV. I know. Oh here! Well, oh, it's one of Cisco's old buddies. Of course, it's a black guy of the exact same age.
1: They we're afraid and, and who? Cisco, had, Walmart wouldn't want to advertise on their on their stupid syndicated shows or whatever.
0: Anyway, it's fine. This guy does a great job. He's good in Babylon Five. He's good in this. That's fine. I don't. I have nothing to say bad to say about the performance of Calvin Hudson. I just think it's it's not. It's probably wasn't that they cast this role race blind, and this is the guy who won the role. I'm oh, certain that yeah. they put the cast casting call out for a black. A black guy in his early 40s to play Cisco's buddy.
2: Yeah, I agree.
0: Um, what's Nachev up to these days? I, I thought know. that that Vulcan was somebody, so like I had to look her up, but she's not somebody. She didn't play anybody, any other yeah. Star Trek? So yeah. now my theory is that she just reminds me of Paget Brewster.
1: And Paget Brewster is
0: uh, Frankie Dart from the last season of Community. Or oh, right, right, right. Um, yeah, yeah, oh,
1: she is kind of yeah. I say Dodo see that.
0: from uh, another period. I can see that. She's had a long career. She's been an extra and, a, and a, or a guest performer in a lot of sitcoms over the years. She's a funny lady. Yeah. They have similar facial structure, I guess.
1: I, I, I do see what you're saying.
0: Then I rambled on for a long time about is she a Vulcan or a Romulan? But I've already covered that. Uh, and then I just wrote Dukat and Vivek in the same fucking show.
1: I know. Because I was In the into same it. scene! I was just into it. They got to be in the same room and you get to see how Evac was like he didn't want to but he had to be deferential <laughs> so I guess it shows that Dukat is somewhat important because Yvesque is like oh yeah we should have If we knew you were coming we would have like done something but he doesn't want to <laughs> and Dukat's like oh I didn't want to put you out or whatever
0: I gave uh, best actor in this one to Kira and worst actor to Sakona
1: ouch Kira didn't get it done
0: I give Kira Best Actor.
1: Oh, you said Best. Okay, I thought yeah. I had it switched.
0: <clears throat> give me them quick hitters. I know you got uh, a bunch.
1: Uh, yeah. Part one usually indicates there's going to be stakes of some kind. We'll see how this one goes. Uh, too bad the name of the episode gives away the whole Cardassian ship explosion thing. Um, another Curzon lackey, Calvin Hudson. Again, Locker Room Talk. Um, I hope we get to figure out why Dukat is believed to be both, one, possessing the relevant experience and expertise for this infiltration mission that he's doing, this secret mission to DS9, and two, Mm -hmm. expendable enough to send not even a little bit undercover but still in secret in Tamaki territory.
0: Yeah, this one, not even clear he's working on anybody's behalf.
1: This is why, I, like, I, I, we have not been given very much at all about Dukat's presence here.
0: We know nothing about the Cardassians. We know nothing <laughs> about their command structure. We know that the military <laughs> runs the government, but we really only learned that two weeks ago. Yeah. It's like.
1: Yeah. The only reason Who? we'll learn more later about how the Cardassian government works is because we'll see it get overthrown.
0: Yeah, it's like who does Goldakat even work for? Yeah, Leggett who?
1: The Central Command, but yes, I don't. Yes, I don't know which Legits make that up. <laughs> um, as much as I loved the buddy duo of Garrick and Bashir, the upgrade of Avery Brooks over Sidig Alexander makes this duo even more fun.
0: It is true. I, I'm It's bullshit that they didn't hit on Garrick and Cisco yeah. doing adventures. Or fuck it, just Garrick and Golducot. That's what I really want. <laughs> Why pretend? That show. We oh, know it's... they don't like each other. That's good enough.
1: If we're gonna, if everyone has to do a prequel all the time, right? Everything has to be prequels for some reason. Yeah. Even though it's oh, absolutely yeah. the worst way fuck to it. do it.
0: Give me Tarok Nor. Yes. Give me Tarok Nor, and Garrick is like a weird I'm... spy or whatever. Yeah, I want and he's Garrick. Fucking I up Golducot shit. I don't Odo's know there sometimes. Who cares?
1: I don't know how you're gonna do it because the actors are much are more so advanced. old.
0: There's this because this show was old, like was 22, 24 years ago now.
1: Yeah, I don't know how it would work, but I, I, I would be interested in that for sure. Just to see them in the old days. Um, let's see. Uh, this Vulcan lady ain't heard of the rules of acquisition. She just hasn't heard of them. She's very impressed when she hears about them, but she's never yeah. heard of them.
2: So how come it's, it's every, a little wild?
1: I feel I, the Ferengi need to get the PR machine going because everyone in the galaxy knows everything about Klingons.
0: Well, also she's coming here specifically to deal with Quark. She couldn't have
1: done some research.
0: It's like done one minute of research, like what's Quark's deal? Oh, Quark's a Ferengi, and uh, be, there's got to be a note in the fucking Vulcan files. Be careful when you deal with Ferengi.
3: Yeah, that's
1: right. They, they probably suck. would say that too. These dudes suck. <laughs> But it's like everyone in the galaxy knows everything about Klingons. But apparently that word does not get around about Ferengi. So they need to get their shit stepped up.
0: It's just because they don't have opera.
1: That's true.
0: What do the, cultured people pretend well, to like? the fat Ferengi always opera.
1: wants to hear... Um. I can't remember the name of the song he always wants to hear. Ma- 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 no, the, he doesn't want to hear that. That makes him upset when Worf requests that one. Yeah, let, why don't you memory off of that and I'll, I'll work on this. That's not, me.
0: <laughs> that's not me typing Gambit part one into... Uh...
1: And, hey, why do they send this Vulcan lady to barter for weapons? She's not subtle. She, she just straight says loudly to Quark in the middle of the bar, I want some weapons. It's a terrible idea to send her. They should send somebody else. Um...
0: Shit, that's not Gambit. What episode is that?
1: I really thought that was Gambit. Aren't they looking for a missing Picard?
0: Nah. Nah, that's... What's the one with the combat vessel? Chains of Command?
1: No. Oh, combat vessel is Unification.
0: Unification.
1: Is that what that is? Man, we got our shit all mixed up. I'm going to apologize to everybody, because we're experts. We need to get our ship going better. Um... And then, like I already said, the Cardassian and Glynn or whatever, next to Evek is very patient. The colonist tackles Evek, and then the dude just stands there watching until Cal breaks them up. So, maybe they need a security officer in there. Anything?
0: I got nothing. I got fucking... I'm
1: what is wrong? Stonewalled okay, by memory
0: it. alpha. I will do it. I'm just fucking Googling Klingon opera.
1: I'm gonna do it right now. I'm Googling Uma- Umog. That's yeah, Unification 2. He likes to hear Melor Famagal. Yes, that's the song he likes. Yes, I don't know if it's opera.
0: It was a musical composition, particularly favored by the Ferengi arms dealer Omog. Yeah. He regularly requested the piece be performed by Amory in the bar. But you on can Coy hear War her too. S- so, so, the it. problem is, it's in Unification Two, not Unification One. Ah,
1: she's like, <laughs> that's what it
0: sounds. Which like. Which makes sense because Picard's off the ship in Unification Two because he's off being a Romulan. Yeah Okay got it.
1: We got it We got it everybody Are you done talking about I'm This done. Deep
0: Space Nine episode Because we respond. are
1: You didn't respond To the last two quick hitters Because you were busy In research I'm done Because we're
0: an hour And 50 minutes Into yep. this
1: All shit Yep right. I'm done Yep
0: Next Come. in the order Is Enterprise
1: We're going so slow
0: <laughs> This week We watched Stigma Come on
2: uh. I seen a rainbow Yesterday I've come and gone, leave and I dress. I'm not one guy here for days. It was my life for ten shades. And I pray often fade away, sell the bracelet for the seven days. And promise is promises true, only my can undo. The many chances I bliss would bring my life to an end. Clear blue and unconditional skies have dried the tears from my eyes. No, my lonely cries.
0: She raps as good as a Korean, by the way.
1: She does. You played our dad's least favorite part.
0: I played the part of Waterfalls that I figured you would have heard the least. It's <laughs> true, I appreciate that. Just theoretically, you've heard all other parts of Waterfalls more often than that. Yeah. I had heard that so infrequently that I thought it was a guest rapper that Dad was cutting out. <laughs> I, it didn't even occur to me, oh no, of course, it's just one of the people in TLC. Yeah,
1: it's Left Eye. Of course, does. it's
0: just Left Eye. Yeah. She's the Stone Young of uh, TLC.
1: That's right. That, that, that is often a comparison.
0: The She's thing. the Sang, sang Min. Of T L C Lee sure. Sangmin.
1: Songmin is for sure also a rapper, but for Roo and they were not from Roo ra Well they were unfortunate. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that They're shit's so very terrible.
1: Very unfortunate. <laughs> I played some Turbo that for so bad. I played some Turbo from Arjan the other day, and that is also very unfortunate. The nineties was not a good time for carbon. Anyway.
0: Uh, stigma. Yeah. T Pole has hmm. some sort of illness that Flox has been managing. Um, but for which he lacks expertise and the treatment is not working well anymore. Right. She doesn't want him to consult the Vulcan doctors because she worries it'll lead to her being recalled from Enterprise. But Phlox is worried that she's going to die. Yeah. So when the Enterprise gets to Dikendi three for an interspecies medical conference, uh, he goes down and tries to pump Vulcan doctors about something called Panar syndrome.
3: Mm-hmm
0: by pretending that it's similar to, to a denobulin disease that may or may not exist, so I don't care about it. Yep. Um, but it turns out that because this disease uniquely affects a subculture of undesirables, yep. they don't want to talk about it. B-plot. Okay. Dr. Phlox's wife is there installing a neutrino microscope. It's not. I'm sorry, I made it much more sensible than it is It's a neutron microscope There you go (laughs) I'm sorry, Ben Ben points it out In the quick hitters, I'll say it here That doesn't make any sense, we'll talk about it later
1: Uh, Also, what she's really installing is her vagina On uh, Tucker's dong That's what she's installing
0: Yeah, here it is, she's into Trip This Mm -hmm. is one of Phlox's four wives, her name is Fizal And she fucking wants it She wants this swamp monster
1: of, yeah, she wants that fucking gator bad. Yeah,
0: she wants the gator. Yeah. Definitely. Um, The Vulcan doctors come aboard to formally refuse Flox's request, but also to see what T-Paul's up to because uh, they done figured him out. I actually thought he was reasonably slick about it, but apparently these Vulcans were like, nah. <laughs> nah, yeah, though.
1: I guess they're smarter than he is.
0: Um, So here it is. Uh, this thing is a disease that affects mind melders. Right. A small part of the Vulcan population, and one that they don't like because it's um, it's uh, an unnatural intimacy that you mind meld.
1: Yeah, this is hey, something we we're just learning.
0: I'm half with him on that. By the way, it oh, seems it, wild to me that Vulcans mind meld.
1: It's not great. I don't love that you can even mind meld with like a rock being.
0: Uh, yeah, or just, uh, like, through the wall to see if a guard is there.
1: <laughs> yes. TOS uses it in the most wild ways.
0: Uh, maybe with a probe. Maybe with a advanced probe that's come on board and wants to eradicate all of humanity.
1: Or maybe with a whale.
0: Or maybe with a whale.
1: You know, lots of ways to do it.
0: Yeah, the whale's um, less crazy than the Horda, to me. Yeah, I think so. Let's think, say that. Uh, like, In the scale of the things that mammal. we just listed, the whale's not that bad. Yeah. We have a feeling that they're fairly intelligent as animals go. Yeah. And they are mammals.
2: There you go.
0: Uh, unlike the Horda. Anyway.
1: Silicon-based life, correct?
0: Uh, so, yes, it was a silicon-based life form. They found those nodules, and because uh, when Spock and Kirk are together, they can well, figure out the whole universe. <laughs> Spock's it's one like, of those
1: things that the tricorder was, for some reason, programmed to detect, even though they thought it was an impossibility.
0: Yeah, Spock's like, <laughs> uh, these are eggs.
1: <laughs> Heck, you know what he said, and that okay, I can't. I don't want to spend any more time on this. What he said was <laughs> he didn't want to say anything in case he was wrong.
0: That's true. He did say that at first. <laughs>
1: then later on, he went, Oh, uh, yeah, these are some dang old eggs.
0: Yeah, we got eggs right here. Yep. Uh, these are oh, eggs." Yeah. So it becomes clear that they suspect uh, old T-Paul of being part of the group of melders. All right. And apparently, these guys uh, they they choose not to even really pursue a cure for this disease. Because no, they find the whole that. thing real distasteful. Yeah. But uh, they'd sneak some sort of DNA scan or something. They say fingerprint, but that makes no less no. than no sense. <laughs>
1: yeah, you I mean you could you could say they touched it, and so we got the, their their She must left some
0: whatever. DNA on that fucking thing in some sweat or something. But you're right, but, they say DNA. Uh, dumb old Archer I mean, does say fingerprint. It's maybe they they probably said something smarter to him and he that's how they, he interpreted it to her. Scan your your finger bits. Fingerprint. Yeah. Um, uh, but it also proves that she's not a melder. She's not an innate melder. Yeah. So uh, Archer calls Phlox and T-Pole in after the Vulcans uh, tattle. Because uh, now he wants an explanation. So here it is. Uh, you remember Fusion when they met those weird Vulcans?
1: Yeah, I remember. The and that one
0: that uh, mind raped her. A remember when forever. it mind raped her?
1: That forever taught me if one of the guys looks like a creeper, he's a creeper. Yeah. That's why they hired him.
0: Well, she got Panar syndrome from that. Oh, boy. But um, she's not going to... She don't want to report it to High Command. And she kind of doesn't say why yet. Yeah. It seems like maybe she's she just is so ashamed of it that she doesn't want to report it. But it, it'll turn out later she has slightly better motives. But it does seem like she's real confused about this whole thing. Yeah. Archer goes to talk to these doctors. But they still refuse to help her. But uh, but then, one of them calls T-Paul from the surface and arranges a secret meeting. Yeah. So she goes down to the city, and he gives her a CD case that he got from the warehouse, <laughs> full of medical research.
1: Nasty old jewel case. It's uh...
0: Because um, he's a melder. Yeah. He's one of these people. He's not infected. He says only a very small percentage of them are infected by this thing. It's a panic, and Vulcan didn't used to be this intolerant. It has gotten worse lately, and it's got to stop. But uh, this is the best he can do. He can give her the medical research. When she lets on that this didn't happen to her by choice, he urges her to tell them about it because things will go better for her. But that's the limit of what he's willing to do. He's not going to take a stand here. He's not going to endanger himself. This is what he's going to get from her. Uh, at this point, the, by the way, in the other plot, uh, the shit has continued to escalate with the uh, flocks, wife and uh, trips, not saying anything about it. Yeah. He's just, he's not doing the obvious and easy thing. Just talking about what's happening and clearing up whatever's going on. But now they're in the mess hall and he's so nervous about it. He wants Hoshi to stick around and be his chaperone, but that yeah. don't help none. Cause, uh, this woman's straight up playing footsie with him now.
2: And like
1: scaring Hoshi off.
0: Yeah, and kind of scaring Hoshi off. Yeah. Uh, although it did, she's been so clear about her intent at this point that there's no way this could be a misunderstanding, so he should have <laughs> talked to her by now. He's not good at this. No. We'll say later that I think that this plot would make a little more sense if this was Mayweather.
2: Yeah,
1: nice boy Mayweather.
0: He's too nice a boy to know what to do about this, whereas... Uh, Tripp's already banged about five aliens, so he should have some kind of a handle on what's going on.
1: Since I know you often sneak into my Google Notes, like <laughs> my, my notes file, you will not be surprised <laughs> to know that I also asked for Mayweather to have this plot. <laughs> oh... So we, just stay out of it again. Stay out. I changed. There's got to be some so I don't degree, know why you're still in there. So
0: there's got to be some out. degree to which doing this project is leading us to think alike on these things. <laughs> Maybe like we start to have the same ideas. Well, well and some degree of just our common upbringing. I
1: think we're also both struggling to put together some kind of unified theory of Star Trek that can never be made. Oh yeah, it was impossible for so sure. So it's leading us to theorize and hypothesize all over the place.
0: Um. Uh, when he escapes this encounter, though, he goes to talk to uh, Reed because I guess he's been keeping him up to date on this. So mm-hmm. he goes to the gym uh, to hang out with his not gay buddy Reed and talk about it. And uh, he wants to talk to Flocks about this at this point. And Reed yeah. is like, "No, nah, don't don't do that. Don't don't do the only thing that could clear up this. Si- well, actually, he's talk right because we wife. should talk to her.
1: Yeah, talk but, to the wife." <laughs> uh,
0: He's like, no, nah, don't talk to Flocks. I saw him get mad once, and it sucked. Don't, don't do that. He's got like weird nails and a weird tongue. <laughs> you know, yep. the, he's so gross. The whole thing is gross. Don't. He's don't somehow do grosser
1: of, when he's angry. Don't just don't. Get just don't it. do
0: any of this. So that's where that we're going to leave that plot there. Because uh, at this point, Archer has news that uh, T-Paul is being recalled to Vulcan. Apparently, on the authority of the lead doctor. It's not clear why. He has the authority to do that. And it turns out that their plan isn't even to tell the high command about her until they get to Vulcan and they'll figure out what to do there. But he is going to tell them there. Anyway, Archer has also uh, off screen had Hoshi dig around and find some laws or something. Mm-hmm. And it turns out that she's entitled to a hearing and he's forced the Vulcan doctor to agree. Paul, thinks the doctor won't even agree to this hearing, which is interesting to me. Yeah.
2: But
1: um, well, she again is she has the knowledge that she is keeping for Marcher, which is just that it's that they are that they think these people are so despicable, yeah. That there is no that there isn't really much she can do to win in this in this case.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, I guess we'll just cut this off at this point. Trip goes and talks to Flocks. Yeah, uh, he's he Mayweather got injured playing melancholy Lacrosse, and so. Uh, he has to sh- shoo him out of there, and maybe that's what made me think. Oh, yeah, this should have been Mayweather all along.
1: Well, that was the only time we saw Mayweather, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. And Flocks uh, is like, oh yeah, you should, you should you do should, that.
1: You should saddle up and ride, my. Friend. Yeah, 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 yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. No, she's good at it.
1: He is weirdly excited to be Eskimo Brothers with Trip.
0: He is into this idea. Yeah, and uh, and also, I mean yeah he's got four wives, and they each have three other husbands. They probably got a pretty different attitude oh yeah to sex than uh than humans do so it's not weird that this is flockx's attitude but uh trip then trip becomes like a weirdo, and he's like i don't, i don't I don't think anything could change my mind i She's your property, and I would never... <laughs> I, would she, never and she belongs, I would never
1: dare to touch a lady I, that belongs her, to your household. Her,
0: her vagina, in many ways, is your vagina, and therefore <laughs> I don't think that I could ever because of my southern ways. And it's...
1: <laughs> yeah, It's
0: fine. That's the end of this story. Thank God. Uh, Keep so, sex out of my
1: Star Trek, please. Now we're back
0: in the AIDS parable. Par- okay. Parable.
1: <laughs> That's fine.
0: Uh t agrees to go down to this thing and she'll speak out about the melders but she's not going to tell anyone how she got the disease and here's why because she knows that if she says she was raped then they'll feel bad for her then they'll let her off the hook but it will also just make them uh, just reinforce their prejudice about Mm -hmm. people who do mind melds and I guess despite the one person she knows who does mind melds turning out to be an absolute creep (laughs) She still feels like everyone should get a fair shake, and this is not uh, this prejudice is bad. She doesn't say it's illogical. (sighs) There's much, there's much, much to get into.
1: Let's leave the judgment to the other sections. Let's just get to this description. Uh,
0: But so she's not going to do that. So in, but in the hearing, I guess her mild defense of them. Sparks yep. the youngest doctor to break his silence and admit that he's a melder and also he gives away T-Paul's story. So now yeah, he outs her. Yeah, he outs her. Uh, so now she's not going to be recalled, but this guy is going to be sent back to Vulcan and uh, but she's going to put in a good word for him.
1: I get the feeling she's going to keep fighting the fight.
0: That's what we're supposed to think here. Yeah. She's not done with this
1: from long distance. Yeah. Nope. they'll be they'll be in a shooting battle next week so you know. she
0: wanted to stay on the enterprise and he wanted her archer wanted her to stay etc etc they have to do they have to do that little bit at the end there yeah where archer's like oh, i didn't want to lose you and then we have to go like oh god he told her he had feelings for her <laughs> why shouldn't he, have, why would he do that he shouldn't have done that this is i know that i just advocated that trip do that in this feesall thing that was but different. that's a very it's such a different it's an entirely different situation
1: totally different
0: it's wildly, it's just wildly different. Mal, what's this one about?
2: Mm.
1: Okay, so I know what it's about, but the only way I can make a statement about the take <laughs> is to say, "It's difficult, right?" It's bad to prejudge and condemn people for getting a disease from consensual intimacy, and, and worse to judge those who did not contract it consensually. Yeah. This is a long and specific take, so that's not great. And I think they missed some opportunities to make a simpler and more powerful statement. Um, also, this is long after the AIDS scare. Yeah. Though it obviously AIDS still obviously existed when this show was made and today. So the timing is interesting. Still, uh, this is why Star Trek exists.
0: Uh, that's the point, right? This is the exact yeah. thing that you need science fiction for.
1: Yes, to tackle societal issues that some of the population might need to hear about and digest, right? So there's value there. I gave it a six.
0: Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you on this. I gave it seven. Okay. Uh... I'm with you. So it feels a little late to do an AIDS piece,
2: yeah.
0: But the way T-Paul behaves in this, to, I, when I when I'm not making fun of her, I guess I should just say to Paul The no, way Tepaul behaves, I won't even in know this, who you're talking about if you say that. <laughs> uh, makes it clear that it's this is not so much about the AIDS scare. Like yeah. her focus is really on the underlying intolerance of the behaviors. Yes. So AIDS is how she gets a <laughs> space AIDS is how she gets associated with this. Panar Panar syndrome. syndrome.
1: She wants, she can't make the banar and it's important right. to her to do
0: it. Um, but that's not what it's about for her. And, uh, although the analogy with AIDS is super, super, super clear. I, I'm sure that there is someone somewhere who has made the point that AIDS was probably not America's first priority in the uh in the time when it was gay cancer. Hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like Yeah. But it is definitely the case that people did research it and work on it and it it didn't uh treatment wasn't refused the way it is being portrayed here. It's not an exact analogy.
1: Yeah, they go, they they turn it up to 10 or whatever.
0: Yes. Yeah. But that's also sort of the function of science fiction and yeah. all drama. Um and then I thought about what gay representation in TV was like in 2002 or whatever.
2: Yeah, yeah.
0: Uh, compared to what it's like today. Like every third episode of a sitcom in to in a 2002 era uh, at least had a joke about a woman who was born a man. Yeah. Like at least. That's the bare minimum. And forget all of the jokes where uh, it's funny that uh, one sitcom character thinks another sitcom character of the same gender is hitting on them.
2: Yeah, yeah.
0: Like that's the main source of humor in the <laughs> in like late Friends or something, right? Oh, probably. So, yeah. um, I I'm giving it credit for doing work that still needed to be done in its time.
1: I agree. And oh, by the way, even I mean, if it it's feels a, for us,
0: it feels a little hokey now, but it's not.
1: It's rare for it, us it to, needs to, to shower Enterprise with praise like this, but.
0: Yeah, but uh, this is, uh, by the way, this is an area where Star Trek was particularly cowardly.
2: Yeah.
0: Gender and sexual relations. When you think about the host and you think about the outcast and those are your two big shots. I guess later Dax, another woman will show up that was Dax's wife in a previous whatever. Yep. Uh, And they'll do a relationship, even though that's kind of taboo among the trills to do like a former. But it's not about gender. And anyway, it doesn't matter. Yeah. This it is something took, it, that Star Trek uh, tripped and fell on, probably in, at least in part because Gene Roddenberry had that wild blind spot for his misogyny.
1: Yeah, he was awful. <laughs> that's, I'd say that's how I'd describe Like him. You, you feel like
0: that has to be a factor in why they didn't really handle this kind of stuff particularly well. Yeah, they didn't handle Whereas, anything to
1: do with women well, or anything. of course anything to do with, with any kind of sexual politics.
0: This episode makes it clear... Uh and by the way, the the function of the B plot in this episode is to show that one person's prudish is another person's conservative or yep. or you know no sorry, is another person's libertine, right? Like yep. uh it's uh, humans think that this Vulcan shit is is wild and crazy, but, but uh, Talaxians think hand... humans are a bunch of hay seeds. Uh, Not talaxians. talaxians Jesus denobulans. <laughs> yeah. Thankfully we don't know too much about how Talaxians fuck.
1: Yeah, I don't want to know that much about
0: it. We know they think two is acceptable. Or even so, one.
1: I So I would just say, keep sex out of my Star Trek, but I guess it's good that they made an attempt.
0: Yeah, but it's it's fine to me because it's... Uh, first of all, this is one of the least sexy episodes. Yes. Like, yeah, okay, Flox's wife uh, was rubbing Tripp's leg with her weird orange stockings. Yeah, but, uh, those were ugly. No one was rubbing blue gel on each other. Yeah. We didn't see any uh, silhouettes of nipples. This Just, is not yeah. even that. hard nips. We didn't have poor Hoshi running around uh, doing a hand bra because her shirt came off when she jumped out of the vent.
1: Uh, I almost want to take points off this episode because you reminded me of that. <laughs> that
0: sucked, right? Didn't that suck? <laughs>
1: don't, don't do
0: that anymore. So yeah, I know I agree. Keep sex out of, out of my Star Trek, but the, unless you're talking about sexual yes. politics or actually discussing sex in a mature adult way in which case fine that's one of the functions of science fiction is to talk about things society is uncomfortable talking about
1: okay so how'd they execute
0: uh Almost give them a five up. okay uh one missing piece here is that we don't really know why t-pole has the beliefs that she has
1: it's true we don't get any backstory or motivation maybe if she's you, just uh, evolved
0: if you cast your mind back to that episode where this thing happened to her she was sort of along for the ride at first. Like it definitely ended up being a mind rape.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: for sure. But like she was at least curious about it and sort of willing to play along and part see. Of her
1: wanted to figure out what was happening to her in San Francisco. This is
0: the same exactly the same part of her that was going to those jazz clubs or whatever. So yeah. she was. But does that mean that? So so what I what I don't understand about. T Paul's statement here is if this is personal for her or it's ethical. Yeah. And that's what I would like to know. Now the big the elephant in the room is I think it feels weird for Vulcans to be this shitty. Yeah. And I think that's because we don't want to think of Spock being shitty. Yeah. But the more I see Vulcans in TOS, the less I feel like Enterprise is ruining them.
1: Also, the more you see see Spock say things like there's only one God yeah. or whatever. This is true. Or whatever other <laughs> nonsense he's gonna say next week, you're just be like, huh. He's the logical one, so I guess it's true. He'll tell you that men yeah, and women are one absolute. There's only
0: Christian god, and men man and gender, male females there's, there's only two genders.
1: It's absolute uh, across the universe. This, so.
0: Spock is not exactly a picture of tolerance. He <laughs> no. thinks everything that the humans do is ridiculous. Yeah. Um, That's true. He definitely feels real superior. Yeah. So, uh, I'm not sure that Enterprise is ruining them. I think what's happening is no Star Trek is doing a good job of exploring what their rigid dogma really means.
1: Yeah, even in the new one, which we'll never get into this project, thank God, um, there is a gay couple in it, because it's 2016 or whatever, so yep. they finally got around to doing it, but I didn't get the feeling they explored it for even one minute. Yeah, They just went, now we have gays too, and then that was it. Uh, that, that, they didn't get into it anymore.
0: Yep. Um, <laughs> and then finally, the all story works better if it's Mayweather instead of Trip. But they mostly didn't fuck this one up, and no one shot at anyone else, so I gave it five ah, points for execution. A
1: rare episode where nobody was blasting anyone. Even when it
0: looked like Archer was going to punch that Vulcan doctor, he just he talked to him about procedures instead, so I was I got, pretty happy with that.
1: I got thoughts about Archer later, for sure, in this thing. Um, execution. I, I feel like most of it was right. The Vulcans um, think these old boys are perverts and don't mind if they die. Kind of out to get them and expose them. Even scapegoat them. There's some victim shaming that people I think are afraid is going to happen and stuff. Even having t poles cover blown in the end. It's like a a real-life situation that might happen where someone doesn't want to admit they've been victimized or something.
0: Yeah, not everyone wants to talk about it all the time. I think that's fine.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: But I think you're right. It's something that does happen to people.
1: We already talked about how it's not a perfect parallel for AIDS and the whole AIDS adventure. Um...
0: No, although I, I'm but sure the that there were people parent. who felt like this during oh, yeah. during AIDS, where they felt like, do people even really care about this? Yeah, you know, like I, I I'm sh- I don't know, I don't know how that got worked into this story particularly, but it's uh, I'm sure that there was someone who felt uh, persecuted in this particular way. During oh, for the sure, early days of AIDS.
1: I just meant even that there are various ways to contract HIV that have nothing to do that's with true. homosexuality. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. um, even and, if you're in fact bigot- in the
0: real world, that's kind of the thing that turns the corner on it for us, right? Is that yeah. well, it's actually, but it's also a bunch of needle drug users, and then
1: yeah, or that you can get it from a straight partner who has it or something. So yeah, it's like, or
0: if you if you watch that uh, TLC Waterfalls video, that's
1: right. Uh, they didn't wrap it up, or you'll whatever. see that
0: that man gets it because he's with that woman, and yeah. she had like fifty boyfriends before him.
1: Yeah. So, like, even if you're a bigot who wants all the gays to die, you still have to try to cure a disease that may have been contracted in various other ways, including, dun-dun-dun, heterosexual sex. So it's not a perfect, like, AIDS parallel, but it doesn't have to be. I don't um, think it has to
0: be either, particularly, again, if it's more about underlying intolerance than it yes. is specifically about AIDS.
1: Uh, the B-plot with flox's wife, uh, again, is a decent way to show humans coming to terms with differences in alien societies. Um, and I said, Tucker's getting so much play lately, even romantically. I wonder if we couldn't have done this plot with good boy Mayweather.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah.
1: Or even Nasty Reed.
0: Oh, Malcolm Reed. He wouldn't he handle it been... well at all. He's well, so he weird and her. British. Oh, he would have fucked her. Definitely. He would
1: have fucked her, and then there would have been Fallout. The rest of the episode would have been the Fallout. Like, the lady wanted to get bring him on as her ninth husband or whatever. <laughs> and then he's like, oh, I can't
0: do or, that. How wild would this have been? Now she wants to do it three-way with him and Flocks, and he's got to deal with that. Yeah,
1: and he's kind of like bore his way out of that and scenario. Like, oh no,
0: no, no! It already turned out you were much weirder sexually than I was expecting because I didn't know about your tongue. That's
1: right. Yeah, I was, I wasn't actually into it was. And probably other stuff
0: it. like your tongue's real different and your nails are real different. Who knows so what the rest of that's different.
1: like? Yeah, once we got into it, I was not into it anymore. Like what, yeah. when when you were coming on to me, I, I was like, Yeah, I can't I'm gonna deal gonna with Flocks
0: too. We're shipmates. The whole I can't do this. <laughs> that's right. I, can't, I cannot go this way with you.
1: So I had those ideas. And then also, if you're going to talk about uh, intolerance and everything, you could have made it a lesbiotic with Hoshi or whatever. You know? Just uh, feel free to go nuts with it. But Tucker, I mean, come on. That's a good point. Uh, enough. Um, I gave it a six in execution. Okay. I thought it was mostly pretty good.
0: I wrote so much, and I, I talked about it so much, because uh, I really did feel like I have to defend this. But uh, here it is. Ben's a five for take. Okay. Uh, intimate matters should be discussed as mature cultures. Yeah. Etc. And he's a seven on execution. Oh, well, there you go. And it's all the same thing. Like, it's a clear message. It's in keeping with Star Trek. It didn't trip on its dick.
1: See how easy it is, Enterprise?
0: It's so easy, guys.
1: <laughs> just make it about something. You get all the points. Guys, just
0: do an episode, yeah. just do one about a thing.
1: Uh, I can do world building. If yeah, give me that. Uh, moving along here, Dikendi Three Medical Conference. I th- I'm pretty sure that's in September. I think Marjon's going to that.
0: Oh, um, good. <laughs> That'll be fun. It seemed like a nice planet. It's made up of, of uh, Fisher Price people, but they have a nice <laughs> very, diggerot. So.
1: It's, it's made of a very bad CGI. Panar disease. Uh, mind melds are apparently the cause of Pinard syndrome, and the practice is very much looked down upon on Vulcan. Um, why is Tucker in charge of this microscope? I can Uh, understand him being the one to install it as chief engineer, maybe, but why is he being trained on its use?
0: I guess uh, it maybe just uh, so he'd be able to verify it was working again. It did seem like they were pretty much sticking to the basics, and also he wasn't doing a good job of keeping it. He was very distracted by this scenario. Well,
1: this lady was trying to fucking bone him the whole time.
0: She was. She was not subtle about it. This was not a, oh, we're just more physically affectionate as a people. No, no, no. This was was definitely... Rubbing her boobs against him. Let's do sex.
1: Yeah. Uh, Denobulans. Uh, We've already talked in the past about their polyamorous nature. Um, On one hand, a lot happens that is important to major species. On the other hand, a lot of it's contradictory to the evidence we've seen in all of the (laughs) other Star Treks. And I fucking hate it when Enterprise does that. At no point from TOS on... Is anybody looked down on
0: for, doing a, mind for meld. doing a mind
1: meld except by doctors who go, it's crazy to do a mind meld,
0: but yeah, the,
1: everyone else is just like, no, nah, I'm down with it. Just do it.
0: This is true. Uh, I will say a couple of things about it. We see Spock and we know he can mind meld.
1: Yeah. He does it all day. So the mind melds is everything. We already talked about it. So
0: Spock and Sarek are the only Vulcans we see until we get to TNG.
1: Yeah. The two fucking do it.
0: Spock does at least one very nasty mind meld.
1: He needs that information 24 style.
0: He's He does he a Jack Bauer.
3: He
1: says, give me what I want to know
0: now! So it's like, um, <laughs> if the only Vulcan we know is Spock and he can mind meld, of course we're going to think all Vulcans can mind meld. I don't really mind the idea that not all of them can.
1: That part's okay, except that every Vulcan we meet later does have the ability, as far as we know. Because like, again, two can do it. So yes. I bet we will find out that Vorik can do it. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, probably. I think right? what we're going to find out is that that is not ever talked about in the other one. We'll so see. Let's
0: keep open. an eye out for who else does a mind meld.
1: Because just because they don't do it doesn't mean they can't do
0: it. That's true.
1: They need to be explicitly saying that they can't do it. I don't think. I do think it's
0: crazy that. that Vulcans would be into that because they what we know about them is that they are deeply emotional people. Yeah. And that they really don't want anyone to think that's the case. Yeah. So it, it is doesn't... super wild that they'd let anyone in there. But, well, Because, uh, by the way, when we see inside Sarek's mind in a little it's while, rough.
1: it's bad. It's nuts in I there. Mean, he has Bandy Syndrome or Bandai Syndrome or whatever. He does it have is. Bandai Syndrome. So that's not great, but, like, um, yeah, it's not good in there at all. No, so it's
0: rough. He's having a rough time in there. And Patrick every time Stewart... Spock lets loose, it seems pretty rough.
1: It gives Patrick Stewart a chance to go to his place, though yeah for sure a special acting place like well he, um, we,
0: he got to go there a little bit last week when he was playing out of time
1: so whether or not you can rationalize the things that enterprise does what enterprise You're is are mad doing is doing saying it. we're gonna put our stamp on it and here's yeah. now the real truth about it and it's like okay so now i gotta walk around the rest of the series going hey this was a person can mind meld you know <laughs> that's, I mean, a good, that's a good previously point. we had just led to believe that vulcans could do it and now i don't know who can do it or whatever anyway um I gave it a 2.
0: I wonder what you will think. I wonder how you'll feel about the world building done in More Tribbles. <laughs>
1: okay. Because well.
0: it's probably arguable that that's not respectful.
1: Oh yeah, no um what, what was the name of that one? Um
0: It's not More Tribbles, More Troubles?
1: Oh, maybe it's something like that. Yeah, oh, well, no, well um I have always hated that episode. Okay. So we we shall see. <laughs>
0: Uh, I give it a four, mostly for what we learn about Vulcan culture here. Right, like we know a little. We learn a little bit about their hierarchy. I'm not sure it makes a hundred percent makes sense, but like who has what authority? Yeah, what these doctors can do. Uh, obviously, their weird intolerance, mind melding, Pinar syndrome, interspecies medical conferences, neutron microscopes, and so on. Also, the denobulans. Uh, I thought this did a little bit more world building than the standard three. Okay. Not a ton, but a little more. And uh, characterization, I'm right down the middle on this one. I um. I think T'Pol's behavior is probably reasonable, mm-hmm. but I wish they'd done a little bit more to show her internal conflict. I don't know. See, the problem with this is, I don't know if she's just mm-hmm. Jolene Blaylocking around. Yeah, and that's why it's kind of inscrutable what's going on or if they just didn't write it in. And so the other thing that I've been trying to work through with this episode is she asked Archer to help her catch that bad guy in the dumb action episode. Yeah, but now this is a big secret that she's keeping with him and that makes it not like totally clear.
2: If what they, they actually made What's going
0: ground. on in their relationship? Like, yeah, how much she trusts him. It's, now, on the one hand, she probably knows that if she told Archer that she got mind-raped...
1: Oh, he'd go off.
0: ...by this dude, it's, it's war.
1: right. <laughs> Essentially, it is war. That's correct. He already hates Vulcans. He's this not into Vulcans the to edge.
0: start with. He, yeah, yeah, yeah. And also... She doesn't want to tell him when she starts to get into trouble with these fucking doctors because she probably legitimately worries that he'll punch one of them.
1: Oh, he's going to go to war. Exactly, yes. This is going to be bad.
0: Even at the end, like although I'm not 100% convinced by that, at the end of the day, I'm also not unconvinced. Yeah. Uh, Trip just keeps falling into this stuff, but I felt like they did a good job in this one of making him a dumb rube that's caught up in a sophisticated urban couple's weird fuck game.
1: It's good because he is a dumb
0: roop. He's a dumb rube. He's—I mean, again, th- he's got swamp water in his blood. It's just
1: all up in there. It's—it's—it's uh, it's, it's like uh, water that's been sitting around for way too long. It's a bunch of shit on top of it.
0: And but also, um, no matter how much they try to make Flocks a good guy, I will never forget what he did to that planet. How
1: can you? It's like when they try to make Jamie Lannister a good guy and you go, Yeah, I saw him push a ten year old off a of fucking castle tower. Yeah. Like He was I know fa- what he's fucking like. his
0: sister and he did push that kid to his death. I know he didn't exactly. die, but that's not Jamie Lannister's fault.
1: I know he I know he was after Ned Stark and I'll never forget. So you know
0: uh, End of the day, this one is right down the middle with me. I just gave it five. I just didn't want to get any deeper into it.
1: Yep, I agreed. It was a five, and I also, I'll just say this. Archer is basically a wild animal for most of this episode. <laughs> yep, Prowling around and grinding his teeth and swinging his head around back and forth. He looks like an insane person. Yes,
0: he does. It's,
1: I guess it's supposed to be laudable that he does not come to blows. With
0: Starfleet's first major captain, everyone.
1: He literally is unhinged. Like, you just watch him, you go, oh, something is weird. What, a weird thing is happening. Um, and that's all I'll say so we can shorten this segment. I also gave it a five.
0: Uh, ben is a two, uh, I'm sorry, Ben's a four on world building. Um, he didn't, oh uh, yeah, he mentions that uh, <laughs> Archer does say humans got rid of discrimination a century ago. <laughs> boy we're coming up on that fucking thing fast and he says that that's more far fetched than Vulcans or to and i i yeah. inclined to agree I however do agree. i do think that a uh it is perfectly reasonable that the uh straight white blue-eyed blonde-haired captain that. of a starship yeah. probably thinks that that's true yeah
1: we got rid of uh we got <laughs> rid of prejudice in the 1960s we did a black
0: president everything's good it's all good <laughs> He's a four for characterization. He says Phlox, uh has doctor-patient confidentiality in mind, though that's a little at odds with his normal personality. Yeah, uh, he likes Archer's um, weird, wild prowling. I guess <laughs> I don't. I don't. I don't. I didn't like guess that's that. what he wants out of a Starfleet <laughs> captain. That's weird to me. <laughs> um, he says she's stony-faced, but he thinks uh, to stony-faced, but he thinks that plays okay because she's supposed to be a little abashed by the whole thing. Um, in quick hitters, uh, he says. He doesn't like how they just keep saying minority. He thinks it lacks teeth. He wishes they'd yeah. come up with a Vulcan word for it.
2: Yeah.
1: Um meldies or something.
0: <laughs> meldies. <laughs> uh he also says it sheds a different light on the Spock Kirk relationship. Has Spock and Kirk mind melded? No. I haven't seen that yet.
1: I don't think so. Uh,
0: they don't do it in the movies. No. He has to do it with McCoy. Oh, that's McCoy, That's embarrassing. Yeah. He has to do intimate. it to McCoy. <laughs> Um, I I
1: can do quick hitters. Luckily yeah, give it's me, Enterprise, so I don't give me Uh, The CGI in this medical conference scene is only barely better than the first season of Babylon 5.
0: I thought it was a little worse. I thought it was done with less care. It was, it was so it bad. had more pixels in it, but I thought it was <laughs> yeah, done with less care.
1: I think that's right. I think it was smooth. It was smoother, but it was not good.
0: I described it as a Final Fantasy 8 cinematic in
1: my it quick was, hitters. It was very bad. <laughs> Uh, it doesn't answer
0: any of my questions about what seed is, who the sorceresses are, <laughs> etc.
1: Why is seed is, is seed um does it stand for something? Why are is some Is it supposed the, to be
0: pronounced CD and is that because
1: <laughs> why are some capitalized and some aren't?
0: You know, like this game comes on four of them.
1: Well, we know that they love acronyms, dude. What is avalanche? What is soldier? I don't understand. That's a very good avalanche point. would be a wild acronym. Is
0: Turks an acronym? I think it <laughs> Yeah,
1: <be>. It's capitalized. <laughs> But avalanche would be a wildly long acronym. It's too
0: long an acronym.
1: That would be an insane. It's like thing the to Committee for
0: Liberation <laughs> the one in Red of Wolf. Terrifying organisms and their reintegration into society.
1: <clears throat> He's going to hit them hard with a major leaflet campaign.
0: I love by the way that the British are are just enough less prudish than Americans that they can bring up the fact that clitoris is a funny word.
1: That's right. Yeah um and then finally i'll just say all that stuff the lady was saying stick that into the hole and you can pull it out now stuff is too much for me yeah it makes me embarrassed because i'm immature i'm afraid my parents will walk in during that scene
0: yeah that's right that's bad news
1: and i'll get really embarrassed and be like it's just star trek leave me alone
0: i'm just trying to watch star trek
1: So that's why I think. I think it's because I watched all these as kids. And Troy's always why. getting
0: a fucking foot rubbed. <laughs> yeah. like, oh God, why is this when Dad comes in to sing his Safeway song?
1: Exactly, and that's why it is carried over into my adult life that I don't want any sex in my Star Trek. It makes me uncomfortable. Anyway, that's all I have. What you got for quick ones? Yes.
0: Uh, I said it was worse than Babylon 5. I don't think a neutron microscope makes sense. Uh, I think that would be worse than an electron microscope. It'd have worse <laughs> resolution. Neutrons are bigger. There's a reason we use electrons for that.
1: I'm going to be honest. The images it was showing were not very good.
0: No. No. So, well,
1: it wasn't an impressive microscope.
0: He was looking at the weird prepared test slide, you know. That's true. A um, uh, trip's just going to let this one play out, huh? How does he know he's not going to end up wrist pregnant again? Like, he lets her yeah. touch him with her feet and her hands and stuff before he says anything. That's true. He was wrong about what constituted sex once before with aliens. He should be a lot more cautious. I'm surprised he wasn't wearing gloves.
1: I'd be carrying that blue goo around everywhere that they like, use. Wearing
0: one of those Japanese commuters, like, face masks. Yeah. Like, look, I don't know.
1: Everything gets you pregnant in the universe. I got I pregnant
0: once, so that's not supposed to happen. <laughs> Just so make sure you know. It again, uh, I give best actor in this one to Hoshi when she's speaking to Nobulin, and okay. worst actor to uh, Archer.
1: Yeah, wild animal Archer.
0: Yeah, yeah, he is a little unhinged in this one.
1: All right, well we better move on quickly. We're...
0: Yeah, okay, right. we're, going we're two and a half hours in.
1: And we know there's a TNG coming up.
0: Oh, and TOS. Don't worry. I know. (laughs) Our two stalwarts here. Next up uh, in the order is TOS. We watched Journey to Babel.
1: The Enterprise ferries delegates from several planets to a conference on the planetoid Babel, where they intend to decide uh, what to do about Corridon's admission to the Federation. The delegates include Spock's dang old parents, yeah. uh, Amanda and Ambassador Sarek.
0: <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm just noticing that I have written Sarkin at one point. I just...
3: <laughs> <Sarek>. That's name.
1: <laughs> Spock, I guess... Uh... I guess pissed off his dad when he joined the, when he joined Starfleet instead of the Vulcan Science Academy. So they got one of them complicated relationships, one of those father son relationships. Mm-hmm. Not Archer father son, um, <laughs> no, different. Um, uh, there's this Tellarite guy, Gav. It is Gov. I don't know how they pronounced it. Um, he gets up in Sarek's business about the Corridons, and shortly after he is. He is murdered. He's the one who's murdered, right?
0: It is is Gov who's murdered.
1: Okay, because uh, the security guy is not clear. He's like, uh, it's a Tellarite?
0: One of the Tellarites? Uh, they all I think like, it's the ambassador.
1: They look like weird pig people, so I don't really know.
0: They're all gross to me, sir. I don't know. It's one of the Tellarites.
1: Um, <clears throat> so anyway, they figure out there's some kind of dang old assassin on board, because Sarek himself has been suffering these crazy heart attacks. Yeah. And could not have done the dang old murder, even though it was done in a way that theoretically only a Vulcan could do. I don't know. They come to that conclusion in a very Star Trekky way.
0: I mean, Spock does seem to think that only Vulcans know how to break someone's neck, which is wild.
1: That's what I'm saying. They're like, well, broke his neck must be a Vulcan. It must we have been Tall Yeah. To make things worse... In a very jarring scene, it cuts from (laughs) sick to Kirk getting attacked by an Andorian.
0: It's fucking wild.
1: There must be some stuff that was edited out of that. We cut to
0: about 40 seconds into the fight.
1: (laughs) This fight has been happening.
0: And here's here's what else is wild about it. I don't think it's his stunt double.
1: I think this was some
0: old style uh, serpentine action.
1: That is shat. You can tell because he double jump kicks a wall at some point. At one (laughs) point during the fight. Um. Anyway, this uh, weird Andorian guy that he's fighting with uh goes ahead and stabs him. Um. But Kirk still beats his ass long enough to get help. I guess. <clears throat> All right. So Kirk um is now incapacitated and Spock has to take over the ship. Oh, okay. I should say. In the meantime, there's been a ship that's been trailing them or that they've been seeing. Yeah, there's out a
0: there. weird alien ship.
1: It's a weird alien ship out there, and now they have an ass- assassin on board or whatever. So the- things are
0: tense. It's too fast. They can't force a confrontation with it.
1: Yeah, it keeps but getting But it is away. following them. Um, so now Spock has to take over the ship because Kirk is incapacitated. But also, Spock can't give blood to his daddy, who needs a blood donation. Because of duty. Because he's gotta be on duty. Yeah. So he can't give the blood. Um... So Kirk has to like do a fake A fake out and pretend like he's a He's a okay So he goes to the bridge
0: He does a double switch Kirk's gonna pinch run for Spock And then Scotty's gonna come in and field for Kirk
1: Right so he goes he relieves Spock Who gives him an extra long look Just to make sure it's not a fake out And Kirk has to keep smiling like a Like an idiot Like everything's fine But then they get close enough to this alien ship That he has to postpone letting Scotty Take over for him because he's got to be there. Uh, anyway, so now Spock's down there doing the procedure to save his daddy. Um, and the ship is attacking the Enterprise. It turns out the ship, as well as the assassin, uh, are Rigelian? Orions. Are they Orions? Okay. They are Orions. Oh yeah, they're Orions in disguise or whatever. Uh, sent on uh, some kind of crazy old suicide mission to make the conference a failure. Which would benefit them in, in certain ways, which we'll talk about. Um, okay. So, all right, so anyway, they blow up the ship. They blow up the enemy ship, and the guy on board kills himself with poison. Right? Yep. Okay. And then uh, Spock and Sarek uh, both recover from their procedure, and uh, they're, I guess they're on good terms for a minute. All right, so I tried to hurry through that so that we could get through it. <laughs> Okay. So um what what was this thing about?
0: Uh I will say that this is the one I had the hardest time crystallizing a take out yeah. of. Um because it feels like this is fathers and sons. Yes. That this is somehow this is fathers and sons. But I think that this is about duty or maybe <laughs> your guiding life philosophy. Uh, In either event, neither one can be put aside when it becomes personally inconvenient. The problem with this episode mainly is that Spock has about 15 reasons why he can't help his dad at that particular moment. And it's not clear which one we're supposed to take issue with or think about. Right. It's only a three for me because it's not very clear and it's not very surprising. Yeah. Uh, There's nothing wrong with the idea that like sometimes you... Can't just drop everything, because your dad's sick.
2: Right, yeah. Like,
0: you're the captain of a ship, you got a lot of people to be, uh, you know, that you're responsible for, etc.
2: Yeah, I get it.
0: So I only gave it three.
1: Um, I stuck with fathers and sons. I said it's the nature of fathers and sons to be more alike than they can stand. Just basing the take on what Kirk, Amanda, and Spock himself said during the episode. About Spock's desire to be fully Vulcan and that making him just as cold and stubborn as his father and it made it impossible for them to ever get along or something. Um, it, this does not have to be a Star Trek story. No, that's true. But I also don't think it really suffers from it being a Star Trek story. I, g- I gave it a five.
0: Okay. Ben, um, uh, ben is a four. He says the bonds of family are stronger than logic or even love. But I don't think we see that play out.
1: No. I mean, he just... In fact, what we find out is that logic keeps them apart. And so does duty. <laughs>
0: the, the, uh, see, the... <sighs> Spock comes up with a very dangerous plan to help his father. He has to take weird experimental drugs so that he can produce enough T-negative blood to keep his father alive during an open-heart surgery that's going to require a lot of blood. But, like, this whole thing is going to be pretty extreme measures from Spock. And there's a chance that Spock might die. And he pushes really hard for it until the moment that it's not possible for him to do it anymore. And yeah. then his mom comes in and accuses him of being cold-hearted and not caring about his dad or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And it kind of doesn't make sense. Yeah. Um, yeah, anyway. And again, the real problem is that all of the reasons that Spock gives her for why he can't do it are correct, and they make perfect sense.
1: I guess except for the one where they're like, well, Scotty can just be in charge for Yeah, we know that Scotty is a good captain. Because we've seen Scotty. Yeah.
0: Yeah. But, uh, But I think Spock's probably right, that that's not a good enough reason for him to relinquish command.
1: Sure. I mean, except that we've seen Scotty, and as soon as he leaves the bridge, Kirk calls for Scotty.
0: Oh, yeah. That's so Kirk. even Kirk. Kirk So yeah, yeah, Kirk thinks Kirk, Scotty can handle whatever's going to happen here.
1: Yeah. yeah. Um.
0: But uh, Kirk, but Spock is following the regulations.
1: Oh, sure. Yeah. And yeah,
0: that's yeah. in his nature. Yeah. Uh,
1: This is obviously like uh. To me, this felt like an action episode with some Spock and his dad stuff thrown in. Yeah. It's like they knew what they wanted to say about fathers and sons, but not how to say it.
0: They didn't care to make it the focus, really.
1: Yeah, so it became kind of an action thrill ride. Um, it's good to meet some old guard aliens. Like, we've mostly seen humans or new aliens that look just like humans. But here we get to see who theoretically makes up, like, the Federation and the known aliens and aliens in the universe.
0: For sure, my favorite part about this episode is on try- trying to understand something about how the Federation works.
1: Yeah, so that's neat, I think. I think that's cool to see them deal with some people that are not brand new aliens or whatever. Um family drama works okay mainly because of the nature of Spock's parentage because he's got his human half and his Vulcan half and both parents are there and they're always in conflict and and that
0: represents the two parts of his personality, a right. conflicting parts of his personality, etc yeah.
1: And you know, no matter where he's ever been, he's been an outcast, so the fact that he can't get along with his dang old father, I don't know, it's just a lot of important Spock background stuff. So I thought it was a decent episode overall. I gave it a 6.
0: Uh, I'm a little less bullish on this one. I'm only at a four here. Okay. So, I've already talked about the fact that I... So, this episode is supposed to try to play logic against feeling. And that's why I think it's kind of a a weakness that duty steps in and makes the decision for Spock. It's not about logic or feeling.
2: Yeah.
0: Uh, It's about responsibility. Which, by the way, we know he feels in a very he talks about it when he's got the spores. He talks about his feelings of responsibility to Kirk, particularly. Yeah. So like, that's not even a logical issue necessarily for him. It cuts across both things. Um, but there's some filmmaking stuff that drags this one down. What's with that weird cut to Kirk's fight to the death already in progress?
1: I, I didn't understand what was happening.
0: Did we need the scene where Spock realizes it's the Orions, but doesn't tell anyone?
1: Yeah, That's, he's like sitting there. He's like, oh, wait, I he's just He's hooked up to the out. machines
0: and he's like, the, yeah. their weird power curve. And then McCoy's like, oh, I don't care <laughs> if I'm doing <laughs> surgery. McCoy
1: literally like, just shut up for a minute.
0: And then, by the way, every time we see Spock from then on, he still appears to be conscious. There doesn't seem to be any reason why he couldn't call up to the bridge and say it's the Orions.
1: Yeah. Uh, it's either his fault or McCoy's that that for yeah. some reason that information does not get, but out. then it's
0: like that doesn't matter. It's not the sudden discovery that it's the Orions that like, that doesn't change anything about this. They just beat them in a fight. Kirk uses weird guile to beat them in a fight,
2: yeah,
0: and then yeah he, like
1: plays dead and then he, play, yeah, he plays yeah, he
0: plays possum and then he shoots them when they come by and and so anyway, the fact that it's the Orions doesn't matter in any way. Everybody's no, dead. Cool. The whole thing's over by the time Spock reveals it at the end, so we don't need that scene in the middle. Yeah, you could have cut that and given us the first 40 seconds of that fight. Um, That's true. (laughs) And I had no idea if there was anything really happening behind this episode more than, hey, wouldn't it be neat to see Spock's folks?
1: Yeah, I think that's right. Actually, can you talk me down to a five on execution? Cause uh, okay, sorry. It's just, every time I think about that fight just starting, it's so Just, wild. just halfway through. It, it like cuts no... over there, and Kirk
0: is like in a mid judo roll yeah. against the guy, and it's like, what happened?
1: But it isn't even like
0: who is that guy?
1: Yeah, there's like nothing that leads to it. It's just, there has to be stuff that's just left on the floor that explains why that hap- how that fight started or something. Yeah. But he's just in it when you there's ah, anyway. It was very jarring. I, was for sh- I thought for sure I'd missed something, like, zoned out, and I had to rewind and found... Nope, I didn't miss anything.
0: It is, like, 25 feet of film burned up or something, and they're like, well, let's just... We- this is what we still have.
1: Pick it up from here.
0: We're not reshooting, so...
1: Yeah, yeah. Shat did all that great stunt work.
0: We're not redoing anything. Uh, Ben's a seven. Wow. For execution. Uh, he says the Andorian attack scene seemed pretty clumsy just coming into in the middle. Uh, The scene with Spock and his mom was very effective for me. I didn't remember liking this one as much as I do. Maybe in my old age, I just appreciate smaller stories more. I mean, smaller stories win big points in this uh, project.
1: It's usually your only chance to do any real good work.
0: This story is not small enough to score truly huge points, frankly.
1: Like, you know what's not small? The temporal Cold War. You know what scores no points? The temporal Cold War. It
0: hasn't scored any points so far. This is like a zero. That's just a
1: zero for sure.
0: World building. World
1: building, I think it's you, yeah.
0: Uh, We get the Vulcan salute. Mm -hmm. Uh, One thing I did not like was Kirk describing Starfleet as an instrument of civilization.
1: I saw that too. (laughs) I went, he really really thinks that.
0: 1967? Does that make sense to say?
1: He really thinks of himself as an instrument of civilization, I, I believe.
0: Yeah. Uh, T-negative blood and K2 factors. The Andorians are a violent race. Mm. Uh, but of course the Federation member worlds still have conflicting interests and negotiate amongst and between themselves and like it's not a monolithic organization. It's not a monoculture. No. The individual members have these uh, delegations. to to other members of the Federation like Spock and, or, Sarek and Gov have history. Yeah, you know, Andorian Bella Lugosi knows all about Gov. <laughs> yeah, I liked that guy, by the way.
1: He was pretty. He was pretty cool. Um,
0: so in terms of world building, I thought that this did more to teach us about the Federation than anything, and it also did some work about Vulcans. Yeah, uh, I gave it six. Okay. Um,
1: uh, let's see what I got. How often does Enterprise ferry delegates and diplomats? I know that future Enterprise, Enterprise D, does that a lot. Um, the Vulcan hand salute, neutral planetoid Babel, the Vulcan science academy, uh, Corridon system is some colonial imperialist shit. And that yeah, really is, huh? Cause I think there's some people that live there.
0: Yes. It's described as underpopulated.
1: Yeah. I get the feeling there. It's
0: ripe uh, for exploitation, Matt.
1: I get the feeling their interests are underrepresented.
0: <laughs> there might be. A lot of people are going to talk about whether the Coridan system should be admitted to the Federation. Unclear if the Coridans are going to be (laughs) there.
1: I haven't heard from them. I don't know.
0: (laughs) They're not in this room.
1: Uh, I'm impressed that the writers came up with anything at all to be on the agenda for this conference. I assumed they would just leave it blank.
0: Um... Oh yeah, no, but it's dilithium mining, mm-hmm. and maybe the Tellarites are already doing some illegal dilithium or some off the books dilithium mining there, and maybe that's why they're opposed to Coridan admission. Yeah. Like the whole, there's enough of it to be plausible. There's more of it than there is uh, whatever's happening in the Phantom Menace, for instance.
2: Yeah. Yes. <laughs> the the in taxation of trade Phantom
0: routes, or whatever.
1: Yeah. Uh, Sarek is 102, and that's too young for a Vulcan to retire, according to McCoy's understanding. Yep. Uh, Tellarites, Andorians, little gold midgets, oh my. Um, a Salat is like a fat teddy bear with six-inch fangs. Yeah. Which Spock probably thought made him sound cool and tough.
0: He did not sound tough to me!
1: Then he he seemed like he was pretty proud of it.
0: Um, But you still said teddy bear.
1: That's right. Uh, you know, those are big
0: fangs, but you did say teddy bear.
1: Tal Shia is a weird neck-breaky thing Vulcans do. Benjizadrine. Benjizadrine? Yes,
0: yep. Something like that.
1: was For Sarek's heart condition, T-negative blood type for Sarek and Spock. Verifier scans and truth drugs are totally acceptable forms of interrogation in Starfleet. Yeah.
0: They can probably um, still do mock executions archer style, too.
1: That's right. Well, he again, he's writing the captain's fucking rulebook as he goes. Uh, this Andorian boy is not susceptible, however, to those forms of interrogation.
0: Yeah, boy, definitely not. This is, by the way, this is the reason that it's only a six for me, is that we learn a ton about the Federation, but not all of it's good.
1: No, no. Uh, Orion Raiders are behind all of it. they They want war between all the powers so nobody gets into their shit. They can keep doing their illegal raiding and stuff Was that what we're supposed to think yep okay a lot added to the general lore of star trek in this episode but a lot of it isn't good or crucial i gave it a five
0: i think that's perfectly reasonable uh ben is at a five also uh he liked the cool view of the shuttle bay and the open doors i mean that's remastered stuff Um, that's actually in this episode because the, all the costumes and makeup were so expensive that they couldn't afford to do transporter effects. So in the original, it was just reuse of footage from Galileo seven. Interesting. In the remastered. I don't know whether they reused the remastered footage or made some new shit or what, but yes, it's the tail end of the ship gives you a feel for the size of the ship, etc. Uh, pets a lot. Vulcans get heart attacks, Rigelian. uh, Physiology similar to Vulcans. Verifier scan and truth drugs. Yeah. (laughs) Sterile field in the bio beds. Uh, Photon torpedoes are loaded into their own tubes like a submarine. That makes sense because they're called torpedoes, but we never see it done until they bury Spock. So, which is uh, great scene. He is also a seven on characterization. He's counting Spock's dad here, I guess. I don't think you can do that. Uh, McCoy can't be bothered to learn the Vulcan salute. Matt, do you have these coworkers who are just like they have that weird form of race. I had this one coworker who I like working with, but um, we had two Indian engineers come on board the team, mm-hmm. and she said to me, "Yeah, I'm not going to bother to learn their names." Whoa! And I was like, "Shit! All right, you got you got a regular white person name, I guess, but like these names are not that hard. You could just wow. learn them."
3: That's,
1: I know yeah. you're not
0: going to work closely with these two people because they're not in your team, but like, that's yeah, wild.
1: That's, that does sound very aggressive. Anyway, McCoy
0: can't be bothered to learn the Vulcan salute. Uh, yeah. Vulcans show love doing two-fingered handshakes. It's weird. This sounds like world building, but yeah, that's true. Uh, he liked Kirk pretending that he was okay. I also really liked Kirk's double substitution.
1: Yeah, it was pretty good.
0: Um, he thought it was interesting to see Spock conflicted. Uh, and then a little bad acting from Kirk. He thought he got stabbed in the right side of his back. Why is he clutching his left arm the whole time <laughs> on the bridge, etc.?
1: I don't know. Everything that happened with that fight was such a blur for me. Yeah, it's so hard it to happening. say. I didn't know what uh, was happening until I was like... Wait, and he likes,
0: he likes McCoy when he's being kind of an asshole, and McCoy gets the last word in this one, so he gave it seven points for characterization. How did you feel they did?
1: McCoy hates dress uniforms and formality of any kind because he's just a Georgia boy after all. Uh, Then in the end, he shouts at everybody, shut up like a cranky old thug. (laughs) Um, Spock and his daddy don't get along. Humans smile with so little provocation. Great line by Spock. Uh, He had a pet salat. Spock doesn't believe personal privileges like saving your mean dad's life are recognized (laughs) by Starfleet commanders. (laughs) They got codes. Kirk can't help but get in the middle of this personal issue in Spock's family, even if it bothers Vulcan diplomats. Kirk considers Starfleet an instrument of civilization. He gets shouty with Uhura again, which I never like.
0: Yeah, he's not nice to her this time, but um, she—it does give her an opportunity to look, do some good acting because she does look ashamed.
1: She looks very upset by what has happened. Uh, Kirk does pretend like he isn't leaking from his lungs and shit, so Spock can do blood transfusion activities, which is nice of him. Um, I give it a five.
0: I uh also gave it a 5. I thought we had a uh, good McCoy, good Kirk, um good Spock. Sarek is great, of course. Yeah. Loved Mark Leonard as the Romulan commander. Yeah. Um the character of Sarek is kind of an asshole, but like um everything about him feels authentic. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if Mark yeah. Leonard is an asshole or if he's just a little bit larger than life and that's why it works or or what the deal is. Uh, Uhura looks suitably ashamed when Kirk switches her direction finder <laughs> for her. I would have loved a few minutes of Scotty in command, though.
1: I was looking forward to it. I thought we were gonna get it when Kirk called for him. And
0: also so at this like, point, how? I am starting to wonder where Sulu is.
1: Uh... We ain't seen this mom, old
0: boy in his a little bit.
1: 100th birthday, so we, we have
0: go back to We haven't seen him since he was carrying a phaser around on Planet Witch, so... That's true.
1: <laughs> Look, he... Uh, I wonder he if he got under,
0: punishment for that.
1: For, because, uh, well, I told you, I think he and Scotty went for the jewels.
0: <laughs> they probably did go for the jewels. And
1: I think Sulu got in trouble for it. They probably <laughs> went, which one of you went for the jewels? And, they, and then Sulu stepped up. Yep. You know, it was me, Captain. I went for the jewels. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, but yeah, it was a five for me. Um, quick hitters. McCoy yeah. loves getting one up on Spock and he hates neckties.
2: That's right. Yeah.
0: How did these Tellarites and Andorians ever get into the Federation? Someone should make a show that explores that. Mm. Um. So, okay. This is legit. We're in theory corner now. I get the feeling that Spock's mom is one of those weird racists that fetishizes otherness. Yeah. I bet Sarek has to bite his lip all the time when she says that Vulcans are natural athletes or whatever.
2: Oh, Yeah.
0: Do you know what yeah, I mean? Come like, on, show me She's it. so. The Vulcan way is better, et cetera, et cetera.
1: <laughs> she's like when Matthew came back from Japan. Yes. And she, he said that they call milk Milku. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: she puts do. up with some weird shit from. Like, Sarek is pretty commanding with her. Yeah. And she seems into it.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, it was the 60s, so she didn't have any choice.
0: But so, Sarek. A abhors violence and didn't want Spock in the military. Sure. And B, knows how to do a good neck break and would absolutely kill if he had a reason. Spock
1: says he would definitely, definitely
0: Definitely it. would kill a man if he had a reason.
1: If he had a reason? I'm not even going to get into what I mean by that. Just if he had a reason. Don't give him one.
0: But he didn't want Spock to join the military because he's a nonviolent man.
1: Makes sense. Yeah.
0: <clears throat> this Andorian ambassador is slimy as hell, and I love it.
1: Yeah, it's not bad. We already it, talked the, about him; he's great.
0: The scene where he's talking to Spock outside the interrogation chamber,
1: and he's uh, he's trying to—he's—he's kind of like the Garrick. He's trying to guide him.
0: Okay, he's kind of like the Garrick until we see Telev, yeah, who is extremely like Garrick. <laughs> Before I knew he was gonna die, I wrote down how long do Cardassians live? Is it possible this fake Andorian is Garrick? <laughs>
2: Yeah,
1: doing some spy work.
0: In universe.
1: (laughs) Oh, don't be fooled, dude. That was fake death. He took a substance that makes it appear as though he's dead. His body will disappear on the way for study. Oh,
0: man. He's just... I was... (laughs) uh, By the way, I was into that guy. Yeah, he was good. Uh, Both of the Andorians. The ambassador was very good in that scene where he's trying to steer Spock into looking at other motives.
1: It's like, don't confine yourself to logic.
0: Yes. Uh, you're not near his weird accent. I have no, no I, idea. I Romanian? Exactly I have no <laughs> idea. Yeah. Um, he's from Transnistria? I don't know.
1: He's uh, South Ossetia, I
2: think. Yeah.
0: Uh, man, Sarek is a real mess, huh? He's got these heart valve issues that may have caused him to retire early. And yeah. later he gets Bendai Syndrome? And yeah, plus he's healthy. a human lover. I know, And, yeah. by the way, he's a melder.
1: Yes. Well, according to Enterprise, now we have to think about those things.
0: And when he was young, that was probably bad.
1: He was probably in the. He's
0: 102 now. How far before, Ener- how before TOS is Enterprise set?
1: Is it supposed to be 100?
0: Is it even a 100? Is it a full 100? It is might it be a cool, full 100.
1: Yeah, I think it's a cool hundo.
0: So, like, I don't know if Enterprise is going to get this melder shit turned around no. in Vulcan society before Ulceric is born. I'd say I feel like probably not.
1: During his lifetime, it's still been in transition, at least yeah. from, like, acceptable. He probably,
0: the older melders in his community, are probably still telling him what it was like pre-Stonewall.
1: Yeah, you don't know what it was like. So We had to fucking hide this shit. Uh, now you can just go up to a rock and fucking start molesting it.
0: I think that what, if you stop and think that the two Vulcans you know best may not be typical, mm. it helps you think about Vulcans in Star Trek. Um.
1: So you mean Tuvok and Vorik? <laughs> That's tu- what you mean I know, I know Tuvok and Vorik best. I hope
0: that voice. Tuvok is not a typical Vulcan because this guy's a dud.
1: Well, we know he's not typical because he's black, and I'm sorry, <laughs> but we haven't seen many of them. <laughs>
0: Well, his wife, to bring. Yeah. What's her name?
1: He found one. You know, it's not to bring. It's um. <laughs> it's
0: her fucking name.
1: Son of a bitch. I think he said it in this week. He episode. did say it in this week's episode. Uh, I don't remember. I don't She's remember. only
0: been in the fucking one, so like I don't know.
1: Yeah. I'm um, not look it up. I got some quick hitters. If you're I'm not ready. done,
0: I'm okay. sorry. Sarek but. ends by saying that marrying Amanda seemed like the logical thing to do. Was she knocked up?
1: I believe she was.
0: It seemed the logical thing to do at the time. Oh, he! Oh, you knocked her up. Yeah, they have,
1: they have some old school society. She things. came
0: on strong, and she was like, she did a version of that Uhura song about Spock's great dick, and then <laughs> uh, he was like, "Well, oh, you know what? Fuck it, let's go."
1: Yeah, well, I'm down. Let's work one out i haven't done it in eight years so and I'm then she was
0: go. like oh whoops i'm pregnant oh you're some kind of vulcan prince you're some kind of royalty you've got huge uh, huge lands on vulcan yeah that's right oh, didn't know any of that weird <laughs> am i up yeah give me
1: okay. um
0: i thirst for them so give. Yeah. well well first of all best actor thalev worst actor Gav, maybe
1: he wasn't good. He was kind of like the Star Wars guy. He was like, my friend says he doesn't like you.
0: I don't that's, like you.
1: That's who he reminded me of. Yeah, he was he a lot like
0: Dr. Amazon. You're right. You know his name.
1: He's a doctor?
0: Yeah, that's what's wild about that. <laughs> that is
1: insane. <laughs> that ball's chin is a doctor. All right, well. um, I had, uh, let's see. Uh, things are so tense between Spock and Sarek, I'm probably going to get a, sc- a stomach ache watching this episode. I, can't, I don't like it when
0: fathers and sons don't get along. Oh, by the um, way, I, I, let me just jump in here. Ben's only quick hitter is the same question I just asked. Did Sarek knock up Mrs. Sarek before marriage? <laughs> is that the reason it was logical for them to get married? So I'm We both picked up on it. I bet everyone in the 60s picked up on it. I'm glad. Uh,
1: the issues of the council are politically complex, and I predicted at the time that that was the last we were likely to hear about the <laughs> conference agenda, but I was wrong. Yeah. Again, they surprised me. They came up with something. Um, this guy does not know Kirk's reputation, obviously. Continue the tour with my wife. That's gonna lead to some Apgar shit for sure.
0: Oh, yeah. there's. There, we're definitely gonna be doing a Rashomon about this later.
1: Yeah, it's a terrible idea. A little bit of shirtless Kirk showing off that 1960s strongman physique. Yeah. Um. What again, a time wh- to be
0: alive, Jesus.
1: Oh, when you could just work out, like, one day a week and then you were, like, ripped? <laughs> People were In like, comparison- oh, man. Oh, my. Again, why did Kirk double jump kick that wall right next to the Andorian? Seems like a misfire. Uh, McCoy and Chapel can probably wait until Spock says his super important stuff about how to identify the alien vessel before knocking him out. Yeah, <laughs> probably. I mean, they can probably wait. Just a they second.
0: don't even fucking knock him out later when you. McCoy
1: see, doesn't even turn around. By the way,
0: McCoy is like his, his blood pressure is two ninety over forty, and I don't know if that's good or bad. Spock's like looking at him in the background. You're like, <laughs> I did see Spock. did you know, have something I... important to say, Spock, about the Orions? <laughs>
1: I saw his eyes open briefly and I saw Sarah's eyes open briefly at one point and I was like, is that an accident? Did they, is this on purpose? What's happening?
0: No, no one can fucking act. No. They just, they again, again, they were acting for a 13-inch TV eight feet from the couch. They knew yeah. no one was going to be able to tell my eyes are open.
1: I can just keep doing my thing. Um, I'm out of quick hitters. We're, I think we're good on this one.
0: <laughs> All right. We've only got one more to go. Last week's winner was The Next Generation. So this week we watched The Icarus Factor. We've never started our last discussion at three Three hours. hours It's wild.
1: Yeah, we're not in good shape.
0: Enterprise is headed for Starbase Montgomery for an engineering checkout. And Picard is being cagey about some personnel transfers. Yeah. Uh, He summons Riker to meet him in the observation lounge. uh, And it turns out that Riker is being offered command of the Ares and a mission of exploration to a distant sector.
1: KG was the word I used as well. So, again, I changed my password. Please stay out. Okay. (laughs) That's uh, that's it.
0: Uh, He's going to get a personal briefing about this mission, which also seems weird. And uh, when he goes down to the transporter room, uh, he suddenly understands Picard's shit-eating grin because the advisor is his father.
1: I thought Riker must have thought he was being set up to fuck somebody. <laughs> the way Picard kept going being like, oh you'll find out and like smiling at him and winking at him and shit. Uh, Riker must have thought he was gonna get propositioned. Anyway. We talk about
0: we talk about little touches all the time. Picard and Riker do a such a good job in this opening scene of getting the idea across that Picard is acting strangely. Yeah. Because like we haven't really seen enough of Picard. Like, we've never seen him do personnel transfer shit before. We don't know that what he's doing is weird. But between the two of them, they get it across clear as day. Yeah,
1: we figure it out without Riker having to be like, why are you acting so weird?
0: Exactly. Yeah. Anyway, it's immediately clear that they have a rough relationship and that they haven't seen each other in 15 years. Uh, so Wesley tries to run some goss, hot goss with Worf.
2: Aw, uh, Yeah.
0: But Worf is in a first-class bad mood.
1: Well, he's having a man's period.
0: He is having Uh, a man's period for sure. It's
1: not a good time.
0: Um, uh, Wesley tries but sort of fails to get Jordy engaged in the Worf mystery at this point.
1: Wesley immediately moves on to other gossip. Wesley's like,
0: okay, Ryan uh, Riker didn't know his dad was coming aboard, so that's cool. What the hell's going on with Worf? (laughs) Yeah. And Riker goes and has a nice little drink with O'Brien, who is really becoming a big part of the show at this point. I'm so glad. At that point, uh, his father, Kyle Riker, walks in and starts glad-handing all over.
1: Just doing the rounds.
0: And uh, even kisses Pulaski. Ugh. Who had, by the way, has an... I also really liked her little acting turn, where she turns around and sees him. Yeah. Turns back briefly, maybe to put her drink down. I don't remember what it was, but you... It, even though she's only turned away from us for half a second, because it's very, very brief, you really feel like she's stealing herself for this next thing. Yeah. Um. I thought their kiss was very chaste, though. Well, they're old. It was not passionate in the least. Yeah. Um. Now Wesley's working on Data, trying to get him. And Data, of course, is willing to play along with this because he's going to live forever. He can spend time on this.
1: It's true. Andy doesn't sleep, so like you know, yeah. whatever engineering thing he's neglecting, he'll get to it.
0: Well, fine. This is interesting. This is an opportunity to practice some weird subroutines I've been working on. Yeah. Uh, although initially he agrees with Jordy that this is going to be Wesley's problem to figure out.
1: Well, he likes being one of the guys, and the trend in that conversation is going Jordy's way because he's in charge. Yeah. So when Jordy's like, uh, "I'm not doing shit," Data's like, "Yeah." Fucking scrub! It's your problem. I Manson. said, drink all of it, asshead.
0: <laughs> uh, we then have a scene where Pulaski basically tells us all that we're supposed to like Kyle Riker. Mm-hmm. Like, there's just a long scene where she talks about what's good about this guy. Yep. Then we cut over and see that somehow Data and Jordy have been roped into this war shit.
1: <laughs> well, we know how Wesley said he had to study. He
0: had studies to. He had to do some studies, and Data was <laughs> Data, like, "Well, that meant, you do have to do some studies." So.
2: Yeah, he totally fell for
0: it. Uh, Data tries to do a therapy on Worf, and it gets him (laughs) shouted at. Yeah. Um, At this point, Worf sulks in and goes to talk to Riker because he wants to transfer to the Ares. He thinks it's going to be dangerous out there. Yeah. It doesn't explain why it's not dangerous on the Enterprise, which as far as we know is one of the more dangerous places to be.
1: Seems like every week they're in some shit.
0: Yeah. Uh, But uh, there's a little subtext here that he is kind of looking for an honorable death. Yeah, Like, the thought of it is on his mind. Maybe because they're just at special. a starbase here hanging out right now, and Riker's going off on some mystery thing that is not well explained to us.
1: Yeah, well, you know, he's having a special time, and that will play into
3: it. Yeah. Uh,
0: at this point, Riker has another tense meeting with his daddy, uh, who seems like he's here to make amends before Will zips off to the middle of nowhere in a right. ship. Like... I don't know when I'm going to see you again, so I wanted to kind of patch things up. It's not like revealed that he has a terminal disease or anything dumb like that, but uh, it doesn't matter. Because uh, Pulaski arranges an ambush, and now Kyle Riker has to have a little talk with Troy, who thinks she's too competitive with
1: Will. Well, she can read his dang old mind or whatever. Exactly.
0: By the way, at this point, Picard somehow hasn't picked up that the Rikers are fighting.
1: No no. Wesley hasn't tried to pull that gossip shit on Picard Yeah you
0: know, he hasn't gone to talk to him about what What's the meaning of death in his ready room But also <laughs> by the way I don't think Will Riker and his dad like each other
1: They really hate each other a lot yeah.
0: um, Wesley has cracked the fucking code meanwhile Because yeah. it is the 10th anniversary of Worf's Bar Mitzvah
1: He went to Klingon Wikipedia and figured it all out Yeah
0: <laughs> Um. So they start to arrange a, a special party for him Uh, for some reason at this point Riker goes to talk to Pulaski I don't remember what motivated this
1: Uh, well that's because the scene starts halfway through he's already halfway through the conversation with Pulaski and uh, we can't figure out what happened
0: he starts it by apologizing for something he did or said in uh, 10 forward but I didn't think he did anything particularly to her
1: no, he just he wouldn't sit down and have a drink with them. Is that it? But
0: anyway, I think that's all pretense cuz he really wants to know what it is that she likes about his dad and she says some things about Kyle Riker that he probably finds familiar. Hmm. He probably recognizes some traits.
1: Some stuff about career coming Maybe
0: maybe even some stuff that he is sort of proud of. Yeah. In there? Uh For some reason, he's having trouble figuring out whether he wants to be a ship's captain or not, so he goes to talk to Picard, too. And Picard talks talks a good game about it. Yeah. How great it is to be a ship's captain. Yeah, we'll get into some of that. How you can break whatever rules you want and you basically (laughs) never have to write reports and fuck the Prime Directive, etc., etc. It really is the best gig. (laughs) You can even shack up with somebody. No one seems to care. That's right. Uh, So... Uh, Riker also goes to say goodbye to Troy, and uh, at the end of that scene, she breaks down in tears. And uh, right immediately after that, he and his daddy do the dang thing. They, no, they uh, get into it. They uh, they challenge each other basically to an Anbo Jitsu match. Yes, in one of
1: the silliest scenes in the history of Star Trek. <laughs> yeah, a silly show.
0: Pulaski thinks that this is some meathead bullshit, and Kyle Riker says that he's never lost. Yeah. Uh, But before we can watch this great, great match, uh, everybody has to get together at a Klingon Jiffy lube to uh, (laughs) look at some hologram. I'm right. Right. Like you could drive a car up on those two things and change the oil under there.
1: They're standing in the bay. At some point, someone's going to go now to be careful. Don't fall in there.
0: Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Uh, And they got some Klingon holograms. O'Brien tells a war story about a time he saw someone kill an animal with pain sticks. Mm. Um, Troy leads Worf to the holodeck but that doesn't uh, go in but doesn't go in it's not for her yeah. not to her taste she's, she's not gonna mildly condescending but still in a friendly way about the whole thing
1: she's not gonna bother to learn anybody's name in there anyway so
0: so uh, Worf travels the river of blood yeah he does and uh, meanwhile Pulaski and Troy do a sexism in what is probably the worst written conversation of season two mm. about how uh, men are just dumb animals and they'll always be idiot animals yeah. And maybe that's and why That's we why like they them. love them. That's yeah. exactly right. Exactly right. It's that's so where bad it all comes home. It's extremely bad. It's written from the point of view of some nerds who don't understand anything. Why the nice girls always like the idiot jocks. Yeah. It's a very bad conversation, but it doesn't matter because even worse, here comes the Ambojitsu match.
1: <laughs> what are you talking about? This is amazing.
0: Uh they're wearing motocross armor. Their helmets are not on straight.
1: No, but Uh, it's okay because they have some cast-off equipment from American Gladiators. They have painted
0: Reeboks and they have weird jousting sticks that have uh, safety, red safety uh, reflectors on the other end. (laughs) And it is the ultimate evolution of martial arts.
1: They say so, loudly.
0: They say very bad Japanese. Rector (laughs) scores the first point and he is very pleased about it. And... And he tells Kyle Riker he should have been the one to die.
1: He told him the wrong parents. You guys died. remember
0: from a couple of weeks ago, Riker's mom died? <laughs> when he was two?
1: Something like that, yeah. Um, He never knew her, I don't know.
0: Kyle responds with another cliche bullshit. He says, this fight is all they have left.
1: That's right.
0: And then he cheats. The cycle must end. Then he cheats and Riker realizes he's always been a cheater. But somehow this is a watershed moment, and now they yeah. can speak openly about their feelings.
1: And now they're best friends.
0: So th- this somehow doesn't drive a wedge even further, like, oh, I get it. You're just al- you've are just, you always been a shitty cheater.
1: Yes, yeah, that's the idea that I got, I'm certainly watching yeah. it. Oh, that guy's been cheating him since he was a kid. Uh, Riker
0: appears on the bridge and announces that he's staying on the Enterprise. Yeah. What's this treasure about?
1: Well... Just like the last one we did, something about fathers and sons. <laughs> Maybe exactly what I had for TOS, which is, if you will recall, <clears throat> it's the nature of fathers and sons to be more alike than they can stand.
0: That's still a five for you, or is it the fact that this is would be essentially uh, 20 years after Journey to Babel? Does that diminish it?
1: Um, Still a five. My alternate take was, even if your father falls somewhere below the 4th percentile in effective parenting, everyone will still constantly tell you it's on you to fix that relationship when you're in your 30s. Yep. It's 5. I mean, they're doing a father and son's thing. I don't know. It's fine.
0: Yeah. um, I tried to think about the B plot of this story, too.
1: The becoming a captain?
0: No, sorry. the the wharf. The wharf part. Riker Uh, has two plots. To me, (laughs) this is... Uh, you don't get to choose your family, yeah. but you also don't get to pretend they're not a part of you. Yeah. So, like, like you can't just write them off even if you didn't choose them. Worf is stuck with this family that he has. He doesn't have a Klingon family. No, he's got His, his family Wesley. are his crewmates on board the Enterprise.
1: And O'Brien.
0: And his nice Russian mom, but we haven't met her yet. Right. And his nice Russian dad. Who He's has all nice. the specs and diagrams at home. Yeah. And his brother Nikolai, who had to grow up with a weird Klingon stepbrother. Yeah. And made some bad decisions.
1: Worf makes some bad decisions in that episode, too.
0: I mean, it's true, everybody. No <laughs> one... It's not an episode where people come out real clear. I mean, Picard does a thing at the beginning that...
1: Yeah. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Yes, yes. It's so,
0: it's so wild. Um yes. <laughs> <laughs> this is a four for me. I think it's okay. fine. It's just, it's, this is, this is really is a story about families. There's no science fiction element. It doesn't need to be told on Star Trek at all. And I think this is more an execution point, but it doesn't, nothing about this even really explains Riker's career arc. No. So uh, it's, it's kind, it's kind of Star trek in, only in that, Like, in a Star Trek way, if someone is shitty, you should still try to understand them.
1: The Roddenberry universe does demand it. Right.
0: Like, it must be that way in Star Trek. But everything else about this is just a down, down the middle of the road. Anyone could have told it. Maybe Journey to Babel covered some of the same stuff 20 years earlier. Yeah. Et cetera. Um, so, it's a, again, I got it at a, about a four. Okay. Ben has this at a 5 uh, about rites of passage to manhood. And how they can be hard to navigate without guidance.
1: I guess that's kind of true. We just don't get all of the stuff about Riker's journey to manhood.
0: We, we don't. Although it is possible that this thing where he. He doesn't defeat his dad. He yeah. understands that his dad was never playing fair to begin with. Ben's feeling is that Riker gets to the edge, peers over and backs away. He doesn't make it fully into manhood, and maybe that's what staying on board the Enterprise represents. Ah, I get you. Whereas Worf passes his test by um, reciting four things that another (laughs) Klingon said at his rite of passage. Talking
1: about the bile of the vanquished. Yeah. Yeah.
0: By the way, Worf gets through his downer and seems to be okay afterwards. Well, everyone
1: reports that he's... The gossip train says that he's doing fine.
0: This is kind of another step in the direction of Broken Riker.
1: I know, and I like that.
0: <laughs> I mean, Riker, Riker's staying on board. Picard, he wants to know why. He doesn't want to get into it deep, but I, I think it—it it really seems like Picard thinks it's the wrong decision.
1: I think Picard worries about having an executive officer who doesn't have that ambition. Yeah, I think I think that for sure.
0: And. Uh, and I think, by
1: the Oh, man, I love talking about these theories. I think that Reich, that Picard is kind of over Riker by the time of the Borg incident. Yeah. And has no choice but to just deal with him forever after he saves Earth. I think so. <laughs> like, he's just like, well, I don't think he's the best first officer, but, like...
0: Well, it's, look, so it's true. When Riker's, We all owe him a great debt. When Riker's so is bristling do? against Shelby Yeah, and Picard's like, that's you. Yeah, you understand that, that that's you, right?
1: That's you, and that's why I liked you, and that's why you're. This is the you,
0: you that be. I wanted. Yeah. And yeah, by the way, if you took the ship, I probably would give her a shot. It's not going to be Data.
1: Yeah, well, he's a robot. For Christ's sake. Um. So yeah, in my in my eyes, he he was a uh, he, Riker might have been in trouble.
0: So while then... we're while we're doing Broken Riker theory corner. Okay. Good. Uh, my. I'll give you my take on why Riker stays. Okay. Because Troy broke down crying. Absolutely. 100%. <laughs> and because he now hopes that his dad's going to be a part of his life. And by the oh. way, he's going to be disappointed. <laughs> oh no.
1: Well, there's the broken part. Cause I had in here, we totally got to order now. I have in here all kinds of stuff about him and, and what he does to Troy.
0: Like if Troy had made it through that scene better. Yeah you know without breaking down because i don't think she really wants him yeah but i think
1: what i had at that point somewhere way out of order
0: we're totally out of order but it's the most important question of the episode i think
1: Uh, what i had written down was riker at that point in the episode has already decided not to take the job but he wants to make troy a mess
0: (laughs) no this is his this is his haven
1: he wants to get that power back yeah. He's trying to get the power back. And yeah, somebody's yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Guess I gotta move on. Just you know, it's time to ramble. <laughs> I gotta you know ramble I mean? on. You know me, can't stay in one place too long. Well, summer's so. coming.
0: I gotta ramble on.
1: You know, I uh, I just gotta go. Gotta pick up my things and get out. You know, summertime, summertime. I gotta ramble.
0: I always said I was gonna leave this one horse town. That's <laughs> right.
1: So I think that's what he's doing in that scene. But I think you're right. I think he does expect his dad to be there, and then when he isn't, he loses all this shit again. Yeah, no mojo is gained. All right, um, so where? I'm uh, sorry
0: we're just- we're at, we're at exec- I'm supposed to tell you how I think they did execution wise right, on this let's episode. Do that. Okay, there are a couple of big issues with this one. Okay. We never learn what the stakes are with this Ares mission.
1: No, they're very cryptic. Well,
0: I, They've they discovered to a new, maybe know. a new form of life way out in the fucking Vega Omicron sector.
1: Yep. it take a year to get out. It's going to
0: take whatever. months to get out there at high warp. Yeah. They want, they want Riker because um, they think he's the man for this job, not because they expect there to be combat because they, they know what he did with the portal at the Takan yeah. of the Tacon empire. They know he'll put on the feathers He'll yeah. wear furs. He'll expose a nipple if he he'll needs p- to to uh, get the wear fucking job hearing, done. Dude,
1: he'll do anything.
0: Yeah. We never learn why he turns it down. No. Was it because of what happened with his dad? Was it because of what happened with Troy? If he, is he hoping things are going to change with them if he stays behind? Everybody says their feelings in this episode like a big student play, except when we actually want to know them. Yeah. In contrast, I think the Worf side of this episode is decent. I accept that his most profound feelings seemed like Rite of Ascension boilerplate. But again, that fits in with our other theory corner. Worf has no idea what Klingons are like.
1: How would he? He admits in this episode he has no memory of his father. Yes. Okay? How likely is it he remembers other aspects of Klingon society? If he doesn't even remember his dad?
0: None. He was before the age of... So... Understanding? What the fuck? Guessing. Uh, what was what well, Kern was before the age of something, right?
1: Oh yeah, maybe. That's so why that's no why one knows li- about him. Yeah, yeah. Worf is clearly reading Klingon Wikipedia and just being like, "Well, so a user uploaded this, so I assume this is what it's like on Kronos or whatever, and that's where he got the words to say for sure."
0: Yeah. Also, he's been practicing it in his head.
1: Oh yeah, one hundred percent.
0: Yeah. Um. To me, this episode is only a three in execution.
1: Okay, we're we're not far off. I had it as a four. Um, the resolution of the Riker feud is that they hit each other with sticks, and mm. then they're buddies again.
0: hmm They punch each other until they're too tired to punch yes. each other anymore, and then they're friends.
1: And it's again not nothing happens during the fight that that should lead to any kind of breakthrough. No. Uh, Kyle Riker sucks. And this episode should have ended with Riker telling him to go back to Alaska and fucking kill himself.
3: <laughs> yep.
1: Yeah. Right? I mean, I watched that episode. And I went, Wow, Kyle Riker's really the worst. Go He's suck a dick. Yeah, I couldn't believe that he... he. They have some kind of resolution at the end. Uh, this was another one of the all-time Little League episodes. Everybody had something to do. Um, and I only found it half effective in
0: that yeah, way. Yeah, a little bit. But, but no, really, everybody had full scenes in this one. Yeah. Troy, Pulaski, Jordy, Data, Data, Wesley had a bunch, Wesley Worf, Riker, Picard. Picard. Yeah. yeah. Everyone everyone got a hand except Guinan. Guinan. Guinan wasn't in this one. And yeah. probably if Whoopi Goldberg had been available to film, she would have done that first scene oh, yeah. with Worf where Data gets shouted at.
1: And she probably would have meddled in Riker too, right? Oh, God, yes. She have done either. They were both like psychological oh, issues.
0: It makes it a better episode, right, if Guinan's around? Yeah. I agree. Guinan with with can talk about that one of her kids who's a pain in the ass or whatever.
1: Yeah, the one who's uh, who's always been a problem.
0: Not a I listener.
1: Think. Yeah. Um I can just uh did we do Ben's execution?
0: Ben gives it a six. Oh. Uh bombshell right out of the gate with Riker having a chance to leave for a big promotion. Mm-hmm. Slow build on the Wharf B plot, which in the end turns into the most memorable scene of the episode and one of the most memorable of the season.
1: Is I mean, the paint? Memorable. memorable to you? It's I've always remembered it. I, I think it's so. memorable. Um I was surprised by the dialogue. I didn't remember all the dialogue. The
0: dialogue's not so great.
1: I remember the setup.
0: Frankly, the dialogue is fine if Data doesn't say that that what they're trying to do is is to express their most profound feelings. Yeah. Because that's, that's not obviously. Worf's most profound feelings. Yeah. Worf should yeah. be saying a bunch of shit about wh- what, is it, what is it even like to be a Klingon. Or, yes, Ooh, exactly. Yeah. Or that's a good one, yeah. Well, I mean, at, at this moment in time, his feelings have to be about, is he really a Klingon?
2: Yeah. You know? Yeah, it's not his most profound feeling.
0: Yeah, obviously, it, his... Everything about Worf's psych test yeah. is great and this and this is what i meant like the setup for this that you're supposed to express your most profound feelings while you're getting hit with these pain sticks is exactly like the sex poetry and it's such a beautiful like it makes the klingon so weird and perfect yeah that uh i'm mad when they're just dumb people who headbutt each other and drink then they're nude yeah, I'm mad that when they're new deck, exactly yeah. when they just do the fucking Bahat Ghoul, and then <laughs> That's I want to
1: do all day Bahat Ghoul. Bahat Let's ghoul. just oh, hey, they got
0: an android. Let's do the Bahat Ghoul.
1: Yeah, I want to beat an android at the Bahat, the Bahat Ghoul. Okay, great. Idiotic. Thank
2: you for that. New deck.
0: Uh, he's a six on execution. He's a four on world building. Okay. Uh, references and Bojitsu, Klingon pain sticks and their rituals, civilian strategists, armed conflict with the Tholians uh i agree i have it exactly to four okay and basically that's what i listed ben was in my notes this week
2: that's right uh
1: i I also also have have...
0: starfleet plans missions that can take months at high warp like they're willing to send a ship out far away
1: i wonder what it was that detected that life form
0: out there yeah some kind of probe or who knows
1: Maybe a random Klingon vessel was just passing by and told them about it, like that. Uh, <laughs> like in the Royale, yeah. The fucking casino. Uh, I also added a four. Starbase Montgomery for minor readout anomalies that they're having. Remember, this is all happening in the background as well. Oh yeah, like, we didn't
0: talk about it because it does not matter.
1: Nope, it's just something. Uh, for frankly, Jordy it's to an excuse
0: about. for data data to be really smug. Yeah. In a way that I did not like. <laughs>
1: That's right. Uh, Riker is selected, not offered. So they say selected for command of the Ares after the previous captain retires. And he's given 12 hours to think over a multi-year mission in a distant sector. Yep. Like they literally tell him you have 12 hours. To
0: yeah. Don't know why they couldn't give a couple more days. If they really want him.
1: Frinkison battle strategy at Tokyo base are all words from the script. <laughs> it's true. Uh, Guillaumon? Stroyarian. Some of the languages that the first officer. More exotic languages
0: that the first officer of the Ares has at his command.
1: Um, Starfleet had a conflict with the Tholians that was active as recent as 12 years ago. Yep. I wonder if there's any STO input on that.
0: I don't know. Tholians don't make an appearance in all of TNG. Yeah.
1: But what about STO?
0: I don't know if there's anything. I don't know if there's anything said in the 2350s. There, are, there is some time travel conflict with the Tholians. You do go back in time. It does have to do with the Tot and the destruction of one of their sons.
1: I've done some of that.
0: Yeah. So the Tholians are definitely involved in STO. Okay. You do? Shit. Son of a bitch. So there is definitely a, the mission where you rescue the Enterprise C hmm. from the Tholians. What? It, when you go back in time, you go into that alternate universe... Where you they help Tasha Yar and, uh, oh, Jesus. Shooter McGavin? Shooter McGavin. I don't remember his name. Castillo. Castillo. Richard Castillo. Yeah. You help them rescue the Enterprise C from oh. some Folians And then that's Spoiler how you get the Enterprise everybody. C as an Admiralty card and also as a ship.
1: Are the Folians working for the Romulans? This is so off topic.
0: I don't think they're working for the Romulans. I think that there, something went wrong with the timeline. In that oh one.
1: shit! Well, they tried to send it back through the. the yes, they went to the wrong and place, went...
0: and you have to set it right. And you get help with someone from the 29th century, and then set you set it right. It right so that you've done Toshyar this mission because can... I know you've got that ship.
1: And so you set it right so that Yar can be captured by Romulans.
0: Yeah, and then later on, you discover where she dies, and you find her grave. Oh, what did And she's left bummer. all of these notes behind. Oh god! That, and you're there with Sela
1: what is this some fucking weird old torture porn this show i mean this game. also
0: when you cat the one point you capture sila and you put her in jail and someone who is probably dated but you only see him from behind walks into her jail cell and puts down that crystal that shows tasha Yar's picture
1: okay there's a lot going and then
0: on she here. says tell me about my mother
1: let's talk about this, let's talk about this afterward. okay <laughs>
0: <laughs> By the way, don't ask what happened in STO, because there's right. always sorry. an answer.
1: I'm sorry. Um, and then all the stuff about the Klingon Rites of Ascension, Painsticks, uh, and Man's Periods, and uh, Ambojutsu. This is also in there. So I gave it a four as well.
0: How, how were you on characterization on this bad boy?
1: Always my longest section on TNG.
0: Yeah. Well, these are the characters you care the most about, but also this... They're this doing is, work. This is not even the show that does the best work, by the way. No. They do very good work. So their average... Oh, you know what? I haven't entered their scores for this yet. They might be the show that do the best work.
1: Uh, Picard is being cagey about why they need to go to Starbase Montgomery. Remember in the beginning? They're like, we can just take care of it. And he's like, yeah, but I want to go there for uh some layover. And you know what? We can just have him do it. You remember that? Like, Riker's not even really involved in that conversation, but he's trying to set up this Kyle Riker thing.
0: Yeah, I'm afraid it's true.
1: At first, I was thinking he just wanted a goddamn break and a change to (laughs) put in for some R&R, but I guess he was planning to surprise Riker. Uh, Connected Picard is so excited to talk about the crew of the Ares.
0: Yeah. Again, he is very connected.
1: How big is Starfleet at this point, seriously?
0: Well, we know they can pull about 40 ships together at Wolf 359. But that's clearly only ships that were within a day or two travel. And obviously they send ships out pretty far. Yeah. So... This
2: this
1: episode seems to say everybody knows everybody.
0: Well, Picard knows everybody.
1: Well, Kyle Riker's just walking around like he's met everyone on the Enterprise. So
0: here's the real question. What has Picard been doing since the Stargazer? Yeah. What was he doing in between Stargazer and Enterprise? Was he glad-handed on Earth somewhere?
1: You'd think with a major character we would be able to get those answers. Yeah. But it's unclear. But he knows the whole Ares crew. He's into it. Um, he admits the glamour and prestige of being XO on Enterprise. What must he think of being its CO? The card talks about the the great glamour and prestige of being the first officer of the Enterprise. But what he's saying is, imagine my glamorous position.
0: It's a good question. <laughs>
1: He says there's no substitute for holding the reins, which is kind of scary. Um, Riker's picked to lead the Ares mission, not because of his military proficiency, but because he's a damned explorer. Um, not too many years left of that in the Federation, I'm afraid.
0: That's a good point.
1: DS9's pretty much going to put that to bed.
0: We're done with exploring. And diplomacy, too.
1: Yeah. Uh, let's see. Riker and his dad clearly don't get along. That's two in one week. Uh, is Riker connected to? Cause last week we were talking about how I, I assumed he wasn't because of his weird Alaska upbringing, but everyone seems to know Kyle.
0: Yeah, <clears throat> but the question is, has that been useful for Riker at all? Like I don't know. Pulaski has never mentioned this, and she's not. She doesn't give an explanation for it. She says it never came up, but that's wild.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, his dad wouldn't let him catch a fish when he was nine.
0: And it haunts him.
1: Those are Deltron lyrics, by the way. <laughs> Wouldn't teach me outro when I was eight. Yeah, whatever. Um, Riker clearly had no intention of leaving just
0: one of Oh, now his dad's 58 and he hates children. He hates children. Forgot <laughs> where you came from.
1: That's right. Uh, Riker informs his dad that the wrong parent died. Um, he does. <laughs> Worf never knew Moke. How old was boy Worf when he was orphaned?
0: I get the feeling he was young.
1: Uh, He was, he's very shouty during his man's days. He wants to go with Riker on this possible first contact mission so he can die a true hero, which seems like a big leap. Literally says a true hero.
0: Yeah, they could, if they just spent five minutes explaining why this mission was dangerous at all,
1: it would have been helpful. Uh, Wesley wants to chat about Riker gossip with anyone who will listen That must be it, because I can't believe he thinks Worf is into gabbing with children. (laughs) But he just accosts him with it. Yep. Uh, He's a dang old meddler, but it helps him figure out Worf's Day of Ascension. Uh, Geordi is really being a dick with these Starbase engineers, following around being really sarcastic. Is it because he's going to miss his old pal, Will Riker? From the hood?
0: I don't know. You think he they're really... friends from the neighborhood? <laughs>
1: yes, from the USS neighborhood. <laughs> um, or is it just that he really resents the Starbase crew checking out the engine room? And that's, that's really all there is to it. Um, Look who's at the bar. Pulaski, getting ripped as always.
0: Yep. <clears throat> Sitting at the bar.
1: Mm-hmm. She doesn't waste any She's time. She's a pretty
0: senior officer. She would probably squat one of those tables. No one would say shit. Even yeah, if she, she was just... alone.
1: She just parks herself there.
0: Yeah, <laughs> Gets she planted. just slides up to the bar. Keep that orange stuff coming, she says. I don't know Doused. what it is, but I want it.
1: Yeah. Uh, Kyle and Pulaski are old lovers. She's been married three times too.
0: At least two of them in the last twelve years.
1: Mm-hmm. She nursed Kyle back to health, and then they made sex noises like Will Ferrell and Rachel Dratch. <laughs> I assume is their love story. Uh, O'Brien as the relatable everyman Talking to Riker and Ten Forward about family Yep O'Brien doesn't kiss Pulaski, he just nails her I see Isn't that what he indicates?
0: Well uh, When he sees them kiss Riker says, they know each other And uh, O'Brien says, I know her too But we don't do that yeah, but your theory last week was that they do do that. <laughs> they
1: do some stuff.
0: But now you're modifying it to say they must not kiss.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, that makes sense, really, if you think about it. They're there for a very specific reason.
0: She, I bet she smokes cigarettes too. Oh, for sure. I bet she fucking goes By into way, a Jeffrey's tube and disables a vent or something and smokes a cigarette. Not like I in think it.
1: anyone really wants to get really close to Callum Meanie's face. Yeah, you know. They're there for something specific. Um, O'Brien keeps his shit clean and uh he doesn't give a shit if Starbase inspectors wanna come and uh take a look.
0: Yeah, his transporters are fucking in order.
1: He gives Jordy no cover on that. Nope. Jordy's like, Well, how would you like it if they were looking at your fucking transporter? And he's like, Yeah, good, bring it on. Yeah, my, my shit's, shit's clean. clean. Unlike yours, my shit doesn't break. Oh, it's gonna change later. <laughs> um <laughs> Data's gossiping with Wesley, this time about Worf, but he's having fun being one of the guys with Jordy, making Wesley chug and run around campus naked or whatever. Yep. Uh, But Wesley did eventually sucker him into uh, into talking to Worf on his behalf. Troy is in this too. She finds out firsthand that Kyle Riker sucks. (laughs) Then gives Riker a big ego boost by losing her shit about him leaving. Troy's makeup's very distracting. She wears a lot of makeup.
0: Yeah, it's, it's pretty caked on, for she sure. Looks
1: like a cool, weird little clown. Uh, but she's too classy for Klingon parties.
0: Yeah, she's Amen. not into this painstick shit. That ain't how they do on Beta Z. They no, ring they a gong them. and they're naked. What do yes, you want?
1: That's exactly it. She and Kate get to have a men conversation. We've seen
0: the gong, right? That's Haven? Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely.
1: Okay.
0: Please continue the petty bickering. Yes. Okay.
1: Also, off-screen, they gab about how funny it would be if she became her mother-in-law after a double wedding at Angel Falls.
0: Yeah, but it's only a joke for one of them. That's funny. Uh,
1: I gave it a five, because it was kind of a good mixed with bad in there.
0: Uh, So I agree with you there's a mixed bag here. Uh, In fact, I only gave it four points. Um, Pulaski loves dick, but is not good at marriage. Like you gotta be bad at marriage. Like she has three exes and they're all still friends. And also Mm. she ran off to this ship trying to make Picard number four.
1: I yeah, I think so.
0: Until he did a murder.
1: (laughs) She can't there's some things she can't deal with.
0: Yeah. Data's absurdly emotional in this one. It's really distracting. He's emotional in the first scene when he insists that the shit is fine. Yeah. And he's emotional in all the wharf scenes and he's emotional at the end. He's super smug when they say to program the readouts and Picard's like, just exactly like Mr. Data like, suggested. And he's like, fuck yeah.
1: Like I did it again, boys.
0: Um, <clears throat> Wesley's better in this one than in most episodes this season. Even he's definitely he better meddling? in this one than in the chocolate one.
1: Yeah, even though he was meddling a lot, he, uh, you're right, he didn't seem as Will weed y
0: Yeah. And, of course, Worf shouting, be gone, is great, but it's wild that he would do that to a superior officer.
1: I know, he says the data.
0: And also, be the gone! only guy on the ship that we know for sure he can't beat in a fight.
1: You know, I'm not sure who Worf can beat in a fight. I don't
0: think he <laughs> Well, straight. so Worf exists to get beaten up, to yeah, to sell bad guys, right? Like he's,
1: that's, he's the big show. He's there only to sell exactly. whoever the latest wrestler is. Like he can't even shoot straight. Worf rarely hits someone with a phaser blast.
0: Uh he fucking nailed Cargon.
1: <laughs> he did nail Cargon. That's Cargon true.
0: turned away and turned back with that disruptor, and Worf was
1: on it. That's true. That's a good point. I've gotta give him credit.
0: Um Troy shows up about halfway through this episode, but she does mostly good work in it. Yep. There's only a little bit of Picard in this one, but I've really found it odd that he's so out of touch with Riker. Yeah. That he, he just at no point does he figure out that Riker's got daddy issues and that it's maybe is going to affect the decision that he makes.
1: He doesn't want to admit that he gave him a bad gift. This is a great surprise <laughs> that he gave him. So he just is pretending that it's a really good gift.
0: So I'm at a four here. Ben's all the way up to seven on this Whoa. one. Uh, he says he thinks Riker should be the bigger man. But like... I kind of agree with your take on this, which is
1: Car Riker's the worst.
0: Your dad sucks. Why do you have to why do you have to fix it?
1: Yeah. Your dad yeah. should have to fix it. He's your dad. That's what I say.
0: Uh, let's see. Uh he likes that Riker turns to O'Brien, the everyman, and the bar to talk it out. Yeah, it makes perfect sense. Every show should have an O'Brien, most of them don't. DS9 has O'Brien, but he's not the O'Brien. They blew it. In that yeah,
1: show. he's not the O'Brien of the show. Exactly the O'Brien. Right.
0: Who's the O'Brien in Deep Space Nine? It's probably the Klingon restaurateur with the concertina, right? <laughs> I was
1: gonna say, I mean, the one I want to have dinner with is Garrick, but it's different.
0: Yeah, it was very... No, if you have dinner with Garrick, you're also playing a weird game with him, I'm sure. Yeah,
1: which is fine because I want him to devour
0: me. Garrick doesn't have any casual dinners.
1: I want him to eat me alive, that's yeah. all I'm saying. No,
0: oh, for sure. No, me too. I get it. <laughs> <clears throat> I'm uh, gay for Garrick. Also, that's oh man, that's gonna do be a, our shirt. That's our shirt. Yeah, that we made shirt. our shirt. Hell yeah! <laughs>
1: uh, I'm gonna. We should definitely mock that up. Um, uh,
0: let okay, Well, he gave it. A good, he thinks good that Pulaski's score, three divorces are because of her drinking habit.
1: Yeah, obviously. Well, that and whatever comes along with it.
0: Why doesn't Troy join in the on the rights of ascension? In uh, let's do some quickies.
1: All right, you you first.
0: Uh, why does Starfleet have civilian tactical advisors and what did his dad do to get that job? Yeah. Like how did um, being in what Alaska what was the career path background. that led to being a tactical advisor? He,
1: he told them all about this time he outwitted those bears.
0: He told them all about Haradon Karitsu. <laughs> like guys, him what we gotta it. do here is cheat.
1: He couldn't tell him about it because he couldn't pronounce it. Yeah. <laughs> It was a hard time. They didn't understand. He was talking to Japanese because it was at Starbase Tokyo, but they didn't understand.
0: Uh, Riker's still mad about this fish his dad caught. Then I couldn't figure out how old Riker was supposed to be. I thought
1: he said... Oh, now, in the present. Now, in the present. Yeah, okay, yeah. Get into it.
0: Because... Like, I just... I, I don't remember the math, so I can't do it again, but what I wrote here is, is Riker supposed to be 28 or is it just twenty-eight years since his mom died? I think. Like, that's I definitely it. thought there was a thirteen-year period, and then they haven't seen each other in fifteen years, and it's like
3: it says
1: he was born in twenty-three thirty-five. That episode. So he's thirty. Yeah, the that, I think that's right. Thirty
0: or thirty-one this year, right? Because this is twenty-two yeah. sixty-five, probably, or maybe early twenty-two sixty-six. I forget how they work.
2: Yeah. I th- uh the, the the the
1: Icarus factor. <sighs> Sorry, I know we're already one million minutes into this.
0: Um, at this point, we should just luxuriate in it.
1: Yeah, twenty three sixty five. So he's about thirty.
0: So he's around thirty. So. And by the way, this is the second time he's been offered a ship. I think Ben may write that it's the first one, or somebody wrote that it was the first one. Maybe not Ben. Sometimes I confuse things Ben writes in his notes with things that that German guy writes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't remember who said it. Because I think it wasn't both... Ben this time. I think ben it was, sounds uh... like
1: burned. if you like, we're having a stroke. I, know,
0: think I think it was burned. I think Burn said this was the first time Riker was offered command. It's clearly the second. So yeah. he would have been pretty young when they offered him the Drake, probably 28 or something.
1: But the Drake does sound like a piece of the shit. The
0: Drake sounded like a real piece of shit. For it's sure. It's probably an old Oberth class ship or something.
2: Yeah, something nasty.
0: Um, But the Ares sounds like a real, the real deal. Like, it may not be an amazing ship, who knows?
2: But, like, yeah.
0: clearly this is a long mission.
1: Claims to be Renaissance class. Without support. Which is...
0: Oh, is that just a weird kit bash because we see the Ares in best of both it's worlds unknown. or something? Okay.
1: It doesn't really have any pictures of it.
0: Um, Let's see. Uh, I thought uh, it looked like Frakes might have been working out a little because it looked like he was starting to get pecs in this episode. And then I was like, oh, man, in 10, until like 10 episodes, they're going to change the uniforms.
2: I know. And he's going to sort of let it all go. That's it.
0: He's been wearing this spandex for a long time, but like uh, it takes a long time to put on muscle.
2: Yeah. Anyway, uh, Troy
1: uniforms are nicer later.
0: Troy is a good enough friend to lure Worf to this thing, but not a part of his family on board. Although O'Brien is. And Pulaski
1: is. O'Brien and Pulaski are there. It's like, what? Okay, I guess they're friends with Worf. Okay.
0: How weird a day as an extra must it have been to be one of these painstick boys?
1: Yeah, you show up to this casting call. What are you even here for?
0: That said, you had to be over 6'2".
1: Yeah, they didn't really say. They weren't clear. So they're going to be prosthetics. I don't know.
0: I couldn't wait to hear what Ben thought about all this good, good Japanese being spoken. He didn't mm. say shit about it.
1: He probably didn't know it was Japanese. It was really bad.
0: Ben, probably nothing to say across, about that Japanese.
1: probably across his random noises.
0: It's so bad. It's so wildly <laughs> bad. Uh, Haridan
1: Karitsu! <laughs> he was like, oh boy. Uh, Onagashimasu! And my final question,
0: <laughs> why is Haridan Karitsu illegal? It seems like a pretty good move to me.
1: Yeah, it looks so good. It
0: did not. I don't know what was illegal about that.
1: I don't know, but Riker screams that it's illegal, so it's pretty clear. He says, you can't do
0: that. It's illegal. (laughs) That's
1: right. What does it mean? Like, literally, it means like eighth degree
2: rule? Something something? like that, yeah. Yeah. Uh,
0: I gave best actor to regular guy, O'Brien, and uh, worst actor in this one, too, Data. Well, been a while surprise. since Data earned that honor, but he deserved it.
1: He gets it whenever no one else does anything obvious. I know you, I know you got quick hitters, buddy. Oh, yeah. We're doing okay.
0: Icarus Factor this week.
1: So, like I already said, the way that Picard is building up the special briefing he's got going on, Riker definitely thought he was going to get it. Um, I had Best Actor candidate LeVar Burton for various things he does in this episode. Um, but There's... maybe Be Gone, Worf because I enjoyed that a lot. Um, Riker's dad is like, I didn't contact you for many years because, well, parenting's really hard. Yep. And then we find out what <clears throat> fuck it Troy, fucking
0: says. I, I stuck it out for 13 years. <laughs> Get over it.
1: <laughs> I'm, I'm getting to it. I'm building my case. <laughs> Then we find out he's like a Will Riker wannabe, that he's jealous of Riker's success yeah. and all this shit, and that he, admi- he, like, he envies his career. Then the dude says he deserves a lot of credit for being a dad for 13 years, and he why really, isn't anybody giving him more credit? He
0: really does want credit. <laughs> Where's like, my credit, oh my he says. How come I this, can't have any credit?
1: Then we find out he's been cheating his son for years since he was a child, that he wouldn't let him catch a fish, and that Riker had to cook eggs for him. He's the worst. He, he Kyle pretends he doesn't know who Troy is. Yeah. Until they're in the conversation and he throws it in her face that she used to get real ugly with Riker. Just, like, knocking ugly boots.
0: Yep. He's the worst person. He's a piece of shit, for sure. <laughs> He's
1: fucking terrible.
0: But, uh, drunk soul Pulaski would have married him in a cold minute.
1: Oh, yeah. She was into it. And she knows a lot of other people who would too or something. She was just, she was swearing by this guy. This scene, I, I posted on Twitter that I wanted so badly for this ambujitsu scene to be recreated by John C. Riley and Will Ferrell. Oh, yeah. I wanted it so badly. But I want it to start when they're confronting each other right before they go. And he says... Too bad
0: there's not an ambojitsu ring on this <laughs> ship. Actual dialogue.
1: You know, it's a shame there isn't an ambojitsu ring nearby. Riker steps right up really there is deck 12 the gymnasium <laughs> this is a real sentence yep like wh-
0: it's not even dialogue monster it's um whoever wrote final fantasy 10 did that to them
1: <laughs> yeah uh let's see Pulaski acts like ambu jitsu is a death sport or something
0: it seems, like, it's extremely well padded, by the way.
1: I've, I've seen it. It's two idiots, as you pointed out in Motocross Gear, hitting each other with American Gladiator props while blindfolded. By the way, I, love their, fine.
0: I love their fucking uh, spray-painted Air Jordans that they wear with it, too. It's very good. If you just watch that scene in detail, everything about it is pretty good.
1: I, I, I just desperately... If they just recreated it, note for note, Oh, yeah. like, they don't change anything. Just you know, one of those Will Ferrell
0: comment. things that's not, strictly speaking, funny. It's just funny that he's doing it. Like, like when, when he... they
1: recreated uh, the David Bowie and uh, Bing Crosby. Um, drummer Boy. Little Drummer Boy. Yeah. Like they just, re- just basically redid it word for word. Painsticks, the way it is spelled on the captions, is my favorite German metal band.
0: <laughs> it's S-T-I-K. every time in the captions it's stik like canon like they were going to trademark it later
1: (laughs) dog it is a secret known only to klingons how can he get away with saying that stuff
0: because he thinks it's true like we and he's used to being the, the klingon uh expert
1: But he admits early in the episode he doesn't even remember his own dad. But then he's like, oh, only Klingons know about this. Dude, you don't know anything about it. And again, Wesley just checked his browser history, and that's how he figured out to get onto the Klingon Wikipedia. Um, Is it weird that I've always preferred how Worf speaks Klingon? I think he speaks it good. I
0: like Like, the way he speaks it, too. It seems real when he says it.
1: I think maybe his false teeth give it, like, an airiness.
0: He hisses his Klingon quite a bit, yeah.
1: I think the Koreans describe it as half air, half voice. I see. I think that's what he's doing with his Klingon. Um The Bile of the Vanquished flows over my hands to Wharf. That makes us bile buddies.
0: <laughs> We're bile bros.
1: Um and Sergenka's next week, bro.
0: Yeah, oh I know, dog. Listen, I'm super excited about that. Hey, before we get into the numbers.
1: Okay, good, because we're almost four years, four years, four hours. feels like four years. Let's make it four hours.
0: Should I get Marjan a Vote for Garrick 2020 The Plain Simple Choice t-shirt? <laughs>
3: just Plain Simple Garrick.
1: That does sound pretty good. It's so
0: good. It's such you a just, good idea.
1: You've just been Googling Garrick merchandise. Well, I
0: specifically Googled Gay for Garrick t-shirt because I would. the idea was so good that I was sure it had been done. Somebody now, it turns them. out there are a lot of Garrick t-shirts in the world. We are not the first to have latched onto this, but there's no Gay for Garrick ones as far as I can see.
2: And then we can make it.
0: Uh, but I do like the plain, simple choice. Everybody tell it's us such on a, Twitter. It's so smart. Whoever did that the first time was very good.
1: Everybody tell us on Twitter if you want to get in on this order of Gay for Garrick. <laughs> we're going to do
0: up some Gay for Garrick shirts.
1: <laughs> uh, I do remember seeing one where we were voting for Ducat. For 2016, or something, and that he was going to make Cardassia great again.
0: Yes. Oh, what the fuck is this? Is this a Garrick quilt? Hey, bro, we're we're four hours in. All right, all right. Let's not get this thing wrapped up. That's not Garrick at all. What are we doing? I did the math, by which I mean I dragged down on my spreadsheet. Okay. in 5th place this week with 25 points which actually ain't even that bad for 5th place not bad frankly yeah. cuz uh, the current mean after this week is 31.29 so 25 not that bad it's a yeah. little over one standard deviation off tuvix voyager yeah, sorry it was voyager bad but not terrible you came in last again but at least this one's not that embarrassing yeah in the fourth last time
1: by the way we had a week where uh, uh, like 25 was last place. In week 29, two episodes scored 29 and tied for last. Yeah. Being the average of Sokana and dead stop.
0: Yeah, that was a good week, by the way. That week we had a 19.2 average from me and a 16.8 from you, which is uh, pretty good. This week, uh, you're much better, and I'm uh, not quite so good, but uh, it was a good week this week. Uh, Number four, with 33 points, Next Generation with the Icarus Factor.
1: That's good. That means I'll get to see them sooner. Because they finished fourth. Oh, that's true. You don't have to wait so
0: long to watch them.
1: I watch in reverse order.
0: Number three this week with 38 points. The original series, Journey to Babel. 38's respectable. 38's not bad for number three. Uh, In second place this week with 40 points. This came so close to winning. But it didn't. Enterprise with Stigma. Still, it yeah. picks up 15 points on Voyager.
1: Well, look at their premise score. There it is. Boom. That's how you get points. I mean, that's
0: it. That's it for sure. If you get a 13 premise, that's, uh, that's going to help you out a lot. Uh, first place this week um, it's with their sixth win overall, Deep Space wow. Nine, The Maquis Part 1.
1: I like this one a little bit more than you, but you still had it second place.
0: Yeah, I had it second place. You had it first place. We were flip-flopped on Stigma, which was my first place and your... I guess it was your third place. You had uh, Journey to Babel in between. But um, either way, it got a 19 from me, which is a pretty high score coming from me.
2: Yeah,
0: And a 23 from you. And uh, that's good enough. 42, highly respectable. Still in the top 10%. Um, no real stinkers this week. The worst uh, thing across the board was Voyager's world building, which we gave a total of two points to.
1: They weren't interested in two Same as last week, where we
0: gave two yeah. points to world building for the thaw, an episode which took place entirely inside a computer simulation. It just
1: doesn't make any sense. This should be the this should be a show doing just a ton of world building. And
0: yep, and we should be learning about the Delta Quadrant, but we should also be using it to learn about uh, the Federation yeah. and what it means to be in the Federation, etc. Anyway. Uh good week. 35.6 average is quite Very high. Good. Yeah. And next week, week 40. Can you believe it? Not next week. Next week is our 100th episode. Uh, it will not be a Star Trek episode, thank God. No. But two weeks hence, we are watching Friday's Child. I literally have no recollection of this episode.
1: I, I just can't remember. <laughs> I wanted to, but I can't. Yeah.
0: Uh, we're watching Pen Pals, or as you referred to it earlier, Sargenka. I cannot is- wait. This is a great episode. Uh, Data's a real shitbag in this one.
1: He's terrible. I don't understand. <laughs> oh, uh, Friday's Child, I believe, is the one where them them and the Klingons are fighting over uh, um, influence on these on these dang old aliens on this planet.
0: Got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. Yeah. Uh, we're watching the Maquis Part Two. We're going to close out that uh, Cardassian Maquis story.
1: Cannot wait.
0: There, we expect there to be more Ducat.
1: Uh, there better be. He got kidnapped.
0: <laughs> what happened to Ducat?
1: <laughs> yeah, it's important.
0: Uh, Voyager, we're watching something called Resolutions.
1: Mm, I know, Don't know what. do know what that's is. about.
0: And for Enterprise, Ceasefire. I'm concerned. The idea of a ceasefire sounds good coming out of Enterprise, but it does suggest that we're going to open up with a non-ceasefire situation or end with a non-ceasefire situation.
1: I read the teaser or the spoiler or whatever, and it did have something to do with Andorians and Vulcans.
0: So. Oh, shit. You know what, though? That has scored points before.
1: Well, it's because it's going to have you-know-who. Shran. Oh, you to see Shran? Yeah, Shran's yeah. back.
0: Boy, how He's much longer, how long show. do we have to go before we meet Shran's other incarnation? Um, Wayune?
1: Weyoun, well, he has two on DS9. There's also going to be Brunt.
0: Oh, Brunt. Brunt so, Is Brunt a liquidator?
1: Yes, liquidator Brunt is okay. one of his. And then there's also Weyoun. So um, he's got a lot going on. He's got a lot going on in Star Trek.
0: All right. So that's uh, that's week 40. So we'll be doing that in two weeks. Can you believe it?
1: Oh, man. that so We've made it through
0: 39 episodes of this thing. This one, they, almost four hours long. I
1: was going to say, they just keep getting longer, too, as we go, so... <laughs> Great.
0: We had some stuff to talk about this week. We did talk yeah. about motherfucking Tuvix for an hour. So, oh,
1: by the way, we rushed.
0: Oh yeah, so definitely rushed through Journey to Babel.
1: By the way, you're welcome everybody.
0: And could we have said more about the Icarus Factor?
1: Oh yeah, hell yes, yes we could have. <laughs> yes. All right. I could everybody. have. I could have
0: talked about the Oan eggs again. I really could have.
1: Just open that one back
0: up. They belong in this. We
1: scene. spent an hour talking about it last week.
0: <laughs> Maybe they're what puts Worf in the bad mood.
1: He, he just has a him. tummy ache from
0: eating those fucking Owen eggs oh, and it's just yeah. the last straw for him. And by the way when he gets those pain sticks room. he shits his pants and it's all better.
1: Well that's not your best theory for Theory Corner but we'll I'm tired
0: on. and my voice hurts. So. <laughs>
1: this is very this is such a long project.
0: I don't know how radio hosts do this.
1: They take breaks they commercial breaks and I shit. I that's
0: true. But I was googling do- and stuff.
1: We should put in commercial breaks.
0: We should do commercial breaks. Now, because here's what had happened. We'd do three episodes. We'd stop for a minute to, like, drink tea or whatever. And then we would just be like, I don't want to do this anymore.
1: That's right. We can't think any I'm done with this fucking over.
0: project. Yeah. <laughs> uh, every couple of weeks, I ask you if we could just not do it anymore. You,
1: usually after you've seen a Voyager episode.
0: Yeah. Um, but that's what you've got to watch next week. Friday's Child Pen Pals. The monkey Part 2. Resolutions and Ceasefire. You can Fill tweet at mailbag. us. mailbag. It, is a, it it's is a mailbag week next week. Uh, I don't know how you feel about it. I think we're probably not going to be ready to do album cuts next week.
1: I haven't made a ton of progress. Yeah.
0: But it's still I mean, coming. To. It's coming may down it the on. pipe. There's no reason that album cuts has to be our 100th episode. Yeah. Uh, we'll get to it.
1: Um, You can also find us at brotherdate.com. You can find us on the iTunes. Uh, fill up the mailbag and wish us uh, your your best possible wishes for our 100th episode. And then... um tell us whether you want to get it on that gay for garrick t-shirt order. <laughs> bye everybody bye bye Paul Wilson must be mad that Tom Paris' rebel arc is through he's got nothing to do anymore now I realize the actor who plays Tom Paris is not named Paul Wilson but I couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't bother to look up his name so I just picked something <laughs> that sounded
0: white Please <laughs> subscribe.